Welcome, Mr. Skin Deep. Welcome to Bridge the Gap. My name is Holden Stefan Roy, and this is the show where we go through the lives of very interesting people such as yourselves, and we go through your journey, and we extract knowledge nuggets, and we learn a whole bunch of information and histories and whatever comes up as we go through your journey. So thank you for being here. Honestly, it's a pleasure to have you. I fucking love your whole backdrop. It is amazing. It is really <laughs> well done. Um, yeah. So yeah, how are you doing today? Why don't you give a, a little quick summary of who you are to the people? I've been told that's a smart thing to start the show with. <laughs> uh, for those who are in the know, peace, peace, y'all. It's your boy, Action Figgy Skinny, and I'm here with another Tory review, aka review of myself, Skin Deep MPL, uh, aka Serious Black, uh, aka I'm a guy who's been in the city for a long time, producing beats and just you know, low key pushing people to do the best that they can. Yeah, love it. About. So basically, we're going to learn about how we got to such a polished fucking bullet point brand assessment of this. Man. That's actually really eloquent. You dropped like four occupations in like through little sentences, and that was pretty fucking great. Um, so I, I try. <laughs> I try. What up, Rico? What up? What's good? Yo, so I do have my token first question I like to start with to get the ball rolling. It's a little bit of a story. When it lands, it lands. You can answer it however you so feel inclined. And it starts with my girlfriend. And she's washing the dishes. And she's playing that Black Eyed Peas song on her phone. That I got a feeling. Ooh. And she's vibing <laughs> to this track, right? And the thing is, it's, yeah, it's yeah. nowadays times that she's vibing to the track. And she's washing dishes and she's like dancing around and stuff. And that got me thinking about musics and vibes and things, right? Like, cause yo, 10 years ago, we was all up inside of the clubs. I got a feeling dancing around drunk as fuck with all sorts of different purposes and intents in our life. When we heard this song, it brought out a different vibe and emotion. But the same song. A decade later in time, it plays a completely different role and purpose in the lives of the very same people, which got me thinking about all the club songs today. The Cardi B's, oh. the Migos, is all this stuff, and how in 10 years, all of that's going to become the chores music and the exercise music of a whole bunch of people growing up. And that's like just baffling yeah. to think about because music is so attached to journeys and things like that. But then we as people who are artists in this, this whole world, we have our own journeys with it. And when we often think about it and talk about our journeys we tend to start in this like adolescent realm when we discover our identities and we want to like attach ourselves to things but really it goes like way back it goes way back right. to as early as we can remember like in my case i can vividly remember being like four or five years old my dad's got these like gray boxes that are linked together going out to the speakers with the wire cutters and the different things and he'd be busting out these like led zeppelin and metallica tapes and stuff and then at christmas time there were these christmas remix techno tapes that he had and my mom had these like knockoff disco albums and stuff i can't remember and like i know what you're talking about because my whole... dad probably had them same records and just like yeah i feel what you're saying it's like new jack swing but not quite and it's like all of a sudden the christmas song somehow but you're like no yeah, yeah i know what you mean yeah yeah, 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 yeah and yeah. then so i just realized though all of these things that existed that i can remember that i absorbed from being young kind of really tied into my life way later on so I was hoping we could take a skin deep character, Mr. Action. I don't know which it is. Is it Action Skinny? Is it Skin Deep? There's a lot okay. of Okay. So like, all right. I'll break it down super, super, super quick. Uh depending on where you want to take this journey. But for music, it's skin deep. For this, it's action figgy skinny. Skinny being from everyone who knows me in music as skin deep. 
usually ends up calling me skinny. All right. So, yeah. Respect. That's, that's helpful. So skin deep it is because we do it in the music side for the most part. But it's your life. And so we can transition between the two and whatever it just makes it. Skinny it yeah. is. All right, skinny. Um, mm. So I want to hear about the musical sca- soundscape of like a three to five year old skinny as earliest memories and what it kind of sounded like, the technologies, the vibes, the stuff that was like happening back when you like really just started the journey. Very early. Okay, so I come from a history of musicians, but not quite, but kind of really. Um, my godfather is, um, you could say a local fame, but like Cali of Cali and Dub, he's my godfather. My father being Malcolm Roberts, aka Fitz, he spent a lot of time doing sound engineering for, you know, local clubs, Balatu, Station 10, um, bunch of shit. So he, they were around. Um, so music back then, three to four, five-year-old skinny is listening to a lot of Sade, uh, some Bob Marley, some Toots, like a mix of everything, some Sparrow, the Mighty Sparrow, because my mom's from Trinidad and we got the Calypso like mixed in there. There's my sister, there's Bobby Brown, like a motherfucker. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not going to hurt you, but like Bobby Brown all day, we had American, uh, the American Music Awards of 1990 filled on videotape. So I would like, I knew the choreography to like um, every little step I take. Actually, no, he did my prerogative that year. But basically, yeah, it was it was wild. Like that's three to five year old skinny is that. And oh, yeah. that's amazing. We're not done there. There's still stuff to unpack. So you're, you got the VHS is going on. That's fascinating. And you were watching yeah. the VMAs and you watched, that's our first. Nobody's brought up like memorizing choreograph of award shows. But I love yeah. the detailed list. But that was a big thing. Y'all watched award shows every year? So my mom, yeah, we would watch like, okay, it would be the the roll call but like mostly the music stuff so it'd be american music awards would usually be the best one then you have the grammys that would be kind of boring the it would be the naacp they would do award shows back then too and then you'd have the essence awards which was also them so yeah the naacp essence awards or whatever those were sick um mtv i don't know if they were doing award shows but i don't think we had that channel yet but essentially my mom was just like big on that stuff she loved bobby brown she loved whitney houston she loved like anita baker and like uh hold on it's escaping me uh patty labelle like she was big on that so she would record the award shows to kind of have their performances and then we'd run them back and then as soon as i learned how to use a video player i mean sorry vhs uh video player while i'm old <laughs> we basically i would just play it back every day learn to dance moves and then kind of that's where i kind of got my groove that's amazing because honestly i was gonna follow up and ask if you dance i ask all the everyone's dancing at five years old i dance like a like i dance yeah i dance i love dancing so dancing was a big dancing and like being like a i also drummed as a kid but like dancing was like a big thing because the running man the first running man came out when i was a kid Right. So like hammer hit when I was like four and that was stupid. Like the craze over that and over like just doing all sorts of hammer moves. And, you know, you remember MC Hammer, you like can't touch this. Okay. So imagine that you're a four-year-old on that type of scale. It's basically like the scale of like baby shark, but it's hammer. So all the kids, <laughs> oh, you're right? You're right. Right. Okay. right. You're right. It's fucking baby shark, but it's hammer. And everybody's doing too legit to quit and like can't touch this and all that and then he gets the soundtracks for like ninja turtles and like come on now like and adam's family and it's over come on hammer was crazy back then so 
yeah, 90s, 90s and four-year-old and three-year-old skinny, that was a time. Everybody who came up at that time, they know what I'm talking about. But yeah, it, it was some shit. Yo, this is already an excellent answer. So, already you're dancing, you're busting grooves. Were you, like, singing along or were you just uh, dancing? Yeah, I'd sing along to, like, my, you know, hardest, like, I, to my to my best ability. I would try to sing, but I was more or less concerned with, not so much the beat, but more, yeah, the beat. Like, I was really kind of into what was playing in the background. What were they kind of, like, getting down to? Especially, like, they had this one group. It wasn't Bobby Brown. They were four brothers. And I looked this up. Yeah, okay. So this is, it's not really plagiarism now, but they were called The Boys. And they were, like, a four-piece group of kids. Came. I think their parents were Jehovah's Witnesses. But for whatever reason, kind of like um, Another Bad Creation, who I also really loved as a kid, they were just like really, really new Jack swing essentially to me was like butter on bread. It was just, I loved it. And that influenced me a lot. So to kind of sum it up <laughs> a bit. Now nah, we don't have to sum up anything. It's like the opposite. These are just great stories and everybody wants to hear about it. I know it's weird sometimes, but like people actually love the fact that they now know that you like were choreographing shit at like five. That's, that's actually cool. It kind of it goes into a bit of like me now it has a lot of like how I go about life is like all that choreographed dancing and like listening to hit points and when to come in and all that stuff kind of played down into who I am today. So, That's true. Yeah. But also we're just all humans and like we can all relate to that. But believe it or not, not everybody does the things you do. So everybody I ask this question to answers it extremely freaking differently. Like sometimes we get a couple of they line up similars, but they just never come out the same. So it's just so cool to see how many people get their passions and things at such different ages. Like you're young, already absorbing music and caring about beats. Sometimes that doesn't come to adolescence anyway. So it's like freaking cool to see that. But your family's also linked to music, which is something that yeah. we learned about in a bigger way. Yeah. So in environments sometimes where people's families are linked to music, you see that more interest in like the seriousness of music. Whereas in my case, man, we just had that shit on in the background and it wasn't until I was like twelve that I gave a fuck about music in any real way. Oh word, no she in my <laughs> house it was like the complete opposite. I was okay, so I was heavy on the cartoons and toys. I was obsessed with toys as a young kid, but then also through that, I got into Muppet Babies. And through the Muppet Babies, I discovered Animal. Animal was a drummer. From that, I just started drumming on shit around my house. My dad flipped around, turned me, and got me a Junior Pro drum set when I was like, for my fourth, yeah, yeah fourth perfect. birthday. He gets me a junior pro drum set and then like legit i'm a self-taught how old am i 36 this year four years yeah so 32 year self-taught drummer that's I, what you were looking at right now so so and, far we're in like great zones we're gonna get to the today and now but yo just the fact that at four years old you already started and you taught yourself how to play the drums yeah and all to like new jack swing beats which is why i say it's such a big influence because all that mm. is like exactly what i well, you know what's crazy is i was listening yeah. to your beat tapes today and granted this is like back in the day i've also heard some of your stuff that you sent me from whenever you made it and mm. yo your 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 percussion i like you like and i noticed it it was like a stand outside of it but this it just makes sense you've been busting this shit since you four four or yeah. five or damn that's a lot that's real cool so the next yeah. question is uh were, were you into drawing 
when you were like down at this point you're already into like fucking everything else yes yes i drew oh my god yes. sorry can i swear you can swear all you want i'm smoking a joint right. <laughs> you are smoking a joint all right cool uh, I will... <laughs> oh man all right yeah i did that outside before because like you know not per se of image but you know i just don't usually burn in video settings but most people who know me in this crowd know that i can burn down like a tree so i'm mm. okay i was but, like uh, never going four hours without smoking a joint so oh yeah after i cave <laughs> <No>. <laughs> i will cave eventually you might see me like switch locations at some point but um uh <laughs> so essentially um i've been i was drawing so much like i i would i loved coloring books so i remember i had particular coloring books i was really big into ghostbusters so i had this ghostbusters 2 coloring book i don't know many other kids who had this thing but like you'd have to like color in okay they were drawn like the cartoon but it was based on ghostbusters 2 the movie this was the most broken coloring book i've ever seen but i love it um every scene from that movie even them steering the uh the statue of liberty is in there and you would color it so i kind of i got into coloring and really being like about getting the colors right and then i would draw my own stuff my own heroes but that was like later on it was like when i was like eight but at four i was more or less just coloring and coloring in stuff and trying to kind of like mimic what i saw ninja turtle stuff so on that's mad cool vince price had that coloring book which is blessed and yo you did word all right that's sick it's fucking cool man we all go back together um so all of it even your critique of the coloring book is fucking entertaining um okay, okay so vince will understand this okay so he was he says he was obsessed with ghostbusters i loved ghostbusters so much that and he might remember this i would watch ghostbusters every day at like was it 3 30 on like abc like i would tell my mom like legit my mom's watching general hospital or something i'd be like no no no, 3 30 you gotta cut that because i'm about to watch these ghostbusters like what's up so <laughs> what happens was one day I remember turning it on and Ghostbusters isn't on and you just see like these shadowy figures and then some thing pulls up and it says Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I remember being like, what the fuck is this? And that changed my life forever. So if anybody remembers that, shout out to y'all. But like the day that Turtles actually like overtook Ghostbusters on like TV timeline, that was like big shit. Because all of us, we were obsessed with Ghostbusters and then most of us switched to Turtles because it just kind of, that's when they were just pumping us with toys. But anyways. Go on. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's so it's so interesting to hear you say that because I missed the Ghostbusters by a couple of years and I just got the turtles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were you were like so you're eighty seven or eighty eight? Eighty seven. Eighty seven. Okay. That's, that's pretty yeah. fucking spot on. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a couple of years. Like for me, like I don't actually have any affinity or real love to the Ghostbusters. Everyone goes on about it. I'm not even this is a huge run. Shout out DJ Overflow. Overflow, um, what up, dog? I'm not even that into Bill Murray that much. I'm just going to put it out there. It's not that he's bad. It's just I don't have any real love for it. So, like, all of it is understood. But it's also because maybe I just missed it when I was young enough to get that attachment that a lot of other people got. Yeah, I think Ghostbusters just kind of popped up on us. And, like, especially with the movie with the Bill Murray, like, I don't remember really being all into the movie. I remember seeing the movie afterwards. I just being, remember seeing the cartoon and that having like a huge, huge influence. Excuse me. And um, and uh, yeah, the cartoon was like a big influence on us. And then there was also like the other ratty, shitty cartoon that was also called Ghostbusters, which those who know there was a lawsuit, but that shit was on YTV and it was just called 
Ghostbusters, and it was two dudes and a gigantic ape. So, like, there was a lot of that. So I actually <laughs> remember that. That I can remember because I watched YTV, right? right? Like, right. Up. I loved YTV. YTV like brought me up as a kid. It's the best. So I wanted to be right? on the zone. The best. Like they need to be honored for raising like kids through eighty-five to eighty-eight. They just raised us. Cause no, big yeah. facts and big facts. But um, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, that Ghostbusters show, the Ghostbusters that we watched, real Ghostbusters, He Man, all that. Yeah, like we were kind of like that was our bread and butter but then you you got turtles you like when you came up you got turtles and they fed us turtles morning noon and night at a one point you would get ninja turtles every day at 3 30 and then still a brand new episode of saturday at like 10 o'clock in the morning and you're like all right as a parent you don't know what to do with that but as a kid it's like that's candy land so yeah i was i remember reboot beast wars a bunch of other shit was really like mm. really it for me those were like my jobs yeah. That's all, yeah, that's eight, nine years old, Beast Wars, re- reboot, man. Wow, okay, like, we're going to go in a different area if we start talking about cartoons and movies. It, it's I mean, at the end of the day, it's about you, and if it takes mm-hmm. multiple parts to tell your story, then it's just you're that interesting and you're that diverse of a human. All that kind of fits into my story, more or less, so, I mean, it's more or less like a joint journey. It's just like, as I was coming up, I was a nerd kid that would, like, love cartoons and didn't really get into basketball but then like really stayed toward comics and then music was in there and yeah it's kind of like a lot of us dude i was i was i tried out for the basketball team at wager and mm, went to wager hey all right so, and so i'm 12 years old trying out at the basketball team having never played in my life i got cut real fast real <laughs> fast um, yeah so i hear that a lot um so let's go back to your like five so already you're, you're coloring you're mm-hmm. already studying music you're already yep. learning to play drums, which is yep. serious, and you're learning to sing and dance, which is like yep. a lot of things, a lot of things happening. So I guess uh, I don't know what else is super remarkable in your childhood that you want to comment on. As we go through it, I kind of go sequentially. You kind of play out your life as it goes a little chronologically. We tangent, but since you're already so fucking packed by five years old, I don't want to overlook key details that are dope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. Uh, well, again, I was mentioning. My godfather being like, at the time he was touring a lot. He was nominated for a Juno at one point, Cali. Yeah. uh, So he, like, I, my dad being like the sound man, our, our garage from when I was a kid, I've always been around sound equipment, like, like uh, mid speakers, bass speakers, tops, uh, huge gigantic snakes. Uh, like 12 channel to 18 channel to like 32 channel mixing boards. That's like my life. Uh, my dad would just like, cause my mom would work. Actually, no, my mom wasn't even working. I would just like go with my dad. And she was like, she would work at some point as a crossing guard. But then later when she stopped, I would just hang out with him during the day. And we'd go like up North. He'd have to do like a sound check. I'm four years old or five. He's bringing me into these bars. They're like, you can't bring him in here. And he's like, what am I going to do? And I was like, okay. So I go in with my dad. I'm listening to Smooth Operator by Sade in this in this van that, like, I think about. I'm a, like I'm about to be a father in the next three months. So I'm oh expecting shit! Congratulations. Thank you. And thank you. And I'm 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 like, thinking about the car scene and all this stuff that we got to set up. And like thinking back then, like I ain't had no kind of car seat. I was in the front with whatever rickety dink kind of seatbelt my dad had for me. <laughs> Sitting in this car, bumping around, and like just listening to these tunes on his broken ass radio player, and like, like, listen, Black Velvet, 
that's my jam. Like all these old, old joints that like, ah, I'm trying to remember the singer and you might know him. Um, or actually Vince might know him. Uh, <laughs> hold on. Blind dude who would uh, play his guitar like this. Somebody hit me. Uh, either way, I loved him. Uh, loved a lot of Canadian rock. Loved a lot of old school like white snake and shit that's what my dad would play up there on our rides there and like yeah it was just these there's just kind of like a lot of moments like that concerts being in places where i had no business being jeff healy that's yes shout jeff out rico healy. blocks for the shout win oh jeff <laughs> yeah. beck jeff beck too but jeff healy whoo actually shit i think he did a concert up north and i think my dad had to like bring the equipment for that and like yeah i stayed to see that sound check because I was all about the sound checks. They would at least let me see the kid see the sound checks. And if there was bigger, big people drums, as I called them there, I would rock them things as long as there were drumsticks. If there were not drumsticks, I would use my hands or whatever I could find. But yeah. Hold that up, was hold like... up. Let's pause. That means that we're saying like this young, young skinny is up in mm. real stages with real drum kits playing real drums that celebrity peoples use. Before anybody would be there. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because my dad, like, he would bring their equipment. That's just as cool, man. Like, I went to this independent wrestling thing that my buddy got to. uh, It was the the Chinese wrestling. No, it's the Chinese wrestling thing. I always forget. OEW or something. Yeah, yeah. My dude is the guy who brought them into Canada for the first time. So he did all of the shit to make it happen behind the scenes. And then he's the guy that was there. So your boy brings in fucking Chinese wrestling peoples. You go show fucking love, right? So who's, your, who's your boy? Hold on. Is it, uh... Oh, yeah, I heard of him. Yeah, he's, he's my dude. He's on Twitch now. You should, you know, that's my guy. Like, he's he knows all the worst things about me. All of... all to all local wrestlers. Y'all are dope. So, yeah, he, he just got into the journalism of it, covered the Chinese wrestling scene enough to catch their attention, brokered the deals, made it all happen, did all the legwork, and worked with, whoever it was got people from AEW and all the different leagues anyway so i go out there and i was at this thing and i got to pick up whatever fucking local league it was his championship belt dude and we took a picture with bonnie and it was so fucking cool just to like be at the ring and shit like i don't know dude that's fucking blessed stuff to me just that is really dope so now you're doing this with celebrity drums and shit so it's like way cooler it was cool at the time it it, it probably didn't impact me as much but I mean, not then, but now that I look back on it, yeah, that is pretty cool for, like, a four- or five-year-old to be doing and, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of. It's, it's pretty fucking blessed. <laughs> All right, yeah, so can't complain. Can't complain. You're clocking mad experience points and you're getting over the stage frights because you already get the stages. It's a lot of useful things. Also, to add, all this while living on Benny Street in NDG. Shouts to NDG. DG, DG. Yeah. That's where I came up originally. Yeah, yeah, it works. That's fucking blessed. You <laughs> do uh, a lot of that. I, I, I like that a lot. It is, you know, that's cool. You're a fucking great guy, man. I, every, you know what? You know, what I can say about Skin Deep here is everybody kind of gets a smile or a positive fucking vibe when they bring up this guy's name. And that made me so excited to talk to him that I probably got too excited because, yo, when people have that kind of energy in the world, you just want to talk to them. That's not a fake thing. I don't put out fake shit like that. That was a real thing. It was an observation I, I made. Um, anyhow, so you're like five, six. You're fucking blasting around. You're doing all of this. You're dry and you're obsessed with cartoons and stuff. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know what else is significant in this area that you want to bring up as the story moves along. Usually it's kind of like that until about adolescence when you kind of hear a song or whatever 
or some kind of significant thing. And usually with music, like we around puberty, it all changes a bit because we get our identities and stuff. So I, I know for myself, it was the Thon song oh. by Cisco. Oh I heard that shit. <laughs> okay, look, for what it is, sure, but sonically that shit's a banger. Okay, I don't care what oh, anyone yeah, says. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but yeah, that yeah. was the first time I heard a song 12 times in a row and just wanted to keep hearing it again and again and again and again and again. We did that to my poor grade six teacher. It's a real story. As a class. Wow. <laughs> so we played that bad boy. So I'm wondering if you can kind of remember some of your early obsessions that you were like into and it was like really about your choice more so than that's my parents records eight years old going to new york with my mom's and my sister on a bus crisscross and buster rhymes the coming were my albums like i stole buster rhymes the coming tape from my sister she was listening to swv we would switch but like i remember having that tape and then going down on the bus and just like i'm eight i have no business listening to buster's first tape no that's business fair. <laughs> but my mom was cool with it. So I was just like, all right, cool. You niggas ain't shit that you abandoned shit. Uh, eight is not right. But listen to me, that was great. And then I think that was 93. So that was right around 93, 94. Whenever Ready to Die dropped, we were in New York. And so like a lot of those songs were big influences. But the big Yo, one was. What was it like being in New York back then? On Flatbush? Nuts. It's like you lived <laughs> uh, in New York? I didn't live. We, my uncles who came down from Trinidad moved here and then kind of set up in New York. So they were both in Brooklyn off of Flatbush and going down, like going down that year, driving from Montreal with the family and stuff and staying with them in their like Brooklyn apartments. And like shit was real. Like there was tapes everywhere on like the street. I think most of the tapes that I bought or we bought were probably bootlegs. I have a bootleg Lion King VHS that at the end of it, you hear people clapping and shit. Like <laughs> I still have that to this day and I will keep it and always tell people, nah, that's the Lion King. Like, I don't know what version you have, but I got, I got that shit so early and brought it back. I think the Lion King came out that year. And then we went to New York that summer and I brought it back to school in September. People were like, how do you have this? Like, this is not even out yet. I'm like, no, 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 this is the video. <laughs> yeah. That That's kind of what I wanted to go with it. Cause I mean, I've had the pleasure of doing this with a lot of New York people. So in my head, I'm seeing a huge drastic difference between life in New York at that time and life in Montreal at that time, but not Ooh. just like. Not the like fucking gritty shit, but I'm talking just the music, like just turning on a TV and seeing hip hop versus not, or having mm -hmm. dedicated stuff like Stretch and Bobitos versus not. So like there's huge impacts that like it showed like the pulse of it. Plus from what I understand, like stuff was dropping in New York, something like in some cases musically years before it would mm -hmm. bubble over to Canada. So I don't know. It sounds cool that you were able to like go down there and crab music and all this stuff ahead of time. Were you like in general yeah, well, and a trend was, setter? Uh, <laughs> no, it was just like a big influence from having an older sister who was like six years older. So take it as if I'm six, she's 12, right? And then she's kind of coming up right into like that young adolescence of like hip hop music or whatever is kind of being passed down to her. So everything that she's kind of getting, I'm absorbing because I just wanted to be like her best friend more or less so shout out to my sweet. sister Keela. um yeah we would just uh, she would listen to like biggie and then i'd be listening to biggie she would listen to boy listen when i got a hold of shabba ranks <laughs> ring a ling a ling school bell a ring that shit like listen being a young kid and going to a suburban school because at this point we moved back we moved to dorval and i was like going to school with a bunch of kids who had never heard of hip-hop before and then like <laughs> having to kind of like 
like these are like some of my best friends now. These like a group of like eight guys. These are my boys now. But like back then, kind of like you know, trying to like explain to them like, hey, this summer I did this for two weeks, and then I brought ballet Busta, and I showed them this, and they're like, why are you wearing like? First of all, they'd be like, Akil, why are you wearing your shirt backwards? And I'm like, crisscross. Like you never heard of you know I missed a bus no and then jump came here and then everybody was on that shit right so like it was very like there was that curve as you said as you were talking about how things would like kind of bubble in new york or whatever in the states and then come up here that was kind of like living proof of that was like i'm coming to school my pants backwards already and teachers looking at me funny and whatever and then like maybe six months later kids themselves are doing that because crisscross is now getting big here and stuff so yeah yeah, that's crazy. That's such a blessed experience. Plus, you're, like, tapped into, like, a pivotal moment at the beginning of hip-hop while you're in, like, hip-hop land, you know? Like, that's Yeah, really and, cool. I, and not realizing it at the time, too. Just being like, oh, we're in New York, and I'm in this like, place you, called like, Brooklyn. See, did you see street battles and things like that? or Couldn't tell you even if I, like... I couldn't tell you even if I remember because my focus was, like... Again, being a young kid, I'm looking first probably where I could find some toys or where I could like, you know, watch some cartoons that That's I wouldn't fair. see normally up, you know, because like I was oh, big uh, into TV. So I knew how that many cartoons is down there that we don't have it, back then. Well, they had Cartoon Network for sure. One right off the bat back then they had Cartoon Network and they had Fox. We didn't have Fox then. Mm. So going down there, you get like animaniacs you're getting like early cartoon network and disney channel stuff which is only stuff that we were privy to like way later like in the early late 90s early 2000s we got that stuff that's fair i kind of remember it but like i didn't realize there was such a a division back then because let's be real i don't remember much before like 93 94 it's all foggy so why like, you don't remember the cold war you don't remember desert storm that shit was g man watching that shit on 2020 friday night what dude, perfect I'm strangers like bro three <laughs> in like 90 <laughs> like i mean i can kind of yeah. remember it i remember yeah, like, like foggy like, like i can remember my grandma's basement my dad playing nes so like i remember like a family tetris night i remember that was a thing one time <laughs> like old yeah, school TGIF, yeah. You don't remember? You were, actually, you got TGIF. No, TGIF, but, like, is, but that was around after. But like I'm saying, like, yo, like, yeah, for real, like, yeah. my memories under the age of five, now that I'm in my 30s, are, like, foggy at best. Like, I have some of them, but most of my memories are not, like, from my first five years of life. I hang on to those shits dearly. Like, there's this one memory from when I was, like, maybe five, and I get to, to the Bobby Brown choreography. So, like... I think <laughs> I'm dancing to let's get it started by hammer and I'm doing some shit where like, they're just doing like this crazy uh, back and forth, like kind of like the running man, but to the side, can't really explain it. But at some point the guy kind of does like a back flip, but he jumps forward and lands on his back. Me being like four years old and maybe like, I don't know, my bones were hollow at this point is the only time where I did like a standing in place back flip in an apartment on Sherbrooke street on benny so you know these rooms aren't big I did this in, <laughs> right so i did this in a corridor kind of in the slash living room from the leading to the kitchen and my mom lost her shit she's like are you crazy you're gonna break your neck i didn't know what i was doing like i just did this and next thing you know my <coughs> my hands were in the air my feet were where my hands should be and i was flipping and i was like okay no that's incredible um yeah. i just i remember we did a musical in daycare 
and I, I vaguely remember. I know I've seen it on videotapes. It's reinforced. So we did like the Lion King or Aladdin. I think we did Aladdin. And mm -hmm. all I remember is there's this footage of me with a pair of twins walking up the hallway at three years old. And I'm like, this is the most interesting video that exists of me. And then you just watch That's us do it, cuts to these music. And I'm just like such a fucking dork at three. But I mean, I'm three. <laughs> so it is what it is. And so, yeah, I guess there's like memories there. But I don't have a lot but that from that era. Like most of my shit was like not as riveting as like oh. running up to like drum sets and being so musical there there's a lot of video game stuff my dad played a lot of nes so like yo by seven years old i'm i beat dragon warrior one that's a flex but like it's not the biggest fl it's it's just this what it is that was the first video game i ever beat dragon that's quest a, one that's a big flex my dad wanted me to read so he said play rpgs yeah yeah hell yeah okay and uh you and then he made me play Koei strategy games, which I don't know if you know what those are because nobody knows what those are. Explain. Like, like romance. I might of, know them. Romance of the Three Kingdoms or Bandit Kings of Ancient China. You would basically run a, a, a series of governments. So you would have a province and you would yeah. like manage the food, the military, the whatever. You would invest in the ecosystem, raise up armies, and then attack mm -hmm. other provinces and then raise your empire and you'd try to conquer the map. That sounds like many games that I played, but I yeah okay I know what you're talking about. Oh, that's not dope though. So that's what like I was doing when I was like fucking really young. So I mean it's kind of cool, and I read books and shit, but like it certainly isn't like a hodgepodge of specific memories that are blessed. It's more like we did a lot of things. I watched my dad play a lot of video games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I played a lot of video games too. Like our my uh, my dad got us a Nintendo and. We got like the basic what came with it Mario, then Mario three because like no no people were <laughs> black people weren't getting Mario two that was a thing that black people didn't have we didn't have Mario two right. we had sometimes Zelda why because Mario two was like that like <laughs> listen no, there was always the weird kid that you go to their house and they'd have like Super Mario Brothers two because that game was so like off and it didn't really make any kind of sense so like. There was a few kids that I would go to, and they'd always like, no diss to only cat, childs or whatever, but like a lot of my only child children friends would have Mario Two, and I'd be like, all right, cool, you're just gonna hang out with that game. So there was that game. My parents, my mom got me this. Oh, I remember this flea market. It Is it because like was there no multiplayer for Mario Two? There, it there was, but it was super shiesty. Okay. Like Mario Two was just weird. Yeah, like. Like three kind of had like more of a the two player lockdown. But like I, I played, like I played two, and I watched a crazy video on how they just stole another Japanese game and reskinned it and a bunch of right. shit. So like I now right. know about it, but I didn't right. know that like that was a thing that like people paid attention to who owned that game or not. Dude, what? Because okay, it's weird, but I'm a I'm a, okay. I'm a Gemini, so I'm weird, and I kind of no, like you agree. Too I fucking love this conversation, but like. Mario 2, when I saw that game and maybe even played it once, I knew that something wasn't right. Right? Like, even then, I was just like, nah. This ain't, like, this is not the same people that brought us the last game. This is something else, because why are we, like, throwing fruit? This has nothing to do with... <laughs> like the dino <laughs> bird thing. Right? What is this thing? Why are you, like, shooting eggs out your mouth at me? This has nothing to do with the last game. There is no turtles. There is no, like, Goombas. Like, what? what is it? Nah. nah and I'm three. four, like, mom, no. No. <laughs> like, this ain't right. 
<laughs> I feel you though. I feel you. I always wondered why this game was like in this franchise because you would get that. Because on the Super Nintendo, they released that like All Stars All edition, and that's right. when I first played two. And mm. I'm like, this is this is ain't it. Because you had like, one <laughs> and you had three, so like, why are you wasting your time with two? Exactly, exactly. So we had three, and then we had this weird game called Breakthrough, which was just like a car game that you would drive along, like side scroller, and you would jump from like highway to highway, and you would shoot like rockets, you get power ups, and you get like all sorts of like spray guns, whatever. That game was well cheap, but super dope. Um, and then my dad, the year that my parents fucked up. And didn't get me Power Rangers, but instead probably started the greatest thing they could have ever done for me, which they got me X-Men and Robin Hood Prince of Thieves, which is the one of the flyest RPGs on NES. Wait, so you played say, any say word? Robin Hood Prince of Thieves Hold is up. a super dope RPG, but not like classic RPG. It's kind of like, it's different. It's very different, but it's a very, 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 very good game. So like it's a game based off the movie? Yes. Oh, Kevin I like Costner, those. all that. Kevin Costner, all that. But it was really, really good because you'd like you'd be one dude and you'd be like walking around and you'd have like mini fights like Zelda. But then at some point they'd get into these like you'd have a party of people. So you'd have him, Asim, eventually Little John, who would like you'd have to cross a bridge to beat him, and he had like his there stick spinning over his head. A second, I just covered you for a second to show them what it looked That's like on Google. So yeah, yeah, yeah. this game I'm looking at it. Oh man, this game was. This is my shit, though. I loved this stuff when I was young. If you find an emulator, play that game. Because that game was hard. Oh, no. That doesn't make me want to play it now. Now I'm bad. But you could equip... Okay, so you have, like, different people on your team, just like in any RPG. But then you could equip them with different weapons. So say you're Robin Hood, you got the broadsword. You can give your regular sword to Asim. Or then he could get his big-ass sword, and you can give, like, the the crossbow to, like, Little John or, like, uh, who is it? Will Scarlet or Friar Tuck. And then in these, like mini battles which for the time it was garbage graphics but like everybody would be little stick figures those guys would have like some of the guys you equip with bow and arrows would have rapid fire bow and arrows to take out all these like soldiers that would come at you and it was fire man. did you ever play like fucking shit like ogre battle i did play ogre battle yes that's what you're bringing me to this is amazing this is a great chat i want you to know that yeah i played that i played uh wow i played a lot of games as a kid yeah me too man I mean, I, I wasn't very popular or cool, really. So I had a couple of homeboys, and we played video games together in our basements. Or, and we played, board, like, weird board games and shit. Okay. But, like, um, so, yeah, that was my whole past. Like, you know, just a lot of NES and SNES. I was a big SNES guy. Oh, you're a SNES kid? Nah, man. See? Well, no, but Genesis. no, no, no. NES and SNES. And then okay. uh, then my boys had Genesis's, but, like, we, yep. we couldn't afford both. My dad was already a Nintendo Ooh. guy, right? Like... Right, right, right. Because right. it wasn't for us. It was so he yeah, could play Final Fantasy three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I was. He definitely wanted to play fucking Chrono Trigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yo, he was on point then. No, my uh, I asked for a uh, Sega Genesis. <laughs> my parents, shout out to my parents, I love them. So like, I don't know if you're privy, but back then Sega came with like the bundle pack. So you would have like the Sonic two, yes. bundle pack. Oh, yeah, my boys had it though. The guy who lived across the street had it. So I got the okay. Sega experience. So you're going to want to get your kid the Sonic 2 Sega Genesis, right? Like, you that's definitely what you're going for. If this is what you're trying to get your kid Christmas Day, you don't want to spend no money on another game, you're going to get your kid Sonic 2, right? My parents, <laughs> I love, God bless them. They're still here, but I love them. Shout out to my dad, shout out to my mom. 
they go and get me the Sega Genesis bundle with Columns, which is Sega's equivalent of Tetris, which is so bad. <laughs> it's not even funny how bad, like, being a kid on Christmas Day, you get a brand new system, and all you got is columns to play with. It's pitiful. It's like you don't even want to play this. I did. <laughs> but it, I mean, <laughs> I, I played it until I bought, I convinced my mom to buy me a uh, bootleg, well, not bootleg, just buy me a copy of Mortal Kombat 2 from a pawn shop on Sherbrooke Street. And Yo, I know that that's story. where I was. You know that pawn shop? No, dude, my dad, because I, I, I grew up, right? Like in the area. So right. my dad would be like, Okay, let's say my dad wasn't like in that life, but like I found my dad some biker friends and shit, and then like you think about it, and you're like, oh, my dad was maybe like hanging out with some people that were like, you know, a little riskier than I was a, a yeah. pretty to so, Like you know, you start to like make these connections as you get older. <laughs> like hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> like yo, he yeah. lived in that like this one guy lived in like the storage units in like fucking next. I swear, this one of one of his boys was like a, a guy who lived in the storage units and shit. I'm like, okay, that's some like when you think about it as an adult, you're like, it's kind of grimy, you know, like super <laughs> grimy. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, for real though, this is great. I haven't thought about video games like this for a fucking long time. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah that's cool because it's it's a huge part like for me like of my childhood at least in video games. Um, and cartoons really was mm. like my obsessions kind of growing up. I was not into athletics. I was very bad at athletics, so I oh, did I not sucked. pursue that. I'm with you on that. I sucked. I was mm. chubby. And uh, I was not necessarily encouraged to sing because my voice was pretty bad. Pretty, mm. pretty, pretty bad. So I, uh, in defiance later on, pursued that. But like, as a youth, it was like, now nah, I'm on reading video games and like fucking cartoons. That was like it. Yeah, you got my yeah. Like that was kind of my lifestyle. Once like things kind of well, things never really calmed down. But once I kind of got into like more of being a kid, and we moved from DG, it was a big time about video games. And then I was that kid at school that could play the drums, and you know, I mean, that's, but that's it wasn't like really extra like, fucking cool off the jump that you can be the kid at school that plays the drums. I could rock a recorder, sorta. You see, it had its moments. It was cool when I was 12 and I really, really showed up. uh, My teacher at Machine High at the time, can't remember his name, I think it was Mr. Wright. But afterwards, before that, yeah, it was kind of like people really just wanting you to like, I wasn't like a plaything. People would be like, yo, like, like you should. Every concert, teachers trying to get me to play the drums. They try to incorporate me to come, like, play the drums. And I'm just like, all right, that's cool. But then I got to get my dad, who's like, who works at night because he, you know, does sound, who usually sleeps during the day because he's a night owl to bring my drums to school and then set it up and do all these. And it's not like I'm doing anything like great with these other eight year olds. I, it's, it's like they'll sing like a song like Sa Ferrier Les Oiseaux, you know that joint. Yeah, I do. Okay. So we're seeing, and then they've just like 10 minute drum solo for a kill. And you're like, no, that doesn't make any sense. Like, why are we doing this? Oh, because you oh, could, man. and then the school Shout gets news. Park. <laughs> yeah, these people get like news coverage over that shit. For sure, for sure. In Dorval, a six-year-old young boy named Akil Roberts is a prodigy drummer because he goes to this school. No, no. I mean, you say it like satirically, but literally, I saw it quite like that. In all seriousness. <laughs> <laughs> That's, bro, did you not see how Westmount High School just claimed Kamala Harris? Just claimed her, like so. <laughs> straight claimed her. I did see that shit. <laughs> oh, 
she's ours. She's ours. She came from here. <laughs> anyway, that's just exactly what these people do. Anyway. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I remember, uh, like, this is like a just okay. So my school, Cortland Park, when we I, in Dorval, it was like a, a lot of shot. My greatest friends are from there now, but Devin Sultandeek. I went to school with him as a young child. He ended up being like a much music VJ and he hosts some show on some whatever, but shouts to Devin. Um, I, I don't know what he's doing right now. He's in Fantastic Four as an extra. Uh, <laughs> his mom had some sort of like, I guess, link, I guess, to like the Jane Goodall like foundation. So all year not even year all like month we're learning about jane goodall like the monkey lady like she talks to apes right okay right she is amazing she is amazing live i shit you not one day recess this woman's in my schoolyard jane goodall live standing right jelly (laughs) jane goodall standing right there i go to my boy mike mark houses i'm like yo mike there's a monkey lady he's like what are you talking about mike that's a monkey lady he's like you're crazy i'm like no 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 dude that's jane like We've been, that's her. Anyways, so we had split classes in like four or five because schools in Quebec were nuts back then. You'd have to like, you'd have uh, some classes that were like four or five and then just four. So four or five split and then four. Devin was in the other class. This motherfucker brought Jane Goodall. Jane Goodall all the way from wherever she came from. Does he do an assembly for the whole school? Nah. My man does a private assembly for his class only in the library i hated that motherfucker from jump after that (laughs) jump you don't do that we spent our entire time learning about this lady like this interesting phenomenal woman phenomenal and you gonna bring her to the school because your mom has hookups and you're gonna only show her to your class kind of shit is that not good shit not good shit shit. that is up there with one of the best stories i've heard Honestly, Weird. just unexpected, but great. Um, yo, but thinking of it, back in elementary yeah. school, they did bring in a lot of really cool people to talk to me in the library. Yeah, they did that. Schools were doing that back then. They were big on that. Yo, the schools not do that now? I don't know. I'm not a parent. I don't know. I haven't been. I don't think so. <laughs> the way kids are into something, I don't think so, man. I, don't, I think they cut that out. Like, mm. a lot of these things got cut. Like you'd read a book and then the author would be there and you could ask questions and nobody ever had questions because like because they were too shook. <laughs> no, it's more like because we're like thirteen and nobody gave a fuck about this book that we were forced to read. You know, <laughs> like sometimes it would be lit and you'd have that one person who was like, "I want to be an author," so they would ask that generic question and get the generic answer as you do. But at yeah, thirteen, it's a good time to ask that question. That was Amanda Seabeck in my high school. She would always be that kid. Like, nobody has any kind of questions. We just want to leave. And then you see her with her hand up. And it's like, glaring mm, at her. Shut up. <laughs> and her questions are wild good, too. So you couldn't hate on her. But, like, yeah. No, I feel that. I was totally that person in, like, work trainings. I'm like the guy at the end of the training or the meeting when there's like... You didn't listen at all? No, no, no. The opposite. When oh. everybody knows that we have to go back to calls. And you know that Holden can come up with a question that'll take the bat in 10 minutes to answer. Okay, I like you then. All right, I play with I like you then. But in high All school, right. it's the same person. True. True. <laughs> True. True. Damn. All right, I appreciate them now. Wow. 
And also shout out to Amanda because later in like life, she'd see me randomly and like I'm like walking before I had my car and she would just like be like, hey, you want to live somewhere? I'm like, I-, I haven't seen you in years, but sure, I'll take this lift to Determinus. Thank you. You know, so always be nice to people, people, because yeah, you never know. Facts. Yeah, people remember the craziest stuff. Like you, often yeah. the craziest positive stuff. All right. So you're like, you know, young and uh, yeah. you're you're basically drumming and stuff. Yeah. Uh do you like rap or anything? Are you a rapper? Uh, okay. So like all producers are rappers. This is my thing about that. All producers are rappers mm-hmm. that wanted to rap but are just too shy to actually rap. Or we're not shy, but we just can't be bothered with it. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, it's Yeah, shy. I could think of words to go to this beat that I made, but you could do it too. Do <laughs> right? It. And then I could just really enjoy what you're saying but also i just get to listen to my beat more that's mm. the way i see music i'm dissecting the beat i don't hear rap like a lot of people be like oh i need conscious rap i need or i need like grimy gangster shit eight out of nine times nine of the times like really the lyrics to me just kind of accompany the music so i'm really like dissecting how many times that hi-hat hits there or where the snare hits or where how where does the baseline loop begin where does it end or is the baseline in tune with the sample is the baseline off key i'm not really checking the lyrics i can listen to griselda all day because i love griselda and i love that they're gritty with it because i love their fucking beats mm. right and I can honestly, listen to Migos because I love Migos beats. I love. If you go just... back to like just the delivery yeah. of Griselda in particular, um, yeah, they know how to ride those beats in such a way where they blend into the instrument as almost like a vocal element that's delivered in elegance to add to the beat to complement it. Whether it's the toot 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 as like a percussion yes. instrument, yes. or if it's just the ha da ha da ha da ha da ha ha. Or whatever, it adds a little melody and, and flyness yeah. to it, and it just glides over almost like a horn or something on top of it. So it's like I fucking see what you're saying in terms of just the sonic composition of them. Yeah, so really, that's really kind of like where I was <clears throat> or where I come from when it comes to music and or lyrics and uh, yeah. No, that's blessed, man. So basically, though, I guess I was asking if, like, you know, you're 12, whatever, you're in high school, everyone starts yeah. rapping around everyone. Are you one of these 12 year olds trying to freestyle and get in on that game? Are people's oh, battling? Shoot. So, <clears throat> people at 12, we weren't. So I wasn't around those kids. Like, there was a time where I kind of, like, broke off and did this, like, weird, like, alternative shit. <laughs> I don't know what I was doing. Yo, but, uh, was great, sir. I know, I love alternative stuff, but, like, I was just, like, not. I hadn't discovered rap yet. So everybody mm-hmm. who might have been freestyling, I only we only linked up later, which like shouts to Rodney, aka Brick, because this is gonna come back later on. But like we were friends at a young age and then I moved and then we lost touch. So that kind of comes back later. During these kind of 12, 13, 14, 15, I hadn't really realized that I wanted to do music like that. I know I listened to music in a weird way that wasn't normal, but I didn't discover that it was like producing is what I wanted slash needed to do. That came through like later with bad news and whatever. We'll get to that part then. Oh yeah. But um, with the, in high school, the rapping people, I always knew that I could rap like rapping. It's a lot to do with flow. A lot Mm. like right. What you say in the words you use. Yes. When you get to like an advanced level, but at first cadence and flow is really what could carry you big facts straight up and straight up and down you can say 
absolutely nothing. But if your flow is great, <laughs> it's amazing. Honestly, I know a lot of rappers don't like that, but that was like the hardest lesson to learn as a rapper. Is that like my my writing is maybe less important than my delivery? It took yeah. me a long time to learn that lesson. Now I'm like, fuck, my delivery is not it, and my writing, I like whatever, whatever. But delivery, part of delivery is beat writing and just making it sound melodic enough. And I, when I say melodic, I don't mean singing, but like really good yeah. rappers are in key. Even like the mm -hmm. monotone one, they still adjust their voices enough to be like in key with the beat. Like even the DMX is in them, you know, like you hear it when right. you're like really listening for it. So I really like what you're saying. It's really good advice. And yo, anybody out there that makes music, all producers say what he's saying. Like <laughs> every producer I've talked to says what he's saying. So y'all <laughs> should probably listen to the producers because yo, a way yeah. to look at producers is the director. And if you're in a rapper like me, you're like the actor. So yeah, you, you kill it, but you still have a director. That's going like, here's how you can kill it better. And that's why producers say a lot of the things they say, because at the end of the day, they absolutely know what's going to sell the record. Whereas you as the artist know how to make the art. So when y'all can meet in the middle, you have an artistic product that's marketable. True. True, true, true. All facts. So that's why I'm saying listen to his advice a lot more than you would listen to my advice on songwriting. Because I'm an artist. I'm, I'm, I make terrible marketing choices with my songs sometimes. There's so many times where artists will send me like their very early rough drafts of a track. And just because of the way they flow slash the feel of it, I tell them keep that no matter what. And then they turn around and like do something different. And like to me, not the magic's gone, but like the essence of what originally was there is gone because like it was just very powerful to me. And like a lot of that comes from your cadence and flow and how even just how you say certain words. Like someone will rap on my beat and I will call them back and be like, say that differently, please. Or like, I'll try to like, yeah, I, I think for boom time, your, your track on, on a CL's joint or my, sorry, your one of your favorite tracks on CL's joint, yeah. but the track I produced, um, I think the first verse I told, no, the second verse, I told him to do it again. He showed it to me. I was like, yeah, that ain't it. Do it again. And like legit, he just like he had gone to like Longre and recorded it, spent all money and shit. And I'm like, yeah, nah, dude, you need to layer that shit. You need to do this, say it this way. Like, I'm relentless because, again, I'm trying to, I'm trying to match your lyrics and my beat and any beat, but my beat more or less if I produced it in the best way, so that producers like me or weirdos like me who are just listening to the beat will also catch your lyrics because they mold so well together. I don't like hearing a beat that's going and having the person over it doing like, why? You know what I mean? Like, I don't need the extra syllables sometimes. I don't need just writing it as key. As someone said in the chat, writing is key, straight key. Yo, I hear everything you're saying. Honestly, um, I feel like just as an artist, you can overcomplicate yourself the longer you get into it. And you have to kind of sometimes like strip it back to some basic shit. Cause why, why are you complicating it? Who are you trying to prove these points to? Hmm? And I, I, I have had theories and answers and that we can get to that later on. <laughs> like, uh, um, so yeah, let's go back to you though. Cause you're still fascinating. Um, are you still drawing in high school? Is that like gone past coloring? And are you like still action figuring at this point or any of these things like fostering? Cause again, these are all pivotal parts of the skin deep character. All fostering. Um, 
<laughs> this guy's my weed man now. This is funny. Uh, so he's one of them. But dude, uh, had his boy Julian. Um, yeah, not blowing up the spot or nothing because he doesn't even go by that anyways on the streets. But uh, had this whole and he he moved into the neighborhood and he'd always get all the toys, all the toys. But like his, you know, what I mean, like I'd be like, you know, like just like I was a not a. I wasn't a prick kid, but I'd be like, yo, just like run me that Batmobile. And he'd be nice enough to run me the Batmobile. So like he was maybe five years younger than me. So I'm not saying that I'm saying I'm 12, 13, hanging out with like an eight-year-old, but I'm like we would like grew up in the same hood. So obviously we'd play in a circle together. The circle was a spot near my parents' crib in the front where all the kids would play. So like we were kind of like gang gang at the time. Yeah, toys were fostering. I was drawing like a, a lot. Cold I had a in Dorval, right? Cold sack on off of Villa Lago, off of Cardinal in Dorval. Like that's Bro, I can picture that shit, up. right? Uh, <laughs> and that's like where I grew up, where we kind of did our wrestling matches. Winter came, we did our like you did wrestling and... matches. Stop, pause. Yeah. Let's talk about your wrestling life. Oh yeah. Shout out to my boy. Okay, so my boy's actually twitching right now, but shout out to my boy Dave. Serious Dave, we. He showed he brought me into wrestling as a kid, um, and we would do matches for all the other kids who weren't privy to this shit. And then we introduced them to Royal Rumbles. So oh it's like, oh my gosh, yeah. So there's a circle, dead ass. There's a circle in the middle of the cul-de-sac. So obviously it's a cul-de-sac that goes around, but then there's a circle where there's a fire hydrant. So that is the wrestling room. The cul-de-sac. You get thrown out of it, and it it was. Me and him, I think we had a match, and the shit, I think like he was trying to impress some girl that was there that lived on the block, whatever. And real quick, shit kind of got real fucked up, and he, he, he didn't signal that he was about to choke slam me, legit choke slam me, because my character, I loved X Pac, Mike, and people back then, niggas are mean. I mean, sorry, kids are mean. <laughs> I dropped it. Anyway, kids are mean. They would make fun of my lips, so they call me Frog Boy, whatever. So I call myself X Frog. He decided to choke slam me onto a sewer lid, messed up my back for days. Long time. I, in retaliation, you know the uh, the move, the X Factor? I do not. But if okay, you describe so what it is with wrestling terms, I'll probably follow it. You take, you kick someone in the stomach, you drag their, grab their head and drag it down to the ground. Except for me being mad and not really kind okay, of yeah. uh, doing the spot properly because after he had already choked slammed me onto a sewer lid, I took him, jumped, spun around, and he had braces. Brought his face down onto my knee. That ended the match quickly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we were 10 years old. It was fun. It was fun. But yeah, cul-de-sac living. That's what, that's what it was. And yeah, I was drawing. I was uh, cultivating toys. I was all of that back then. All of it. Oh, that is serious though. So did y'all like organize this and get belts and stuff? Nah, we we had belts. But like it wasn't. I knew there were belts. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't that serious. Like it kind of did. Like you know, the, you know, kids. We had like a short attention spans, but not as bad as today. But like it was kind of like you do that for like two, three weeks, and then once they kind of saw that that shit was kind of real, you know, you know, few few kids' moms were like, "Hey, come inside," okay. <laughs> you know. I swear though, I've had a version of this chat that went on the full-on wrestling league in the backyard and shit, and that shit, that stuff's real in Quebec. Like, there's a lot of yep. like real shit. You find that. videos where people smashing light bulbs and whatnot. I'm not saying I'm encouraging this. I'm saying that it's an existing thing that happens in the world. I'm encouraging it. I'm not encouraging that on my platform on the internet. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm not encouraging it on your platform or the internet, but yes. But you can, a, yeah. like, if you happen to make that content, I might consume it. 
I'm not, you know, <laughs> like, I might not, but I might not approve. I might consume it disapprovingly. Okay. But I can't help it while watching them as they smash each other in the head with shit going, these guys are fucking crazy. Cause right. Like, okay. Yeah, I'm not big on them smashing them. Like, it's true. Oh, like, hardy wrestling, fine. You can do that. But the smashing and the, eh, yeah, I'm not so big. Well, it's just, I've seen some, like, yo, that doesn't look fake shit. That's when it's like, I don't know, man. That doesn't like, like, yo, like, and I don't want to like shit on this stuff, right? Because again, we're no. talking about a culture that I really, really respect, but yes. I've actually then seen some of the deep underground shit in, and you're like, yo, like, right. they, it's like they watch the McFoley fall through, and they're like, that's it. That's what I got to replicate. Yo, hold it. Listen, so that's exactly where I was going to go with this. It's like, you have the guys that are like amateur and they're respectful to a culture, and you're like, yeah, that's dope. But then you have the amateur amateur that's like, trying to do all day ECW and it's like no but you really don't need to have like a pain glass fire match right like you need, <laughs> you don't really need to be doing like a barbed wire rusty fork match like we don't need to be doing that in your backyard like, nah, I, like, just... I know that like back when I was a kid my dad would rent those WWF pay-per-view tapes and we would watch them and uh, you know what it wasn't that extreme and yet I was highly entertained they were good those ones were I wasn't really privy to those back then. I only got into wrestling like again, twelve, thirteen, new I got res I got into wrestling at the Attitude Era. If anybody okay. knows what that is, shouts to you and yeah, like that so was the I, I just watched those tapes but didn't get into wrestling until much later. So I just got oh, okay. those tapes and then okay. two thousand seven, eight was my little wrestling stint. And mostly because of my homeboy who ends up bringing in the Chinese wrestling. Is that is that ruthless aggression? Well, were you sorry? Depends on what you're watching. Are you watching WWE? So I'm, I watched the Jeff Hardy run of 2008 when he finally wins his championship. Oh my god! Oh, wow, that's like that's a weird one. That's like Chris Masters that's and the shit. Hornswoggle era. Hornswoggle era. Oh yeah, I think that's right where I fell. Oh, I think I was clubbing then. Yeah, that's where I felt. Wow. I was not clubbing. I was yeah, watching yeah, that was wrestling pay per views in the movie theaters. I started making fun of wrestling. Like I started off being like, "Man, wrestling's stupid. What is this dumb shit? Who is this idiot, The Rock? What is this?" Blah 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 blah. And then I watched like one or two episodes of like Monday Night Raw during like peak Stone Cold that stuff. Like the night Chris Jericho like debuted on Raw, I remember being in my basement and seeing that shit, and that was nuts. Like nuts, nuts. Like. Stephanie McMahon being crucified on like Undertaker's cross nuts when yeah that's the type of wrestling I got and it was heavy so by the time I got to your shit when it was like John Cena and like yeah Jeff Hardy finally won but like to point, <laughs> did you see the match I think there was a match where like him and Undertaker were fighting and like Undertaker still beat him but like he literally was just like listen dude like I gotta raise your arm because like you you busted yourself up and at this point I was kind of in my head like Jeff Hardy was always tag team to me so when they split them up and Matt went to SmackDown, and Jeff was on Raw. I was like, I can't do this. Yeah, but the thing is, is let's be real. Matt Hardy has the charisma of nothing, and Jeff Hardy Ooh. can just be like, and it's just like Wait. a fucking rock star. Wait, what? No, hold on. You're talking about Matt Hardy version one? What no, are you? I'm talking Ooh. about like, yo, you got to check it though. I don't have like the whole fucking ten years before yeah, you that. True. You tr true. And at True. that time, still, Matt yeah. Hardy is like a broken, not being used very well wrestler. So his charisma is not on point. He He's honestly ECW, is not yeah. doing the best. He's his like, I'm talking like the interviews and shit. And you have Jeff Hardy who doesn't even have to talk. Right? He doesn't have to talk. He's just doing it. Dude, I swear I do shit like this to this day. 
because Jeff Hardy did it, and I stole that from Jeff Hardy, and I just never yeah, stopped yeah, doing yeah. it. We, we all did that. Yeah, yeah. That's Jeff Hardy. That's the Hardy Boys for sure. Yeah, that's Jeff and Hardy. Like, he kept doing it. Yeah, you're and right. And then you're like, yo, Jeff Hardy was doing 30-foot swanton bombs, and Matt Hardy was not doing 30-foot swanton bombs. 30-foot swanton bombs. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, yeah. So you see what I mean? Like, that was it. But that's it. 18 months. And then I'm like, bro, I can predict the end of these matches at the beginning of the match. It's boring. I can't watch this no more. That was that's where that era went. That was real shit. Like, you could honestly get, like, you don't, you didn't want to gamble. It's just, anyway, John Cena wins was a real shirt. (laughs) I need that shirt. Oh, man. All right. So, uh, So you're doing wrestling stuff with that. You're drying. You have all this stuff going on. High school is kind of cruising through. Y'all, are are you, like, involved in, like, uh, the internet culture at all at this time? And, bro, uh, we, okay, so this is going to be wild to you, but I didn't have a computer until I was 16, my last year of high school, getting out of it. So, like, internet and that shit wasn't in my house. So I knew it because, because, no? Okay, dope. Sick. Um, I knew it because of, obviously being in high school and people who had the internet and you're like, Oh wow. Like dial up. <laughs> and you're like, Hey, you want to see this nudie picture? And it'd be like, dit, dit, dit. so like all that kind of stuff. But by the time in high school, when by the time I graduated, we got a computer, a compact Passerio, I picked it out. Hell yeah. Um, and we got, I think bell high speed internet just came out that year. So that's where it was. Fair enough. I got a computer at like 15 or something. Not like me, but the house. And then I got my first one at 17. So mad relatable. Um, right. All right. Okay. So what happens after high school then? After high school, I completely, completely reinvent myself. Actually, after high school at this point. um, So like. In high school, I was not, like, a nerd. I had friends, you know. There was, like, you know, nothing that was, like, bothersome. But, like, as any young kid back then, you want to be, like, hip to the ladies. So me being Akeel Roberts back in high school, I had to kind of really lean into this. That summer is when I was, like, I want to be a producer. I heard Timbaland. For the, like, Timbaland's the guy who did it for me. And I was listening to t- a lot of Timbo, a lot of Aaliyah, a lot discovering double time and like while kind of working this gazette job with my pops which we like we deliver the papers over (laughs) i know there's a lot (laughs) so much uh while delivering the gazette um and like this is great this is overnight this is gone this is still in high school this is the end of high school so this is like grade 11 going into seizure because I was a decent student, but not the best student. So there might have been some hiccups. So I was like, I'm just kind of like discovering, producing and realizing like my ear is not like for play play. Like I'm not, this is not me just being weird. Maybe I'm meant to make this stuff or whatever. So as we get this kind of computer, I kind of like start listening to this show. South to CKUT called um, the Cypher Queens and this young DJ, DJ Sugar Needles, who's now in New York. She's like an OG head. And like her two friends, female ladies, loved hip hop. They were only playing the underground stuff. E-Rule, um, the High and Mighty, 
like all that stuff. Uh, a lot of lyricist lounge shit. So I'm, I'm listening to this stuff while delivering the Gazette at nighttime with my pops on like Friday, Saturdays, grade 11 that year, senior year, all that weird stuff. Like kind of like, I don't know where music was then, but like, I think it was like, I graduated 2002. So imagine music in 2002, 50 Cent hasn't dropped yet. Right. This is right before 50 dropping. And then I spent some time at Cartier because I wasn't quite done high school. I had some math. I mean, fuck math. Fuck 514 math. Um, never used it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I had to be in Cartier for math and physical science. Got over to Abbott like September 2003 and 50 just dropped. So oh, you got to go to cool Abbott. <clears throat> yes. Yes, I did. That's not I complete. So like I went from fat skinny, well fat acute, <laughs> to I'm now skin deep, dubbed by late bad news brown. And Hold up, yo, what? That's yeah. Bad news showed me fruity loops. That's big. How'd you meet bad news? Bad news was staying in bad. Bad news is from Hudson, and then he would went to high school with my childhood friend Oliver. He went to high school with his older brother Kirk were kind of like and kirk rapped too and they also went to high school with who is now dirt work suski back right. then michael suski and yeah bad news he kind of like he jumped from school to school but like he ended up at lishing high and he was friends with kirk and them and then he was staying at kirk's house some on weekends because being in hudson back then and not having your license or whatever and then going to you know yeah sure happy birthday bad news brown oh shoot that's wild. Um, I didn't even realize that. Shout out Rico. That's Locks. wild. Shout out to Rico. But yeah, news would be staying at Oliver and Kirk's and Kalila's in their house. And then we'd be over there and he'd have a computer. They got a computer. He put on Fruity Loops. So this. he showed us that shit. This is 1990. Okay, no. I'm still in high school at this point. Very 10, 11. This is 2000, 2001. That's crazy. So like, yeah. you're like sitting there learning how to make beats in a sense from Fruity Loops off of Bad News Brown way back. When well, I he made. just brought the program. He just left it there because he was like he would stay in the basement, but then he would go back to Hudson on weekends. But he would stay there during the week and whatever, and like kind of building up himself. I kind of realized why he would stay there on weekends instead of going back to Hudson because he would have like we lived at Pine Beach, which if you know the trains in the West Island, Pine Beach is like yeah. basically right by the two eleven. I'm de- you know, and then you take 211 and go right down to LG. So that's an easy way it's to like, get right honestly, downtown. It's real like quick. 30, 45 minutes just to add context to get downtown and like even a higher traffic time. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. So you're, you're getting downtown like real quick by public transit at the time. And uh, he would just stay there to kind of get his name up, I'm guessing, and build up the bad news brown thing to a point where, become, getting back to my name, like, I would always talk to Paul about like random stuff, nothing, you know, but like just like girl shit, whatever, whatever. And then I remember being at the house one night and he might have been there and we're like, we're just like, like messing with Fruity, whatever. And then I told him some stuff, girl, little girl problems, whatever. And he says to me, he's like, oh, well, you know, looks are only skin deep. And I was just like, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm like, that's that's it. That's that's thank you. That's it. And at the time, I didn't know Paul was Paul to me. He wasn't Bad News Brown. We'd run into each other when I'd be coming home from school or Abbott, and he'd be going downtown in the Pine Beach underpass. And homie was like, 
yo, like, uh, what you been up to? I'm like, yo, I've been trying to make beats. He's like, oh, where'd you got like semis on? Like, I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll let you listen to them, whatever. And I was like, what have you been up to? He's like, oh, well, have you ever heard of this guy, Bad News Brown, who I had had actually heard of, Bad News Brown, but I didn't realize it was him. He's like, well, that's me. And that was just like, but we didn't work like that. Like, we, we'd see each other, it was dap it up. I've known him since I was a kid. And then, like, he was just like very, very aloof because, again, he was doing his own thing. He was, getting his performing and whatever, whatever. But at the time, I just see Paul as Paul. I'm not seeing Paul digivolving into Bad News Brown and doing what he was doing. Did you yeah, just yeah. say digivolving? Can we, can we yeah, just... Yeah. Great reference. Yeah, yeah. I'm, a digi, I'm a Digimon kid. So I, I, I will say Digivolve. <clears throat> it's, it's pretty cool. It's a better reference than Pokevolving, I think, because you retain your memories and shit. Like your whole personality changes, I think, when you Pokevolve and you don't with the Digivolve, if I'm not mistaken. No, you don't. You're, you're, you're with the well. The thing is with Digi is that they just kind of accompany you. They're like not your pets, but like they choose to kind of be around you. Like we're soulmates. We're gonna hang out. Whereas a Pokeball is like entrapment. Mm. They don't really have a choice. Like he lets Pikachu ride out because Pikachu will fuck him up if he tries to get up in that ball. But Squirtle, Charizard, all them other joints, they're just being them balls. I don't know what it looks like in there. It could be a condo, but to me, it doesn't look. It could be that comfortable. I don't, I don't mm. know. I pictured it like a condo, to be honest. Maybe that was so, too yeah, smashed. That, anyway. So so we so we I went to Cool Abbott. Yeah, I went to Cool Abbott, and uh, it was a time. I was all I had this do rag because I'm almost like, it was all about fifty just dropped that summer. I was like a late. I kind of went in the, I think it was the winter. Yeah, I, I went in the winter semester, and then September two thousand four ish. So, do rags, baggy G, that shit was heavy. That was when I was going. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. How long did you stay at Abbott for? Way too long. Nah. Nah, man, I, I, I that like I Van Wildered it. Like I think I was there like three years. Mm. Maybe four. I started uh the fall of 05. So that's dope. So I might have seen you because like I was there till at least 07. 07? Yeah. 07. I was uh working at the Super Club Video Tron on Day Source and uh De Salaberry right. for the longest time. Yeah, yeah, I know that's fine. I know exactly what that is. That's great. So, like, were you... All right, you're Abbott 2005 as you're getting oh, in five there. Uh, what did you... What were you... What was your program? Social sciences, but I was in the club rooms at the time. Okay, so you're in social sciences, like, as you're getting, because that's what I was in, but then I tried... No, my getting was science, and then I went to social... Oh, Oh, word. Okay. My getting was social, and I switched yeah, to creative arts. my parents were like, do science, and we'll fucking leave you alone. You and I'm like, that sounds like a sick deal. So I did. My science. parents are like, you can do what you want now. Not what you want, but like you could, you know, just follow your dream. And you want to do this music stuff? Okay, go nuts. And like, I really, I got, I figured what's closest to music, media. So I kind of mm. went all around in the radio, art, uh, video editing. Shouts to Ron Hallis. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. best. Ron Howard, sorry. And yeah, like, yeah. Uh, that's where I was with Abbott. I was like told do a year of science and then you've tried it and you can do what you want. I did the year of science. I moved into social because I wanted to be a therapist. Word. What club rooms were you in? Yo, Christian Fellowship, Sea Sky. You're stop it, stop it. You were in <laughs> You were Christian Fellowship. I was an no. exec at the Christian no, Fellowship for a semester. No, you were not. I made fun of you. Oh my god. No, I made fun of y'all. I, okay, hold on. I get it. <laughs> All right. I'm not. 
I I swear for two years. Well, by the end of it, I started smoking weed a lot more publicly, and they were kind of like, "Bro, get the fuck out! You're not here." But then you were in C Sky. Like I was in C Sky. Like I was all day in C Sky. I was, but I was the program director of C Sky after the the old guard came in and the new guard took over. I hated you. I hated y'all. I was old guard. Yeah, but so there was like, like this, bro. Like, do you, were you there when they did the CD sale and they like fucking liquidated all that shit, and you had a minute to go fucking buy whatever the fuck? Buy whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that shit was so dumb. I think I left at that point because I was there. There was like Sarah Lou, this creepy dude, Chris Carpezzi. I can't remember. There's too many. Matty J. Right. <laughs> yes. Oh uh, man, there was wild people like at Sea Sky, and like, yeah, it was. I remember what was the song that I played that I had to edit like every Yeah. You Cameron song, fuck you. The fuck you F. I played that on C Sky. I played that in Dude, direct... I played whatever the fuck I wanted on C Sky. There was no rules by the time I was there. Yeah, Bill didn't want us doing that stuff. Like Bill Mahone, shout out to you, homie, but uh he did fine. not want us playing all that craziness. And I think we had like a little beef with the was it the anime club? Because anime they were doing anime stuff in there and they, I decided to play the Fuck You Anthem for them. Um, Bill didn't get too happy about that kind of, I think he locked down Sea Sky for a week. And then within that week, the anime club was open. These niggas have motherfucking orgy. <laughs> they really would do that shit. That's not yeah, fake. They, did it. they, they did really it. did they, a lot. They, they had a straight up orgy and like security caught them. And that room was like, not at all clean. Like I know the orgy you know I mean? people. I know those people. Cause they, right, that, they would be uh, hanging out in the CF after. <laughs> <laughs> I would just be like, man, imagine that stink. Like that was wild. They, oh, no. Yeah, one time though, then it became the Chinese club after for some reason because they moved. I it think away. it did. I think it. Went, yeah. I just remember straight up smoking herb in a shisha in that room one time, and it was strawberry flavored, and it was the only time I smoked weed inside the school because it was post two thousand five, so the ban had kicked in. Yeah, because before that, we had the, what was it, that weird coffee shop downstairs? We had this weird, like, just coffee uh, cafe place where know. people just smoke cigarettes all yeah, day I, and weed. I just, like, I came in the semester after. Ah, oh, you missed it. You missed smoking in places. Man, I hated that shit. I hate getting a fresh shirt, going to, like, Eddie's or whatever club there was at the time, dancing my ass off, coming home, and having to, like, not wear that for a month. Yeah, yeah. I just Maybe gotta not. say, uh, Mr. Lance JS hit me up in the DMs just to say salute. And oh shit, Lance, what up, dog? Shout out like that. So when you get a DM like that, you gotta pay it forward. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Lance. Him, hey, okay. That this is gonna be a funny one because <laughs> all right. Do, do I have a time to go grab a quick beer real quick? It's in my no, actually, I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do? I have to pee. So I'm going to throw up and be right back. We're going to play one of your fucking tunes and we'll hey. be right back. Yo, welcome right. back. Yo, just so everyone knows, see you guys, the Abbott radio station is this little, just to add some context so that they can really yeah. just picture it. Cause you know, it's called bridge the gap and we failed. Cause I got caught up in the nine mean moments. I did know what you mean too much. So like you just got a picture in the basement floor at Abbott. There's this little club room area and it's like a U-shaped thing. Yep. And uh, all these club rooms would just be there. And so you have a bunch of basically allegiances of people in clubs. Follow So the Christian Fellowship, the Anime Club and the College Radio Station were in the same hall. And then the Muslim Club, I believe, was up the hall there. And it was just like... 
this weird smorgasbord groups of people. It was it was a fucking crazy place in my opinion. So I spent all my time there. I loved it. Yo, that Christian Fellowship one. Okay, which track did you just play? Um, talk about H-Man. Oh yeah, I do because yo, I have your Bandcamp. So it was heavy with H Man and Crazy K. <laughs> yeah, I love that joint. That was great. Um, yeah, uh, Christian Fellowship. There was one dude in there who I liked. He was super cool. He's, I think he was like their leader at the time. But at one point, he just something said something that was kind of like a little bit suspect slash proud boy, and I was just like, mm, okay, I'm alright. <laughs> yeah, depending on when, I can kind of get what you mean. Anyway, yeah. those are those are better times <laughs> for not yeah, for not on camera. Two thousand five, yeah. Yeah. yeah, for real though. Um, I met I met Nuclear Convoy in the Christian Fellowship when he sat on me one time. So that place is still real special for me. Oh man, I was seventeen and he's fucking six four, and I'm like short. So he sat on me to impress a girl. I swear this is a fucking true story. That's how I met this Nuclear Convoy guy who goes on to do cool things in fucking wrestling. Anyway, yeah, there's so many people that like. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> I'm six degrees of mad rich people. It's crazy. <laughs> mad famous or rich people. I'm super six degrees of separation from. Well, I would like, that far with famous and rich, but it's just close friend yeah. of mine. I digress. But there oh, was a lot of people go. there. Like Hodges was there. <clears throat> I saw Hodges. Oh, Hodges, yeah, yeah. Hodges, oh gosh. Like I saw Hodges rap for the first time in the Agora back before, and I was like, wait, I could do things like that because Hodges is like a person at this school. He's like a student here. Holy shit, look at him. On That's who you came? That was your dude? Hodges? Like the first IRL person that I saw on a stage that ever made me go. And then followed up, we did karaoke, and me and the next man did Forgot About Dre, and a whole bunch of people stood the fuck up, and it went, ticka, 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 slam, shady, and people went nuts for that. And I was like, I see that. Yeah. I've never seen that before, and that got me addicted. Anyway, so yeah, Hodges was it, followed by that. That Agora was it, man. Agora's with Tom. Agora was it. We, like, back then, I had just been trying to find out, like, who I was in this shit. Hodges was, like, one of the first people who, like, and I'm not even going to fr- front. When I first met and saw Hodges, I'm like, who is this corny motherfucker? Like, what the hell is this? Why is your hair like that? I thought he was why? so. I had the opposite. I was like, that guy's so cool. Right, and that's why I'm low-key a hater, right? So being me, I see like, why is everybody going whole crazy with David Hodges guy? Whose beats are these? What's happening? And then he at one point had these two guys with him that were like not better rappers, but better rappers. And <laughs> they were I don't know if they went to the school, but he would always bring them up. He'd be like, Oh yo, these are my friends of Velvet Trend vibes. And I'm just like, Oh, all right. So I kinda like one of them was this rapper called Aspen. The other dude was this kid called Nero. Um, he might have produced for a few of Hodges' tracks. Hodges had this album that he brought, Bohemia. He released Bohemia when I was at Abbey. And I don't know if everybody knows Hodges' like discography, but Bohemia, for me, in terms of like local hip-hop, that's when I started fucking with him. Because I heard the production on this, and I was like, okay, nah. Like, excuse my French, but I was like, okay, this nigga's spitting. Like, he's, this is, this it. Like, this is... This yeah, is he's good. Wonderful. He yeah. was wonderful back then. And like, I kind of, kind of used that to kind of try to become like, not his friend, but I was like, I wanted to use, not kind of, kind of, like, kind of, I knew he knew other people that could kind of get me closer to this like hip hop dream I had, which was just producing for everybody and being everyone's friend in that kind of like sense. Yeah. All I know is Hodges would come to my video store back when he was doing all of this so i didn't know hodges from anything else other than i'm the clerk and his his lady was good friends with my colleague 
So I would yep. like be like the chauffeur when him when the ladies would go out sometimes and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just know I was really impressed with Hodges, and he was like, "It's not as impressive as you think, and you could probably do it. You just have to like." And he said some encouraging shit to me, and then I go look at me here today. So I hit up Hodges recently to thank him after the Let Me Know interview, and he's like, "Yeah, one day I'll do an interview with you, but yo, I'm so busy saving the fucking world with my great virtuous <laughs> actions." And I'm like, "Yo." I'm going to take this point right now to be like, yo, David, I love you, but that whole teaching kids how to rap thing in school, he got that from me. Did he? Not, not going to front. I told him that a long time ago. He like, I told him because everybody was doing their rap stuff. We had this kind of crew called the Mute Groove crew. So it was like me kind of DJing slash whatever for Velvet Trend Vibes at the time because after their much music commercial, I kind of like got my way in there and I'm like, Wait, what? you don't need a beatbox. Yeah, I, I, they, okay. Velvet Trans Vibes did a Much Music video commercial. I'm from the city of, you know, you see, remember the Much Vibes commercials back in the day? Yes okay, and so, no, like, yes. So there was no, this one where they like, connected it, right? Yeah, so there was this one commercial where there were these four dudes rapping in a circle, and one was beatboxing, and then you saw Casey, who anybody who lives in the West Island knows Casey Jones. Like, he, Casey's like, He's a he's a rapper slash freestyler slash aloof character who's just like always around, and the two other guys were in it. So like the 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 video started with I'm from the city of, I think I'm from the city of Sex and where they say blase blub. Anyways, it was a great video, and I met them through Hodges. After that, jumped okay. in, got in, got into their crew, and we kind of started running around together. So then between Hodges, who was doing like his West Island thing. Velvet Trench vibes that had like Hudson and like that area on lock, and then Lyrical Assault, which was more Il Perro, Pancor, the French side of rap back then. So these guys were all like the precursors to like Woodman and like the dudes that came out from out there, Far West, would it would be called. And we would tour together. We would wow, do little sick. shows and like Granby and stuff. Like we literally would book shows on weekends. Yes. So you you were like all around Hudson and shit. Like you basically there was a whole like hip hop scene in Hudson. Crazy hip hop scene in Hudson. Like shit with people like not crazy, but like you would have the one group, Velvet Trench Vibes, and a few others that would kind of like spring up from there. But like we would we influenced a lot of the West Island kids. Crazy K coming up from un, like he was more or less after us, but he sprung from that. Seeing Hodges, seeing uh who else there was Quest. There was okay. <laughs> there was a there was a white dude with the most suspect last name in the world, Coons, um, Jordan Coons, who was a crazy good rapper. Uh, we would all do like freestyling at like Cheers back in the West, but then we would have our few shows. Sometimes the Agora, sometimes whenever they did shows at Cheers in the West Island, that was the rare times then. And then other times we would book shows in like Granby and like other like outside of Montreal, but like Sherbrooke close places. And yeah, shit was, shit was litty over there. Yeah, shit was crazy. Serious. Cause you know, mm-hmm. my boy nuclear combo is from Hudson. Right. And he's a few years Word. older than me. So he's up from Word. Hudson, a few, whatever. So I used to like cruise around that. So I just like picture it as a bunch of houses and back air roads and shit strung together with like locals. It's crazy to just picture that in this whole like, right. network. But they this, have, this... Yeah. They would sometimes have shows at the chat. Sometimes. Sometimes. That's... That's serious though. I'm glad you shared yeah. all that. Cause yo, I don't know a lot about that part of it. Let's be real. I'm in like close and Duke-ish until 2004, and then I go to DDO. But then I'm going to Wager for a year from DDO. Right. And then it's Abbott, and then it's whatever. But to, to to go back to what I was saying, yeah, like on some joke things, and it's not even a joke thing. Like I legit said, listen, while you guys are doing all this rap stuff, 
I really want to do musical scores when we grow up. And I also want to like kind of teach kids how to produce. Like I kind of want to like go to a school, kind of get like a government grant. And I swear to you, I'm not lying. I want to go to a school, get like a government grant and like, you know, teach kids how to use Fruity Loops or teach kids who don't know how to record, how to record. And I shit you not, this man did that. And I'm like, you know what? Like that one was free. And there's a lot of people in the city who I've done the, that one is free because it's not that I'm mad at it. It's like a DMX thing where I don't want to take the credit, but I will mention it. And that's where I'll get my, like, that's, that's where you got to just let me have my piece. But at the same time, eh, I would have loved to do that, but it's just like having government grants. You got to be there and be at the right time. Hodges was there at the right time. He kind of got up, did his thing and yeah, no hate to him. I love Hodges. He's a great man. Yeah. I have to have a lot. I say I have a lot of respect for him. I used to bump his big time for respect for him, man. He he brought people in droves. Like when he was on his shit, he brought people in droves. Especially when he did like the pseudo Christian rap switch up, and he gave SRH, who is now Benny Main, but he gave SRH like his plateau. Like Hodges would do like the underground gritty rap, and then he switched over to like the Christian more like family friendly stuff. And he had like a whole band and like a singer with him, and then he gave his old shit place to kind of like SRH. And then he kind of went from there. So there's like a whole generational thing. From David Hodges, you get a lot of artists. Yeah. I kind of learned about that a little bit from Let Me Know. And it's, yeah. it's interesting because like I know SRH and them. Like I've met these people, um, but like I don't really know them. And it's hard to like, it's hard to find people that like really, like I know there's a bunch of random YouTube videos that are just strewn around of these guys performing yeah. and just holding it down. But like, yeah. there's a whole ass documentary that I did that I will show you one day. I would love to see your documentary for real though. I'm super yeah. interested in that kind of thing. So I'm just I'm just grateful that you could share all this, that you were there and that you saw it and that like you're just like this happened. This was lit. I was a part of it. Yeah. It was the thick of it. This was thick of because uh, you have to understand, like when we were coming up and we're in CJP, in the city at the time, what's going on is like there's like I don't think Mazion is still doing their thing, but like ICM is like big, 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 big. So Island City Monsters, for people who don't know, they had a they had like a couple eye to eye, which was like a West Island based group, uh, two dudes and a DJ. Usually they had Offsides, which is like four dudes. They had uh, what was another this rapper Memo, who's from Vancouver, who now moved here. Shouts to Graham, um, DJ Mana. Like they had like a big roster, and like in terms of English hip hop. You'd also have Nine Majesties, which was like Lowe's and them and whatever, which were like doing their own thing. And like four in the morning too. Four in the morning was doing their thing. Shots to Rico, yeah. But like back then, early 2000s, like Montreal hip hop was like very much. Metaphorce, who was also part of ICM, Metaphorce DJ Twitch. Shouts to Mo. Um, he kind of introduced me to everyone Montreal wise. But like in terms of the West Island, we were doing like our little bud thing. But then every now and then we would get bigger shows at like. What was it? Ballroom? Yeah, ballroom that is now apartment 200. Uh, okay. Yes. I've been to yeah. apartment so, 200. That's actually fucking okay. spacious. Super spacious. So that used to be like a venue spot where you would do shows and it was obviously like mad freaking pool hall, pool ball, like pool tables and stuff. So uh, ICM would put on these shows and then they would like kind of like showcase their artists as main acts. And then as openers, they would often try to get like Velvet Trench vibes or like Lyrical Assault or like David Hodges and have us all like in there re and yeah like it's it's kind of like where we kind of got our start a lot oh famine too famine was around so mo and them and uh now he, he's known as um 
It's a uh, shit. Fatty Soprano, who, yeah, back then, Fatty Soprano, when he was super big and he has actually Fatty Soprano and then he lost a bunch of weight. Shout out to Leo. Now he's like directing and doing a bunch of crazy stuff in terms of like directing videos and stuff. So, yeah. So I know we, uh, his name. I don't yeah. know. I come into the game in 2012. So I'm paying attention a lot uh, as of then. And prior to that, it's just kind of foggy. Foggy. Was... Yeah, yeah. I can tell you a lot about before that and leading up to 2012. 2012 was like a huge year. 2012 yeah. is a big year. Nah, we're definitely going to get there. So, But we're still like in what, 2005-ish? You're just, yeah, we're 2005-ish, 6-ish. This is, uh, this this is, is a lot like, of the beginnings. But this is the stuff you were up to as you were cruising around. Um, but just before we continue, what, what was the Lance story? Double. The Lance story. You said we brought up Lance JS, and then you said I have a story about oh, okay. it. Okay. Go... So before, before I got to know Hodges and those guys, I needed to... I needed to kind of like secure myself with a rap group or at least a group that I could produce for. So in comes Yannick, Jamal, Lance, and their boy. Um, oh, this is going to bother me because I can't remember his name right now. That's gonna put, he's going to be mad at me later too. Um, but they call themselves the Dream Team. And they are a rap group that decide to want to record music and me being that my father has all the sound equipment and so on thinking hey let's record in Akil's basement me never recording anyone before we just borrowed one of my dad's mics and used his mixer that we had in the basement that would just be like our surround sound use and we try to record off that so these guys would just be recording off of like g-unit beats at the time and like whatever wasn't the best rap at all um a lot of them continued lance definitely continued as j star shout out to j star because he used to always do that in all of his raps, and it was so weird. No but, shit. Uh, I know. I had no idea. I didn't yeah, even make that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He would definitely wrap his ass off as J Star, but he uh, the first first he used to be Lock Dog, <laughs> and they would just rap over G Unit tracks, and they recorded him. In, they recorded the first mixtape in my basement. Then my mom put it into that shit because uh, she said they were running up the hydro bill with all the heat being up all, all the time in the basement. Which shouts to her because I didn't really want to do that shit no more. Um, but it was fun. So you ran a fun. studio at your basement for It wasn't a studio. It was like a makeshift, hey, Akil does music. Let's let let let's let's use his basement and yeah, and it was cool because I used that to kind of propel that into hey David Hodges, I made this song with these guys. The song was not at all great. And I'm sure Hodges laughed me out the room with his friends, but like I kept persisting and like trying to be friends with motherfuckers. You got if I got you on MSN back then, it's over for you. Like I'm persistently gonna bother you, or at least kind of just make sure find something that we have in common so that you can't deny me. Mm. That's that's essentially how I roll. Fuck, those are good times. I miss the MSN so much. It comes up more than you think on this channel because, well, a lot of us ended up using it, and I do this for midnight too. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, and then Chris Chrome, shout out Chris Chrome. He's the wonderful editor man, and he's going, "Is that what MSN was? MSN was how you tried to get laid back in the day with that webcam shit." Yeah, yeah, bad toxic times. Bad, terrible toxic times. Still factual times. Super factual was terrible toxic times that I might have participated. But, yeah, we all did. Yeah, we all we all did, we all, we all did that. We had a yeah, webcams we at a certain point, and we all had hormones. I didn't have no webcam. That's the worst part, man. Oh no! Anyway, right? I, Anyways, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> <Woo. Ooh. laughs> 
like this a lot. Alright, so back to the music. Um, yeah. Well, but are you like doing other shit around this time too, or is it just the music at this point? Actually, that's at a this point, question. At this point, to be honest, okay, I'm still trying to get into the game. So like, we're in 2005, 2006. I should be setting up to be leaving Abbott now after kind of like just establishing myself and like reinventing my whole whatever. So, um. I get to this final project that I'm like, I want to do a documentary on the Montreal hip hop scene, which is a low key way to introduce me to everyone in the Montreal hip hop scene. What up, girl? Um, so I start going venturing out. I borrow the school camera um, and I'm just like, I want to record you, Lyrical Assault. I want to interview you, Velvet Trench Vibes. You, David Hodges. And I had to scrap that interview because like we did it outside and it was windy as shit. But like, I had like a real idea of where i wanted to go with this and then i'm just running around with this camera at first people knew me as a dude with the camera and then i started running around with velvet trench vibes and being their quote-unquote dj which was like i didn't know how to dj i knew how to press play skip backwards if there was a cue on the cdj i was fine if it was turntables i would find my way around it but not actually know how to do things which is great because a lot of times motherfuckers would be like all right so you could dj a set afterwards and i'm just like all right the best CD mixing you could ever think of, which is pretty much how I DJ now, is just like, there's no blending. There is finding a point in which a song that you could just cut and drop to another song and do that. So there was a lot of, a lot of bullshit DJing that I did back then until like eventually we went on. Well, the group discovered that I could drum for real drum, like really be a drummer. And we acquired slash our buddy Dylan, who was our guitarist, Aerosmith, shouts to you, Dill. Um, he would uh, accompany us to shows and then then they started incorporating my drums more and then that's where that went around where are we now 2007 2008 mm. yeah that's where it was just leaving abbott going into concordia like getting ah, into the up. yeah yeah ah, all funny. that fun stuff all right so you're basically involved in a lot of this honestly it's basically when the english scene kind of elevated <clears throat> that yes. era is it's about when it kind of picks up like yeah. i noticed because like a lot of the things or stuff that was like already thriving and prosperous and in motion when i come into the game but like you try to ask questions about it and you try to there wasn't a lot it wasn't easy to and I'm pu i put this more on myself than other people it was actually like a really decent blog scene but a lot yeah. of us didn't know what a blog scene was, so it's not like I knew to go really give a shit about YouTube channels like that in 2010. But there really yeah. was a lot of stuff back then that I was ignorant to, and just because, whatever, it was just what the internet was at in life. But yeah. by 2012, a lot of it was not there. It was in dying stages. Shit was, because, yeah, shit was wild, because I don't know if it was at this point already, but I... Yes, okay, so... This we'll is we'll, we'll get got... to 2012 when we get there, but let's stay. Yeah. Let's go back to 2008 or nine. Let's let's build up and do whatever. Let's you know. build it. Let's build it. Let's go. Where do you want to go? Well, you're in post Abbott now. What did you do after post Abbott? You're you're toured like there. a motherfucker. We went on tour. We had no idea what we were doing. These guys went on tour all the time, and at this point, the vibes now, as we were calling ourselves, or Velvet Trez vibes or whatever. Uh, we it was myself, Aspen, Nero and Aeroswift, which is Dylan. We were like a four-piece. We did a lot of shows, like stupid shows, stupid, stupid, stupid shows. Perry, who was the old runner, and shouts to Perry, Paliski Vask, uh, Good Friday Entertainment, uh, manager of Onyx now, and like uh, 
Snack the Ripper and like mad other artists and he like does bookings and shit. Um, he was at the time managing us and we were just getting crazy shows. So I think in like one week we opened, <laughs> I think like, I think in one week I opened for Papoose and then a Wednesday we opened for Raekwon and then like the Thursday we did the Concordia outdoor thing and opened for Talib Kweli. And like, that would, that would be like a week to me back then. While also working like my Camille de Plancher job at Jean Catudova, right? So like shit was like, <laughs> and at, oh man, at this point, like, you know, okay. To everyone who's ever felt this, English scene was bopping. We were what you would say very on the cusp. Like people were like looking towards us. We were the only like hip hop group that was like doing it with a live band. People would actually like shun us because we do shows and then like we'd show up with like drums and a guitar and they're like, yo, we don't have that stuff for that. And we're like, no, 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 we'll be fine. No problem. And like we would continue doing that. And then there was like Canadian Music Week and like labels out there that were kind of looking at us. And like to me, like I felt like, oh, I'm like right there. Like I'm about to do this shit. Like it's 07. No, it's not 08 because I hadn't left Jean Coutu yet. So it's like 06, 07, like shouts to 06 because I love anybody who knows hip hop in Montreal. 2006 was sweet. 2007 was great. 06, 07, 08, 09 were just great times. 2010, 11, shit started to get really weird and I'll explain that very soon. But it was a happy time. Everybody was thriving. Like Rico was out here. A lot of people were out here. NL5 was out here. Northern Lights, shouts to Justice. Shout out Justice were, big time. Fuck you, shots of justice. Everybody was just out here doing their thing. It's not even like we were like really thinking about what we were doing. It was really just like real city relay. When I'm tired, you go. So like boom, 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 boom. Everybody dropping. Everybody just like coming out at the same time. It was amazing. It was magical. And like I, I just felt like, all right, it's 06. I'm gonna have a Grammy by 2010. I was very cocky. Not cocky, but I was just like happy. Like I was just like, music could go somewhere. Like we could do this shit every week i'm opening for somebody this is when shows just started coming back to montreal like we weren't getting hip-hop and then there was like shouts to dutch i'm not gonna forget about you dutch was a big 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 mm. big part of us but like i'll get that's also later on a bit too but and it was brief too because like i think i went to canadian music week in 08 and dutch was there and he came with d shade <laughs> And shouts to D Shade. He came with D Shade and another dude, and we would all just like party and go to like different hotel parties and like hang out and stuff. And like it was just like getting that vibe off each other. We opened for Chaos in Toronto. Chaos, I love you, but he was going through some shit that night and just decided to like hang out backstage and like sit cross legged and not pay attention to nobody at like his own opening party. Fucking Saturday morning, Sunday morning was like big tune back then. Like Sunday morning just dropped. Like, so that that's where the vibe was. And man, I mean, whew, it, it just got weird after that. Things kind of went up and then went down. And that's, I mean, if you want to know, that's where I'm going to get to next. But it, it just, yeah, something so, kind of so punches in the gut. Just before we get to any of that stuff, I mean, at yeah. this point, I have some idea. You know, I have a good idea. Of, of you have stuff. a good idea. Yeah, yeah. I, I I happened to be day jobbing with a person who worked at Koi in um 2013, who oh, was very hey. connected to shit. So back Koi. then, I was fed a lot of information on things that are very relevant to what you're about to say. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, damn, I had no idea. You know, you never know who you're gonna talk to once upon a time that's gonna connect to your life fucking eight years later and shit. It's right, fucking nifty. Right, right. 
But before we right. do that, can we just take some time to congratulate you for banging out some pretty incredible accomplishments? Like, like, <laughs> like all Fair that enough. you just said is like, yo, people, sometimes you hear the Montreal on the map speech. And I'm like, Montreal done been doing things when you really dig through the crates like I'm doing and look for it, right? Um, mm -hmm. And how can anybody say whatever when we've had multiple people in the city open and do incredible things? Like, look at, was it Bad News Brown played for Nas or whatever? Yes, yeah, he did. Yeah, he opened for Nas and he did that on stage with him. That was crazy. So, I mean, we've done a lot. Okay, like, we've done so much. We've done some crazy, like, to kind of get back to the height of this shit. And this will just, okay, this will kind of pinpoint to show you what was what. I remember, and this is, I think, after tour or before tour, because we went, I went across Canada and then we came back and shit was weird. But I think this is before tour during that year. What? Actually, sorry. Can you pull up? When did Wu Tang? When did Wu Tang come to Montreal? And it was the same night that Montreal rioted after we beat Boston. Wu Tang Montreal oh, Boston riot. Give me that. Uh, two thousand eight. No shit. Bongo. There you go. Okay. So that night, I'm on that evening. I'm not even thinking yeah, I about that Wu -Tang. vividly, actually. We're freaking. I'm going to Fairview Mall on the bus. I think going to just get EB games on some shit to just like try yeah, to get some buddy. Video games. Like whatever. Taking a 204 to Fairview. And I get a call like from what was it Aspen and Nero or even D Shade? Like, yo, where are you? I was like, oh, I'm in going to Fairview. What do you mean? He's just like, dog, you're opening for Wu Tang. I'm like, huh. All right, so I book it downtown. I don't exactly make the performance, but I'm enough for me to get in backstage and get in for free. So I think they did a performance. We had this song called B-Boy Image, which is like, again, another sleeper hit that we had that had legit us. So at the time, us being like Aspen, Nero, D-Shade on it, and then like Narcy. So shout out to the narcissist, because I don't, I, shit, I haven't spoken to him in a minute, but shout out to Narcy. Uh, he was on the song with us. And I think like around that time, we were all like really, really close. So shit you not to get there. Wu-Tang is there. Wu-Tang gets on stage. And it's like Raekwon, Jizza, You God, and I think Ghostface. There is no, sorry. Raekwon, Jizza, You God, Master Killer. Only those four show up. Okay. But like there's a like there's an old picture of me like from a while back. And I think it was that Metropolis has happened, but they did their show, whatever. And I wanted to see Wu-Tang. So I'm not going to be in the crowd with people. I'm trying to be like, I'm claustrophobic, so I'm not doing that anyways. So I'm trying to be at the side of the crowd. And I shit you not, in the dead ass front of the fucking stage is High Classified and K-Fucking Trinata at that Wu-Tang show. So like to see, to see those two dead center front, High Class was like still like, High classify, little chubbier, had his high top, whatever. And Ketra, it was Ketra at the time, Kevin. Um, seeing them in the front of a Wu-Tang show and to see them be who they are now, it literally makes us like, I don't give a fuck if I ever make it. I don't care because I know that something that I was a part of, and I'm not saying it was necessarily Wu-Tang, I'm not saying it was necessarily us, but we had something to do with those kids seeing that shit and being like, we can do that too. And then taking that fucking relay and going. Okay. And that's fucking, that's what that is. Like, that's, that's, that's my biggest, like, if there's anything I could do for this city for hip hop is that I know that like our generation 
that's that's me that's rico that's les that's all of us from back then the 08s 06s 07s 08s 09s the 10s we had a lot to do with the new kids coming up now and yeah, but even like yeah. all of my peeps like for real mm. i'm in that like middle group right so yeah there's a whole ecosystem in place when i start rapping dude i never paid for shows people just asked me if i wanted to perform at things and i would just show right. up and there was already stuff in place i was i was kind of spoiled i think that you know starting in 2012 you're spoiled compared to starting now um yeah you're super spoiled yeah 2012 is a dude, like we're talking like it would like you would you would have 20 person shows but you would also regularly have 80 person crowds 100 person crowds through if you did shit i did hip-hop karaoke a lot so 300 person crowds and it's like fucking real shit that actually happened for a minute so like i got right. to be on like the tail end of it um and then whatever life dissipates into what it is but yeah there's a lot of things outside of music that like happen like drink prices at bars like nobody yeah. wants to talk about that, but like, yo, it used to be mad cheap to just get it. But then, the whatever dude who bought PJs and all that shit, man. Oh my gosh! Wow, yeah, that dude killed. Oh uh, yeah, him. Like single-handedly, he fucked up yeah. like all the good spots that used to yep. have good drink deals. And you know what's really amazing is if there's not a good drink deal, your people who would normally want to go to that spot and support you now all of a sudden are not as interested. And it was really shit. Like, yo, you know what made people go to Belmont? Twenty dollar mm -hmm. rum and coke pitcher. That sentence yes. sold tickets, but you got rid of the selling point, and people are like, "Bro, I don't want to go to a show where I can't drink." Yep. I, I remember that man, early Belmont. Yeah, that was like that. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, so I just want to point out that there's a lot of factors that hit the changes that come past that point that are just completely unrelated to anything that's hip hop. Just the city fucking changed true, in a lot true. of ways. And you Real can play Cordera for a lot of it. Oh, Cordera fucked a lot of shit up, man. I won't even wow. Um, to like, I mean, to further that point back to that Wu Tang show. So the end of the night, naturally, they're watching the TV and they're seeing riots go crazy. Because people are like, "Were you guys going out sometime? Whatever." So like, I'm sitting there and I'm watching the TV and I'm watching the riots, whatever. And then Raekwon's right next to me, like not right next to me, but like say like he's a little bit back. He's like, "Yo, so like." Uh, Okay, I'm gonna try and do my Raekwon impression, but now he's like, "Yo, so y'all like what happened? Y'all win like the Stanley Cup or something?" And like, <laughs> it's him and like Jizza and just me, and like everyone's in their like dressing rooms. I'm like, "Nah, just the first round." I shit you not, Raekwon persists to say, "Damn, y'all niggas is crazy," and I'm just like, ah. <laughs> I was just like, I loved it because I was like, "All right, I had a moment with Wu Tang. My life is good. I'm done. Thanks. Thank you That's very much. Incredible. Cool." That's pretty fucking cool. incredible. But then they also got blamed for those very riots. So that's why I was very sad after that. I don't remember that, but I can see how our media would do that shit. Cause, in yeah. the news, they're less like, yeah, a riot breaks out after rap group Wu-Tang Clan has a concert in Montreal. Yeah, it was really bad. It was kind of weird. Too. <laughs> no, actually, I think it's really important that people know that that's a real thing that happens, even if like we don't stay that long on the topic, just because... Yeah, yeah. Like, the media... At this point, we all know has a very powerful tool for manipulating people, but it wasn't so widely known or accepted as fact in 2008. Like we now are more skeptical of media sources, but back then, if the news is being like Wu Tang started a riot, like yo, people like my parents would have just said, "Yeah, that's facts. Wu Tang is dangerous fucking music." Okay, like that's just kind of what would have been accepted. So it actually also has like this this impact on it that the news yeah. painted it in a way which later on leads to things like hip hop bands. Yep. Yep. 
That's what happened at certain bars in the West where they would just be like trying to low key ban hip hop shows or ban stuff like that. Because yeah, let of... me know, broke that all down. So you can. Oh, man. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me was, that was his era. His shit, they, their shit was getting fucked up. <laughs> like, because all sorts of stuff would just, the government would just be like constantly be like, no, we're just going to ban it. And you're like, why? For what? Like, you're not, we're not doing nothing. But, you know, it comes with the territory a little bit. No, fair enough. Still, I appreciate you, man. You're pretty fucking incredible. And even, I just, all that to say before, like, we go on with the story that, like, you did a lot of things. You, you allowed me to start. You and your peers. Yo, because there's no me sitting here talking today. If I don't start rapping then and I don't get frustrated with the live scene and start playing on the internet, right? Like, all of this has to happen in order for us to have this moment today. So, in a sense, if you're saying you influenced all these people and these people, like, they're working them or creating an ecosystem and whatnot, y'all are just in this wave, all of these people that allowed me to, like, start, like, you know, I was able to really just do it. And it wasn't, like, we're not even talking about making songs. We're talking about the live environment. Right. And so, like, that's, that's like, a yo, thank you. (laughs) For real. That's pretty cool. Hey, man, I got to hold, like, that's, that's what I... I hold on to because i mean i obviously wanted to be like platinum producer this that whatever you know like you got to think like we're coming up at the same time as like drake was just buddy or drake was mixtape drake at the time wheelchair jimmy when like we were coming so it was very like oh this could happen if if, if like canada gets that eye and then like montreal's right there like literally by like some kind of zabumafu shit like we literally could just all blow up and everybody's happy and Things didn't necessarily necessarily happen like that. We had our shows and promoters, and then unfortunate things happened within the same year. Shouts to 2011 being like super wild butts and nuts like that. But we, and then within that same year, that all of us like kind of getting together and like really, I think that was the one time where I could say that Montreal was like unified, mm. straight up. That was the one time where I could say Montreal, at least the English scene, was like okay. super, super, so, super, 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 super unified. So what unified like, it? Uh, yo, honestly, unification came from just people, a lot of people just being dope at the same time. You had, we, you got to understand, like, when people think of Montreal hip-hop before, they were thinking of, like, KC Elemental P, Shades of Culture, you know, like, just, like, not very, like, Shades of Culture was prominent, but, like, there wasn't really, there wasn't many other people to accompany them. And then after the ICM wave, like, once, it was, like, still kind of, like, Hodges and, like, vibes and stuff, but then once that kind of curved, and I did eventually leave the Velvet Velvet Trend vibes to kind of, like, do my own hip-hop thing this way, in terms of I really wanted to produce and I wanted to stop drumming because being a drummer is fun, but like you're the only one picking up your gear, especially when everybody else in the group is a rapper and you got one guitarist. So it's like, it's shit. So I, I left the group uh, around circa 2007. I really wanted to kind of like, you know, focus on production. So this era when we were coming up, 08, like we had, again, Rico, we had CL I had already met at this point. Brick was really just coming up at this point. Then we had like still, we had like Justice and LL5 that was still really rocking around. We had a lot of like, Magnum had just like, he's always been around, but like he just like really popped up again, you know? And like he did a, 
I think downtown of my city was one of his joints that was like really made me look at him. And then he also had this other Expos fitted, Expos fitted that kind of put Montreal like that gave us our battery. Expos fitted was they gave us a big big battery. I'm not gonna forget. Yeah, I'm not forgetting CX and Logic and I Blast, Nesrh, all of them. Yeah, our roster was sick because those the people you see on my joint pointer, which I eventually will get to. Okay, but okay, let's let me just interject a bit. So you have a sick interject. roster, my guy. I could tell you right now on some data shit, I can find you that roster. What do you do next? You get that roster. We we just they had the movement that I wasn't officially a part of. Rico could really speak to this. This was what uh, I don't remember what it was called. New money? What was it? New money? <laughs> but they had a a whole movement that was led by kind of bad news and Magnum and those guys, uh, dirt work. And they were just, it was really just about <coughs> promoting the dope MCs. So, you know, um, you had Black Gloves, you had Elonsky, SRH. Yeah. I, yeah. It was, it was like Shogun, you had Pesci, everybody like Peso, Frost, like mad people. Oh man. Like, yeah, there was just so many people. Like it, we were, it was just big. It was big times. I was kind of still trying to get my footing in there. I didn't know Tick so much at the time. I didn't know Vince so much at the time, but like bored in, bored in heavy. Yeah. Wow. Like it was just a crazy time. The unification came from that one fine evening on Saturday. Boys jumped on uh, Masters at Work. Ninjas just started talking about how we like, they literally like bum rushed the show, took over saying how they're going to, they're, they're about the new money. Like they're, they're, they're about like the new wave and stuff. And they're not trying to hear this old shit. It was really kind of comical because like, you would never see those kind of like wrestling antics at all in Montreal, especially in Montreal. So that shit was just like nuts to see. And like, it kind of just, it started a wave, but then within that same wave, tragic shit happened and just kind of, eh. <laughs> just kind of, eh. just like stopped it a little bit. So, yeah, right. I hope I'm not forgetting anyone. You guys can remind me in the chat because I'm looking at the chat for all the names. And yeah, yeah they I, added I a you. bunch of names there. It's not mm. like I'm like fascinated on replication, right? Like, so let's say you want to repeat this process. It's not impossible. Listen, anybody wants to tell me that Munchal doesn't have dope things, doesn't actually understand the scope of fucking people in this city, right? So oh, right no. now we have a list with at least like 800 names on it that's clunky. But like I have a playlist on Montreal that has like fucking eleven hours of Montreal. Trust me, you want to find dope? We can break it down by genre. We can organize the city. But like it's, it's always been the then what? But it always seems to boil down to collectives and organized leadership, and that's yeah. where it, it gets kind of iffy with egos. But um, yeah. the, anyway, perspective is what I is what I'm focused on right now. If um. People... We used to all hang out. That's what fostered unity. Yeah, Rico's right. Like we used to, we used to just, we were like like-minded people. We were just like, oh, we all want to do this hip hop shit. Most of us all smoked weed. We all like kind of just got together. We got along. It wasn't beef. It wasn't beef things. It wasn't ego. That it came. That shit came later, and it was weird when it came later. But like at that time, we were all like, we were very much like. This is our mission. This is what we want to do. We live in a little rock called Montreal. We want to be noticed more than just a French poutine place. We want to bring English hip hop here and make it prominent. And like, we all of us tried to do that to like our dearest. Shouts to H Man too. Shouts to Ubat. Shouts to you know I Blast. I didn't mention them. Shouts to yo. Shouts to Murder Face. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Listen, I met. I met. Okay, I need to tell you this real quick story. I tell you me asked me if stories. I ever rapped. I never rapped. But when I left the vibes in like 
circa 08 because I left Jean Catu and I started working at EA Mobile. So when I switched that job, I started doing other things production. Rodney, who Brick, who kind of we kind of met back up in university. I was like, hey, I haven't seen you in like 20 years. What have you been up to? He's like, oh, I've been rapping. I'm like, oh shit, I produce. So we linked up. He was working with this producer Drex, who was running Studio Drex and hey. Red. You know who fucking yeah. cake? Aaron from Drex added me on Snapchat randomly last week. Oh, word. And I'm like, my guy, you have come up before. You don't understand your impact on hip hop. He's like, say a word. And I'm yep. like, fucking straight up. I don't remember who like it was it. I was talking about. Maybe it was Rico. I know I worked with Aaron. Aaron was my first engineer at Drex in 2012. Aaron. Oh, yeah. Hey, Aaron. Woo. Okay. Funny story about Aaron. Aaron. Okay. Ao, that's my dude. Yeah. Okay. 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 I just know okay. Aaron in my phone. Aaron, a Aaron, Ao, that dude, original member of the posters. Okay. Okay. So the posters was um, uh, fucking Nate Husser, Chris, fucking Joey now, who Joey uh, Joey Sherritt, who mixed my album sample clearance, and like they were big, big, big. Those guys were like the young kids coming up. But like during Studio Drex, they were all like just like doing sound and shit. So Aaron, yeah, that's family. But um, yeah, I looked up at Rodney. He was doing things with uh, Studio Drex. We kind of kind of got in doing that. And then I was like hype manning from that point. And uh, it was, I, from hype manning my first show, I think it was we did our first show. It was Kali Buds. And that's where I met CL. That's not where I met CL for the first time, but that's when I was like, okay, who is this guy? And like, he kind of was like drunk in the crowd, but being CL, like, you know how CL is very friendly, very lovable. So I barely know how CL is. I, it's crazy. I met CL in real life one time. CL and yeah. I talk almost every day now. <clears throat> yeah. It's, it's crazy. That's what we, yeah. He, he and I have become like friends, like for real. Mm -hmm. But, but in, in real life, like once, I'm a Zoom really? homie. We've rapped together. Homie. We've right. like, we've like chatted. We've had zoom joint sessions, listening to music together and stuff. Yeah. He loves those. He loves those zoomy joint sessions, man. <laughs> um, so I, I fucks with CL soup. I would call him a friend for real. Like no, no like second hesitation in my voice, you know, like that guy's fucking cool, but he's on a list of people I actually need to hang out with now that I'm on fucking vacation. Cause like, I actually need to like meet CL in like a more real tangential way. <laughs> No, no, you gotta hang out with Drew. Drew is very like he's super chill like that. Like, uh, <laughs> um, I'm when we met, I think he was just like outside of somewhere, or whatever. But anyways, like at the time, he wasn't just CL. CL had the great name of Crack Lips, and me being ignorant at the time, <laughs> I was like, okay, wait a minute. So he's like, he introduced himself. He's like, hey, what's up? I'm Crack Lips. I'm just like, what do you mean? He's he's like, I'm Crack Lips. I'm a rapper. I'm just like, wait, you're a white dude, and your rap name is Crack Lips? And I lost my mind. Like, I lost my mind. I was like, that is the greatest. Like, I don't know why it was so, like, to me. But to me, I was just like, all right. So I met CL, like, like that. And then from then, to say that you say that you speak to him every day. Yeah, I speak to CL more than I speak to a lot of my close friends. Like, we talk a lot about everything. We'll get into, like, arguments. I'll have bad days and just scream on his ass <laughs> for just simple dumb shit that he'll say to me in passing. And, like, it'll be a thing. But then we come back after it, like, like, CL is like one of my best friends. Yeah, CL is fun. Like we Real have, time. I don't know. I can't wait to get to know him better. Like for real, he. You'll he, have a blast. 
honestly, well, Justice Four is one of the best songs I ever heard in my life, and it, it inspired me to be like more activisty with my platform. So shout yeah. out to CL Forever. Appreciate you know? that for CL. I met a lot of people. I met a, uh, I met a uh, Vince Vincent Price. Like yeah, we got Vincent Price closer through. It, it, <laughs> super funny. So like. Me and Vince didn't really know each other, but then, like, I'd be at CL's house, and then Vince would show up. And then I'd be at 80 Rock's house, shout to 80, who is, like, the alchemist of the city. Like, not, he's the alchemist. I compare him to alchemist, the producer. All of the producers in Montreal were, like, the Justice League. We're all friends, low-key. Like, we will talk, we'll be on some nerd shit, we'll hang out. It's never envious. It's never on some, like, oh, why didn't I make that beat? We'll legit give each other pointers. It's just how we are. So I'd go to CL's house. Vinny would be there. I'd go to 80's house. Vince would be there. And then I'm just like, all right, so I need to be friends with this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we didn't know. Like, I didn't know he produced at the time. I think we kind of, like, realized afterwards. And then, like, we just kind of, through social media being social media, we just became friends like that. So, yeah, if it wasn't for CL and 80, I wouldn't know Vince. And I wouldn't know a lot of people. And yeah. I wouldn't have met my own cousin, actually, <laughs> through CL. Uh, knew me. He's, like, a graph writer. I met him in like a coding age store or whatever, but then I didn't know him as Numi and knew him as Chris. And then like weeks later, hanging out with CL and he's like, oh yeah, I'm come meet to the show that I'm doing. My friend Numi is going to be there and like a bunch of my other friends, whatever. So I roll up, whatever. This guy knew me shows. He's like, yeah, this is Numi. I'm like, that ain't Numi. That's my cousin, Chris. And like, we realized that we both knew CL and like a lot of the same people. And that's Montreal. Yeah, that's crazy. I met like, I don't know. CL just kind of popped into my life because I got fascinated with his bars and his ability to rhyme and his yep. attitude and, and this is 2020 right like maybe 2019 yep. i discovered cool man logan on my fucking facebook like it's not like cool was, man logan the name switch yeah, yeah. that's how i know crack him, lips right? is a better name <laughs> i like crack lips. i just so now if you'll notice it says regular man holding plus on all my shit because <laughs> anyway love it uh so cool man logan i fucking love this guy and so he's coming through on the cypher that vince price is now fucking involved in i'm like wow look at that these are my friends in 2021 and apparently they were all like huge and significant people a decade ago and i had no fucking idea they're still huge and significant people but we were just all on our all on our or on our head dude like even you like today like 243 episodes of a podcast everybody's like your beats are fucking stellar like you're fucking crushing life like i don't know like you're you're a pretty impressive guy i'm sitting here like i get to talk to skin deep that's cool i haven't gotten started yet uh (laughs) i'm just getting started uh there's a few hiccups but uh you know we just try to you know we just try to we still try to do the thing and i like that i like that we're still doing the thing that we're trying to do we are 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 somebody's you know like for me it's like feel like this new kid at this like club of people that do all this crazy interesting shit but like i'm i'm, I'm the new guy and it's glaring in my presence y'all are like i'm fucking used to this shit and i'm like oh fuck y'all are really used to this shit because in 2005 yeah and i'm like fuck me eh we come from a time when it wasn't it was low-key listen before the igs before like needing followers mattered shit hip-hop in the city was so great Dude, <laughs> it was so cool like, in 2007 oh, or whatever, I'm the guy playing the World of Warcraft board game in the fucking Abbott fucking break room, and y'all are out there fucking doing your shit. You know what I mean? Like, just different realities at that time. I know. That's what ta- that's crazy about time is that, like, it can do that. Like, legit, you could have been, you're in Abbott, and I'm, like, in freaking some random town, Lethbridge, Alberta, which is my favorite town in Canada. Lethbridge, shouts to Lethbridge. Deathridge, I love that spot. It's so great, so homey. It's so ghetto. 
and just like ah it was great it's perfectly country for me love it nah ah shit twitchy the foot's in with one of his fucking moods i'm from czech republic where hip-hop is still very important so, so seal creates characters now yeah who's twitchy the foot i was wondering that's crack lips it's seal <laughs> he fucking oh, creates God. characters and it's hilarious because he'll come in he'll like commit to it right so he'll show up before the <laughs> cypher and he'll like drop a teaser of the character for the night in the chat beforehand as we're like warming up and he's never there for the discussion he's like fuck that i'm coming to rap and then we start rapping not long after he shows up and he's now in that character with whatever name he'll have dropped and made up and he'll like stick to the niche for about 45 minutes to an hour before he loses it and what just goes back into like classic cl shit and it's actually really amazing it's one of my favorite parts of the fucking cypher is that cl does this and i pay attention he's amazing he's a great guy <laughs> also That's shout hilarious. out to your uh track with him because i know i heard this beat that you gave to the cypher and then i know yeah. i heard this track that came out today from cl and i know that that beat was somewhere in the middle some shit that i've wrapped on at the cypher and now it's oh, he CL. dropped it today he dropped it today <laughs> yes all right i didn't even pose that damn all right so that's three singles this year good job good job skinny all right no, this my, is like my comeback year a little bit my guy your beats another... are like incredible every time i hear one of your beats i'm like wow it's like i don't even want to come to them because it's like scary good like they're too <laughs> like, still trying to get that placement still trying to get that major place you know what i mean i'm uh i uh i'm a I, my beats come from Yo, they come from a very weird spot. Like, a lot of my beats are made within... I gotta be happy to make beats, but then also my beats come from, like, wild pain. So, like, a lot of my beat, Like, okay, so the beat that I dropped today, or that CL dropped today, now that I'm alone... Yeah, the, the right? samples on it and shit. Okay, that ish dropped... That, okay, so I made that beat when I was, like, 2017, and we're jumping. But, like, I made that, like, years Jump. ago when I was living alone. And, like... You know, I, I wasn't really with nobody. I was kind of like newly single, just kind of like I was too broke to go out because I was living in a four and a half by myself off a of Ubisoft salary, which was bullshit. So I was too broke. To, I was too broke to go out. All I could do is make beats. And of course, I'm gonna find samples that kind of speak to the mood I'm in. So of course, you have a you have a joint with. Uh, yeah, me and Vince, we still got to finish that collab. But then, uh, yeah, and Rico did have that beat years ago. People, see, that's the thing. A lot of my beats are like. You'll be like, oh, that's a great beat. And I'll be like, snap, that was made 20 years ago because that's my mood. But to get into this beat, now that I'm alone, I'll have that and I'll just ride with that because, like, yeah, it just kind of turns into, a, like, a mood. My Most of my beats are, like, a mood and, like, a, just yeah, an dude, offspring of me. I like them a lot. I, I definitely have high interest in your beat work. And, I ha and I, I'd say this because you threw in a fair number and we have all, like, we, we go, yo, who made that beat? Uh, that happens when we do in the cypher thing. Yo, who made yeah. that beat? Yo, <laughs> yo, uh, skin deep. That's my Vincent person. That's my Vincent person. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. I, when Vince does that, I'd be tuning in just to hear those reactions. Like, I like to hear that. Because, like, I'll make something, like, that day and just, like, send it. Not even, like, mix properly. Yo, the first like, okay. time you were the guy. You're the one that I was live doing this. And on the first episode, you fucking sent a beat in. Like, in real... like 12 beats. Yeah. I was like, here go. And Yeah, I remember that. It was fun. God, that was fucking great. We, we loved it. Okay, no, I can say your, your beats are getting. You, you're one of the standouts of the squad of people who get reactions of the beat making. I've always wanted to be. I try. I, I, I try. Like, I mean, 
I went through a time where like we all went through this time where like and yeah we got to work on that collab I got so many collabs to work on like there's just ideas in my head but like I come from a time where sampling was huge and then I also went through the era where sampling wasn't huge and people were trying to like hate on sampling and now sampling's coming back and like I just I it's not that I can't make my own original tracks I can I'm a drummer I know melodics like I can I know bass lines this is that I like the idea of what a sample could do and like how you stretch it how you flip it and it's, it's, it's like your own make that's why these guys made these joints that's why they did these like 10 to 15 to 20 30 second interludes on their stuff because they know that what they were making was just a groove and like i mean maybe they were kind of like couldn't foresee into the future where music would go but i feel like some of these old soul bands and old like musicians had an idea of what we would do in the future with it because that's why it's there it's like music is to be interpolated and like used and manipulated how you want it to get different notes to get different feels or it's almost like if you think about it just to piggyback on what you're saying um i do like music history a lot so i'm super fascinated by it so if you go back to the older things that got sampled over the time so if you you go really back people hated recording music live like nobody Mm. wanted to do it it felt like it was being taking something that was meant to be a live and dynamic experience and trapping it in a box. And one of the things that they would do in these live performances, big band, whatever, whatever, is when mm. people were dancing to a particular part of a groove or whatever, they might play that shit for 15 minutes fucking straight. Cause yo, people might not know it, but these dudes would be like on amphetamines playing for eight hours straight back in the day. That's a real, real thing. Or they do some right. cocaine with their marijuanas. Right. Yo, the history of drugs <laughs> and fucking music is lit. crazy. Lit. Lit. Like everyone's lit. like, yo, these guys are like fucking rock gods, but then you can't do drugs. And I'm like, you fucking assholes. That's not even fair. So I'm not allowed to do the drugs. Can do drugs. No, like the same people will worship drug addicts and then tell you not to do those drugs, but then tell you your music sucks. I'm like, bro, you're not even letting us do the drug societally to achieve the music you liked. Big facts. Big old facts. How am Big I supposed facts. to have a rock star life if I can't do a bunch of shit? And ba- you know what I'm saying? Like these people had to go live these lives to write that music. Yep. Now you're not allowed to. And I'm not trying to encourage any kind of shit. I'm just trying to point out like a hypocrisy in the way people are a little bit about certain things, because those same people will idolize yo. Why don't you act like the Beatles? I'm like, bro, the Beatles weren't sober for like decades, right? <laughs> like decades man like they were doing shit that if i did today i could lose my job if people were hearing about it type of thing anyway big facts man tangents so yeah so back to the live thing so they would actually recreate that groove element of what they would have done so it's really plausible to me that they would have created kind of parts on an album thinking it like that on purpose because they would have had those parts in the songs and i'm sure dub and dubbing is a thing since the beginning of music recording they actually took the feature away it used to mm-hmm. be too hot. It was so hot that people couldn't sell records, so they stopped letting you record with the fucking uh, vinyl players. But original vinyl players, people could just record onto them, so the record companies weren't selling records right because people were just making all kinds oh, of home music covers and shit. shit. Oh, shit, yeah. So, and we're talking that. the 20s, like real, real Ooh. early. We're talking that since time, people have this idea of this built into music of it being recorded. So I love what you just said because it just seems to be backed by history. Yeah, pretty much. Where were we on the timeline? Yeah, we're like 2000 and... Well, I guess the bad times have happened in 2012-ish. 
Well, yeah, sorry. The bad times have happened. Uh, people that we know and love have passed away and brutally taken away from us. And then we come to 2012, which is in the West Island. Something different. I think Murderface has already dropped at this point. I don't know if people are also battling because Lowe's was doing this thing with KOTD. Um, so, like, we're again in another, like, stage of us really just kind of um, coming up. And... Uh, yeah, okay, so yeah, we were already doing the battle things around that time in 2012, and then I was just like, you know what, fuck what this, I'm things? gonna, uh, like, you know, like, rap battle things, he always killed the Actually, can you, we, I've not once talked about Montreal battle rap history on this channel. <laughs> I am not the guy to talk to you, you need to talk to Lowe's, but at one point, we were, kill- we were doing our thing, we were killing it. We really, really were doing it. Hold on. CL, we dabbled in our conversation because CL will hit me up after. We dabbled. We yeah. didn't really delve CL. CL, I saw CL in there a lot, big times. <clears throat> Keshi was in there a lot, big times. Um, uh, it's going to bother me. Tom, my man's from Murderface, that, like, who's really, really fantastic. Cinecal, thank you. Wow. Hey, my man. Thank you, Rico. You're fast. Mm. Um, Cinecal was really, really big in there. Uh, Justice was murdering people, taking bodies. Shit was crazy. Like, it was crazy. Like, we got, like, early KOTD stuff that were coming here, and they were, like, at our, at our like, bars and stuff on Sailor Laurent, Saturday afternoons, whatever. Um, and yeah, that's, it was crazy. It was, it was so we got some crazy early battles, and that's what I knew about the scene, because I only, I wasn't around there that much, but I knew that a lot of those people were still taking that hype and taking that build-up, taking that fire, and then bringing it to their own music, which came later. Um, but as for me, around that year, I was, at this point, I had built my catalog, and I was, like, working with different artists. Like, I think 2012, Brick and I had been doing our thing as, like, Underground Real Road. We were touring, doing our shows, and I had met this guy in Ottawa, sent him some beats. I did some shit with D-Shade, sent him some beats, worked on a D-Shade album with, this is great, Buddha Blaze, Narcy mixing the shit in my production on there. Um, so that's wonderful. Um, then also that same year, H-Man and I did a lot of stuff. I did that track at Rico and LES. Um, I was trying to do many tracks with CL, but this particular one he missed. And then I just like, I made this beat called Pointer. And Pointer was the, if you don't know if you've heard the song, but I did. Sesame Street, actually 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, yeah, from Sesame Street to Pointer Sisters. So I did, I don't even know what, what I was on. This is how Montreal was back then. Montreal was so unified back then that you could send a mass email to a bunch of niggas you ain't never spoke to before and be like, here, I got this beat. All y'all gonna be on this shit. And everybody wrote a verse. Like I legit wrote, like I, I, I straight up just sent this beat out said i'm booking studio time for this day and this is actually the first day of opening for studio drex like his first day of actually being open as a studio separate from red rhino drex went upstairs started his own spot and this was the first day he was open i booked like a crazy session who at which point srh shows up quest shows up hodges doesn't show rico comes caesar rock shows up Lopeshi shows up um mr bits is there boy blue is there dutch is there Narcy shows up like so, yeah, just like so that two... people know there was like a huge waiting room area outside of where the booth was that could actually yes. comfortably house this many people. all these people with a couch and everything so you had like Hold on, mad dudes oh go on well yeah and you could i remember that when i went you could smoke cigarettes but not weed yes 
You could smoke because Drex was a, a cigarette smoker. So that guy would bury that shit down with his cigarette smoke and you're dying coughing like a motherfucker. <laughs> but you couldn't roll weed. So like everybody was rolling trees. So that was bits. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know if Dutch was supposed to be there. Dutch was like, listen, I got to be home at a certain time. I love Dutch. <laughs> Shout out to you, buddy. Um, I miss you. Um, Dutch blew everybody's outside rolling their trees and then inside the booth you have yeah we're burning backwards downstairs that's exactly it and then you have everybody inside the booth like just kind of taking their turns and like recording and that was like you know unification i didn't know half of these people like i knew srh i met rico like rico and i think maybe met like three or four times at that point seas rock and i didn't really know each other like that like elonsky definitely didn't know him like that but like everybody came through and just laid down ill ill to the point where like i had to keep the song 13 minutes because of that like i couldn't cut people it was just like i what am i gonna you know what i mean so that was that time to me really just like and even cynical was supposed to show and i think he like missed it because the session was from like i'm gonna say seven to like ten and we yeah he might have just just missed it but that day literally kind of like made me feel like okay we're really about to do this shit like it was yeah it was sick super sick <laughs> yeah i played it i played it right before the interview as we were de- oh, digging okay. a little into it um no but that's crazy cool just to like see that happen i mean and shouts to j red too j red the doctor he gave me who just released some shit with 80 rock and morris regal um rock rockefellers um j red at the time i was working with him a lot and his group at the time style and substance so i was kind of like producing for these young dudes but also trying to put out my album this year and he was just like yo this pointer beat you should get a bunch of dudes on it make it just a huge posse cut so j red i've never told that story he gets all the fate like all the credit for that track because i was like the next day like yeah man i'm gonna send this to every rapper i'm friends with on facebook and yeah now if you tried to do that now on facebook and send a mass like facebook message to a bunch of rappers you don't know and just present a beat you'd have managers chiming in you'd have people be like what's your views like like nah man uh, <laughs> it's so broke it's uh, weird, yeah, it's yeah, weird. Yeah, well, I, anyway one of those happened recently i digress um vince i i feel you bro i didn't i tried to get so many more people on that project and like sample clearance is my it was my not my like i don't say gift to the city but sample clearance was like i want to show people that we can do this shit and from where i was coming from no one was listening to west island folk like that no one was really listening to like Montreal people like that. So I was just like, how about I just bring all these people together, get them on my beats and like, let's go. So I guess the question is how do we, uh, in the bigger question is how do we recreate that spirit today? Jesus Christ. Get egos up the fuck out of here. We need to have no egos. We need to have the same drive and hunger. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, I really don't know. Cause I feel like the, the new kids can do it from the ones that I know, but the thing is, I also don't know of many of the new kids. All right, so here's what's up. I can tell you that with my position in life, data, intelligence, rule everything around me, so I'm all about <laughs> looking into some shit. Um, I could find 15 people if anybody really was down to, like, you know, really work with it. Because here's the problem. you It ends up being that a lot of us end up writing solo, trying to all do mm-hmm. the same thing at the same time. Doesn't go anywhere. Egos get in the way. But really, the people in charge don't always want to do the things that are necessary to, like, be that role. Big which facts. costs losses. Yo, I read this marketing book. 
recently by my favorite marketer, Scott. What's his fucking name? Whatever his fucking name is. I'm feeling like I'm blanking <laughs> on it. <laughs> Scott Galloway. That's it. Um, dude's fucking great. He says fuck. So I was in. You're a marketer and you say <laughs> fuck. You sold me. You're speaking my yeah. language now. Yeah. But he was like, entrepreneurs are the types of people that will work an 80 hour a week just to put money in at the end and not get paid. And I'm like, oh shit that is an interesting way that people can evaluate who's really about that about that in terms of being a leadership within that shit and who's not and uh anyway that's just a, a thing to keep in mind but i'm saying let's say you have to break people and i'm meeting a bunch of people how do you like reinstill the faith like yo it's not a question of talent yo there's definitely like this hoshe kid is just ridiculous so there's drew from the nsl collect is ridiculous and that's just Ooh. like my lane of you know people who are not from the other side of life i don't know how else mm -hmm. to put it then yeah. you got to go to all side look at that mike shab kid he just dropped a banger today mike shab is nasty he out of the newbies i've really fucked with mike shab when he okay i fucked with mike shab when he first started when he was just like gutter 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 super gritty um i really really like jo um He's got a kid with him who I was working with a couple years back. It's going to bother me that I can't remember his name, but it starts with an N and it's going to be in my phone that I'm going to look for it. But um, yeah, K Goon is dope. Like a lot of the new kids are good, but like. No, I mean, but let's go, let's go to a different level. Yeah. I go. know enough 30 year olds that we could just now go after the 30 year olds that still love hip hop but don't have a place to go that's targeting them. There's 40 year olds still doing it. I mean, right. like you see what I'm saying? Like people are getting kind of limited in my opinion about the, the potential here. Like mm -hmm. in the SaaS market, you need a thousand clients to prosperity. You no longer have to sell fucking uh, discs. You just need to find subscribing recurring model. You know, okay. so something that that movement of like 1920 rappers did was created a recurring model system. And Meticulous really broke this down nicely upon which you would have main act following people that would come through and create three, four kind of centralization. But ultimately, it's a collective. That's my favorite word now of 20 or so people, beat makers, videographers, etc. And people who came through that were like like minded enough to create this core sound and this core audience. This is just the marketing yeah. version of the story. Um, and via the repetition of these same people, and then you would have your guests and whatever come through, but like via the repetition of the same people at the same events. And we did this small scale with my little posse of people, like, like mm -hmm. I don't know, buds and them were around when I was doing shit in the really small CFCs and stuff. So yeah. like, I don't want to like claim that I was rolling, but they were like around and I was watching different things happen. And then I was rolling with the spades dude for a minute. And then I saw like the TNT group in the beginnings and all of that. So like I was seeing a lot of these things play, but it was a lot of like collectivism. Now I'm not saying that the effectiveness hit up at that point to the same degree. There were other pieces mm -hmm. to the puzzle, but that is not happening here and now into the same degree, I think. So no, it's not. And I think, um, no, it's not. Do you think that that would make a difference? Just having that level of structure in place for each of the lanes, just acknowledge all the other lanes are here and find the right yes. people to support. Definitely. Each because lanes. that's exactly what we were do doing. You had to listen, you had famine, you had like the different crews that were out there. You had like, I think, okay. Okay. There was a singer that was around here a lot that people were doing, but like C's and them were C's LES 
they were doing their own thing for a minute. Lopetri was doing his own thing for a minute. Like, we were all doing our own collective things. None of these people had any kind of connection to me. They knew me as video camera guy or the guy who kind of made beats or you're the drummer dude from Velvet Trench Vibe. So, like, no one had any kind of connection to each other, but we acknowledged each other. Whereas now, because we can hide in our phones and hide behind our social media, and it's not, I'm not blaming social media, social media, like, no, really like propelled it. It's, it's, it's like, you had, Unes, thank you. Thank you, V. Uh, yeah, it was Unes. So, like, you had Rico, it was like, Unes was working with Caesar Rock and, like, a lot of Rico, Rico Blocks, I believe, and a lot of them, they were doing their thing. And then you had, like, Crazy K was coming up. SRH was coming up, but SRH was like an underling of, of Hodges. Nobody really knew who SRH was at the time. Then you had like uh, Elonsky and Black Gloves were like the same age as as SRH, but like just DG versus Dorval. So like that's a, co- I mean, Point Claire Dorval, but like a totally different mix of like where you're coming from at being the same age. And then again, all this being at the very like starting this you had the expo fitted remix which a lot of people just jumped in to kind of give you their viewpoint of what they felt about expos fitted so like you, everybody acknowledged each other and it was like a respecting like it was really like i may not fuck with you i may not fuck with the way you rap but like you guys are doing your shit mm. crime in the city was heavy we had the fucking the the countdown shots by um count the countdown on k103 that was done by vince i need you to do this for me again um, because I'm forgetting wild names, and I literally have this dude on my Facebook, and he was like a host. It was after Don, Don Smith. Smooth, not Don Smith, not Don Smooth. Um, next dude. But either way, he started doing a weekly countdown, and like everybody was just trying to get their songs on that K103 countdown, and it was like Nick Fury, yes, fucking Fury. I, I'm a comic book dude, and I forgot that. That's despicable. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry about that. So Fury, shouts to Fury. Um, he was he killed it, and like. Is it everything happening at a perfect time between 2010, 2012, and just shit was just like boom, and everybody acknowledged each other. Now, okay, so as that, I was saying that's before, the big thing that you're saying, yeah, acknowledging each other, they don't. You can't now. You'd be, it's it's not in people's to acknowledge someone is to almost give away some of your 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 real estate. I don't know now. about that though, because what's real funny if we want to be analytical is my entire prestige in the city elevated in a pretty grandiose way on the nature of just giving props to like everybody in the city mm. there's an irony to that eh because yo look at what i'm doing yo skinny you fucking incredible for real what you've done for the city and a lot of this is powerful that's just the it's energy. true it, it, you're right it is a lot of it is kind of to kind of the focal point to bring it to this it's just i feel like hmm. that's crazy though I don't know how to break it down, but it's just like a lot of people just, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you got your bros that you've, like, your family and your friends that you've been, like, quote-unquote following from time. So, like, you're always going to be, you know, but, like, say if there's, like, a new guy that comes in and he doesn't necessarily Mm -hmm. know what you've done or what you've accomplished or what your history is about. It's it's also, like, views came in. Let's be real. I remember that in 20... 2013 2014 something happened you could pay for views but people didn't know you paid for views so yes. even i would sometimes see somebody be like bro you got a lot of views there yeah yeah it just was a random lucky hit and then you're like yo <laughs> but you would believe it right because why wouldn't yeah. you you didn't know better yeah. it was 2013 i wasn't that savvy no back idea. then so yeah. like 
all of a sudden, I think people started measuring the value of views in terms of who to book and how to book a lot more than, well, actually, it's kind of what happened to the record labels, right? Like, think about it. They went from this point where you have A&Rs who are based on pulse of the sound to data rule everything around me, but bad data reading leads to trend reading, right. leads to trend hopping, right. leads to whatever. So you're Remember getting to- Yo, but ringtones were late. I'm sorry, but Soldier Boy songs are good to this day, and everyone clowns on him. But like, I listen to his music because how them right tell it just rhymes perfect. So yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. And I'm sorry, but like, we hate on some shit that we were wrong about hating on because it was actually real litty. Oh, Soldier Boy, hey, I was big time on that. He was the ringtone yeah. rap king. He invented he was it. The ringtone rap king. He was, but I was big on that. But I, uh, yeah, uh, a lot of that kind of, it was kind of like to kind of sum it up. We were actually that weird point where, fuck, we were that weird point between MySpace not being MySpace oh, anymore. Yeah, so Rico said the blog scene, so we have the end of the blog scene, end of MySpace, plus the start of the data scene and no clean transition. Yeah, that's where we were. We were dead in the middle of that. No shit. Dead in the middle of Little Italy, little did we know that what the fuck we were doing would carve the way music would go and we would not get shit, literally. Because that's where we were dead in the middle of it but then youtube wasn't youtube spotify didn't exist there was no twitter was just coming up napster was coming around there but we couldn't get our shit on there soundcloud wasn't anywhere around where were we dead in the middle Mm, i mean no facebook groups no band camp none of that was around legit you had to have the most reverberation Yeah, 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 yeah. See, I wasn't privy. I wasn't privy. I wasn't privy. Okay. But then you had the blogs, and then, yeah, and then the blog era came up. But by the time the blog era came up, and you had Nah Rights, and you had like uh, Two Dope Boys, and you had that, we, like, it was our outlet. Rico, I'm with you. It was our outlet. But then when that got gobbled up, we kind of went with it. It was like, yeah, yeah. Stay stay weird. (laughs) It was weird. No, I understand though, but even to add to that, um, from a promoter point of view, it changes. So it's so how do you know it's hot? The media, right? So reviewers, mm-hmm. blogs, whatever. If they're going, yo, these guys is it, they're the ones to follow, it creates a certain cohesion behind it. And in a sense, kinda like real life, the media dictates the narrative. And there was a narrative that got crafted, I suppose, mm-hmm. around certain people that were like whatever. And this was fueled by blogs and social medias and kind of created a unity is what I'm understanding, right? Then all of a sudden, you could buy views. Oh, boy. And it uh, changes the scope of how you book a show. Because, you know, if Maz can get 150,000 views, he's probably going to be able to get this many people. Turns out that's not real, real no more. It's not a gauge of anything. So now all of a sudden, you have to sell tickets. You have to buy oh, tickets no, no. out. <laughs> that was creeping up way before, but then when our when our homie passed away, mm. that's when there was no room for regulation. Right? So like we were getting shows upon shows upon shows upon shows upon shows. And that was and that was homie Dutch doing his thing. And he like like yeah, he'd still be about like, yeah, sell some tickets, but it wouldn't be like the nitty gritty be all end all, like motherfucker, you better sell some tickets, right? But then when he you know, he took, yeah, he took care of us. He was about it. When, and I'm not going to use this to rain on this, but like when Ricky D came in, shit got really foul. And I remember being particularly done. And this was like, I think around the time when I was like, so this is probably like around 2013. 
Um, I remember, and I'd already dropped sample clearance at this point. I remember being particularly done when I got a Ricky D show, which I wasn't used to what Ricky D shows were. It was like, oh, I'm actually going to have to sell all these tickets. Hold up, wait. My, my friends be like almost mid 25, almost 30. Preach Some of that. them got kids. Preach that. Ninjas ain't going to shows like that. I don't know if they're going to pay. 35 to $45 to see Absol. Most of my friends, are, I'm in the West Island. I got friends that are, I don't even, like, I got black friends, but I don't really, like, I got black friends. No, but right? for and real, I know what you're saying because I started rapping at 25 and bro, it's always been a challenge to get motherfuckers to come to a show. I have to, like, sell the idea that it's gonna, yo, but bro, there's good drinks here, yo, but bro, it's gonna be this, because it's like, you have to convince people above the age of 25 that this is better than mm. fucking tv yep oh what am i wait what am i getting here that i can't just get at this bar that's like down my street no, not Why even I... wine uh. and pajamas is what you're up against <laughs> i'm fucking... against wine and pajamas to be honest and this is going to go into a whole other thing i don't think I also don't think North Americans really quite understand the support system that Amer- like Americans do like merely supporting your friend and going and like like you could get your people to do that from like 18 to 20 yeah you know and in the states you could get them to go from 18 to like 30 but here it's like you really got a window of like two three years before people stop really messing with you like that and yeah they'll like your post but then like you'll get some of those people like oh you didn't send me a new song and it's like what do you mean i didn't send you a new song i literally just made sure it got on twitter facebook instagram and all them things you see and you're telling me that you couldn't click like that's ridiculous so it got into a lot of that where at that point where i was trying to do this ricky d show and it was absolute particularly man shook me down like man's was like and i'm not even gonna lie about this like Legit, I was just like, hey, dude, like a lot of my friends are adults. I'm here with my boy Castro. We're, he's from Ottawa. We're trying to open for the show. Like, I know I got a bunch of these tickets and I couldn't sell all of these. So, like, here you go. Sorry about that. Where I'm from, as Rico mentioned, you know, like, they, they, it, it, specific, yeah, specifically not an NTL. Right. Okay. But fans here would, would, <laughs> they would kind of like, I guess they would be into your stuff, but not fully into your stuff. So when I really got to this show, I was like, listen, I don't really have that many people buying these tickets. Here you go. I got like 40 left. And then Ricky, Ricky D turns to me and literally goes, well, how much you got in your wallet? And I'm living on my own at this point. So I literally have what I have in my wallet is what I have for spending for the next two weeks based on how I mentioned I'm working at Ubisoft, not making a lot of money and making bum ass moves right now. Um, I don't really have a bunch of money, but I did give Ricky D everything that I had in that wallet and I thought that, and I was like, okay, well, at least I get to do the show. Then motherfuckers introduced me by my government. And again, this was after Dutch because this was Seb, who was also running Escape. He was also doing this show with Ricky. It was an awkward time where Seb from Escape Entertainment was working with Ricky D from whatever Ricky D calls his shit. And they did this Absol show. So once I get on stage and they introduce, oh, up next we got Akil. I lost my mind. Hold up. You just shook me down for all the money in my wallet for me to sell this take, these tickets to a show. And I'm 25, 26, trying to sell tickets to a show that demographically really is going to like 18 to 22. And then you go on top of it. You know me. You know me on Facebook. You know me everywhere else. You know that I go by skin deep. You're going to introduce me as my government? That's from then. I was, I was done. 
I was like, yeah, that it, it was it was no. <laughs> and that wasn't at the spot next to EMC. Actually, wait. This show was and yes, Vince, it, is, it, 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 Vince is like I DJed at that show. <clears throat> he did DJ at that show, but it wasn't that spot. This was some weird spot that was like I think like off of um off of St. Laurent, but down towards like St. Catherine. It was like on that end, near Barry. It was weird. It wasn't a Joey Badass show. That show I snuck into. <laughs> I snuck into that show backstage-wise. Um, Chevy P from um, from uh, Taylor Gang was there. I remember that show. But yeah, it was Olympia. Yes, it was Olympia. Oh, Thank shit. you, Rita. Bongo. Yeah, it yeah, was that's Olympia. That's a big venue. Yeah, mm-hmm. Those are like real, real venues. You Yo, I never venue, even man. got to play that shit. The biggest shit you I ever did venue. was... Uh, Okay, I did Fafoons during COVID, so it doesn't really count. But uh, the biggest thing I ever did with a crowd was, like, fucking Belmont. Yeah, yeah, that's big. It's not a little that's huge. big. No, Belmont's, like, like the, the bottom half of Belmont alone. It's like Yeah, but I think Olympia was, like, cut off. I think it was, like, they okay, have okay. to. But, like, Olympia, because I've been to, like, Olympia for, like, it's, like, pretty big. Like, we're talking, um, anyway. Has the worst sound ever, fair enough. Uh, I digress. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it wasn't great. <laughs> so you have that experience, which is probably not great. It wasn't. Yeah, that was kind of like the time where I was like, "All right, I really need to kind of reconsider this performing thing," because I always loved performing. That was my thing about this thing. Like, I loved producing. I loved drumming, but performing to go back to the choreography. That was my. I loved it. Mm. So. When I got to do the shows when I was drumming, I loved that because it was like you get to perform. And the thing about producing is you literally like you have to do some other element in the whole music thing if you also want to be on stage. Like not every producer gets to be the DJ for the guy that they're working with. Not every producer gets to be like the hype man for the guy that they're working with. So once you give me that drug of getting those endorphins of wanting to perform and like be out there and feel that vibe, if I'm just making a beat for a person, you're not really getting that, you know? You're kind of, like, getting, I don't know, you're getting, like, their feel of it, but if you're, if you're not a part of them and you're not a part of, like, their process, it's just another beat that you made that you'll maybe get to hear at some show if that mm. person even does shows, right? So, yeah, I can feel that. Yeah, I don't so, know. I, yeah, I don't understand the scope of what it is to work with artists because I was very solo um, I performed a lot, always by myself on stage. I just met okay. beat makers, and I had my one guy that I record. I recorded at Drake's, but it was expensive, and my guy was cheaper, and he recorded at his crib, and we were homies, so I just stuck with him, and then I started recording at home. And then I, uh, in 2020, I started playing nice with people. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you came back out. Yeah, yeah, I see that. I see you. Man. Nah, but like for about four years, I was performing, but it was all random. I ended up at like Death House for like seven fucking separate you know like fucking grunge ass you know i was I was more on like that shit or like so i ended up at a black history month at concordia event i swear okay. that happened and one of my and i'm just i don't know how that happened but like i would just because i wore a suit everywhere so that's where it comes from so <laughs> you wore a suit everywhere i swear like, all of it all of it that's what behind that suit you know because there were a suit everywhere at every performance all of them since 2012 and Love uh that. They never fit right, so they're not saying I look good in a suit. That's what that's what's coming post COVID. So, were you like the precursor to all gas, no breaks? I don't know what all gas, no breaks is. 
All Gas No Breaks is essentially a dude who wears like a terribly fitted suit. Okay, it was All Gas No Breaks. Now it's called Channel 5 News before he got robbed. But uh, he would go and like just essentially cover like weird spots. Like I think oh, I swear I didn't even know this existed. He go to Miami Beach and is a dude like a wild afro or whatever, and he's wearing like an ill, really shitty fitting suit, brown suit, whatever, nah, like just, dead ass in the middle of the beach. That's what I could yeah. afford and shit. Now it's kind of fatter, <laughs> like way fatter. So my whole thought process was, I kind of want to get laid off this shit. And if I wear a suit, I'm the best dressed guy in most rooms. And not all the suits are bad. I just they rarely fit right because my weight would fluctuate. So I tended to get bigger suits thinking I could hide and shit like a fool. You didn't know that that's not how you rock a suit until you're older, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so I started it for that reason. And then I just stuck with it because people would remember me when they were drunk at two in the morning. Mm. I was like, you were that dude. I might have, we might have ran into each other a few yeah, times. It's whole possible. Like, because 2012 to 2016, I wrapped a bunch of different, I did Pranabar a bunch. Yeah. Um, and a few things like that. Uh, but, you know, I yeah. was 2012. Underworld was my like living spot. Shasta Alex, uh, Alex, uh, I was always at Underworld. Underworld, as Rico mentioned in the thing, we had a, I had my album release party there, mm. and I think that was like a stupid huge turnout because at the time I'm working in the video game industry, I had met not like I wasn't, I was the the friend dude, so I had a lot of girlfriends because I was just like their friend guy, and then mm. Underworld like was just just prominent for shows so we just did that i legit went to underworld once and it was the dutch memorial show because they knew that srh was performing at it and i was hsr i'm now i'm holding stefan right but i was hsr at the time and it had nothing to do with him but i found out that srh existed and i'm hsr and this was like a thing where people came up to me for like a year being like dude are you at HS? They got it confused or whatever. They were twisted. Are you SRH? And I'm like, no, but my name's Holden Stefan Roy. And then I found out he got his shit because Benjamin, son of the right hand or whatever. Son of, yeah, son of right hand, yeah. I ended yeah. up meeting him later on and we had a little goof on it. So, like, it was yeah. all good. But, so, for a long <laughs> time, I was trying to meet him because, like, Lord. okay. Because, yo, who's this SRH? And then I found out his music was, like, just way doper. Like, way dope. Like, you ever, like, hear somebody's music and hands down, they're, like, a better version of what you wish you could be? That's how I felt about SRH's music in 2012. I was like, fuck off. The guy has the name <laughs> and the sound <laughs> and he a Jew and all the things. And I'm like, are you yeah. fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah, boy. He, he had that. He definitely had that. Again, he had a great run. There was a time where SRH was, like, just West Island, and then I did a show at the spot Golfo Max, which is like right by my. In my Yo, I love Golfo Max. Yeah, so Golfo Max is like a stomping ground. That's where a lot of West Island shows would go down. Like before, before. Okay, so before Lemmy and them came in with, um, I did the you think you can rap contest. Right. So you okay? They had Hodges held down shows at Golfo, and then we when he kind of started doing his I'm a teach school things and now I'm David Hodges I'm not going to do underground hip hop shows no more I took that upon myself to be like all right I'm gonna go do this show which is in my backyard fuck that and I brought at the time it was Hustle Cartel um so I brought Hustle Cartel through which was like uh 
Fame, Young Fresh, a bunch of those guys, Peach Cheddar, Young Black, and then I also had SRH on the same bill. And then me and Rodney, Underground Railroad, we were closing out the show. So that's when the first time where people from downtown heard of SRH. And then I'm not saying he went, but he, and then he Yo, got it. I here. legit own an SRH album. We all do. We all do. I don't. I can't say that about a lot of rappers in Montreal, but I ended up. Yo, Which one do you have? Do you gray, have the it's uh, the, the gray one? It's it's the one that's all like gray, broke but happy or some shit. Like broke but ha- broken happy, yeah, broken happy. Yeah. Um, I honestly, I might be here. <clears throat> I, I really, I really liked it. I remember his and Meyer Clarity's albums are the two that I really caught. Clarity. Okay, so Clarity. Clarity is my Clarity family. Clarity's Straight family. Up. Straight up. When he lived here, when family, when Clarity lived here, he, when he was getting into rap, he used to follow us, the Velvet Trench vibes, all around. So backstage, early days of Clarity, Nifty. he's backstage at all our shows, and that's how I know Meyer. Meyer is fan fan, like from day one. Yo. Like I will never get Meyer mad at Meyer. He can say whatever the hell he wants on Facebook, and I know how he is on Facebook, and he'll wild out. But I love him to death because Yo, Meyer, I've known him since he was like fourteen. Talk a lot. My first big, yeah. my first like song that anybody cared about is called Jimmy Says, and it's a Meyer Clarity beat that he sold to me for twenty five dollars. Yep. I used like, to get mad at dudes like that because I was like, y'all are fucking up the game. I'm trying to make money off this shit. Yeah, y'all out here like, with these $25 beats. I know, but like, dude, the song is blessed. He gave me the stems, the tracks, everything, full ownership. And then, yo, we, we ended up like performing together after that, you know, in like that run of Death House and shit, you know? Yep. Yo, one time me and Clarity are on a fucking show. I do my set. All these girls are like making out on stage. It's fucking wild. I get off. Married, Clarity gets on and he does his shit. So obviously, like, fuck off. Like, standing next to Clarity, mm-hmm. like, you just not even, you don't even look good no more. Not, no, I mean, I held it down, but like, yeah, I just yeah. want to give him his props. He was like, I tried to be him. He inspired me a lot, you know, kind of thing with his performance. Then this chick just urinates all over the stage random in the middle. And then Meyer doesn't even fucking stop. Flinch? He doesn't stop. He just going, runs huh? it. And I'm like, yo, to this day, I will never forget watching this guy not even flinch while a girl takes a piss a real life piss on the stage next to him the show just keeps going i'm just like that's fucking amazing how do you that's that's super nice nice dope though i have him lined up like i think this month for like uh next he's he's the guy he's the guy that started this interview run like in uh august 2019 the first episode of me like i'm gonna be an interviewer for real i was in toronto and I went to the studio thing he's at, and we just chopped it up a bit. We did it. It was like a 45-minute. I'm like hot, sweaty, high, and I don't really, like, it's the worst. Meyer did his thing. I'm the worst. And uh, anyway, so then it just kind of led. But, like, he was, like, episode one of this, like, current, like, focused run. And, like, Meyer and nice. I talk a whole bunch. We, we actually did an, a stream recently where we made NFTs together. Oh, snap. <laughs> he was... He's been, he actually hit me up recently about doing a pod, and I was just like, all right, well, like, you should definitely, like, I would like to bring you guys a part of the collective, so, like, he would, that's, like, the last time we spoke, so he, if he does a podcast, I might, we might be bringing him under the umbrella of free agents, and, uh, be getting a, uh, so you know, nifty. podcast, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to. It's like we we plan on doing some shit, like, every couple of Sundays, just, like, Sunday morning bullshits or whatever. I don't know, because, like, you... I'm at the point where, like, I have to be careful with who and what I commit to because I could overcommit and hurt people is the thing I've learned. So, like, it's, it's like, (laughs) 
Yo, but I fucks with him heavy. Like we we like yeah. t- like I really want to do things with Meyer Clarity. Like I review I review his albums in a second. Like he's he's a guy that's like on a special list of people to me, cause I'm a very yeah, like sure. from the. So I met, so I had a mohawk the day I met Meyer Clarity. And okay. I was in my Tell suit. Me this story. I'm, and, 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 <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything, but I I rapped and we freestyled over one of my tracks. Next time I saw Meyer Clarity at a green mohawk, I'm not gonna say anything. I remember that I, stage. Yeah, I remember that stage. Oh, so, man. But I'm not going to say I did it, but I am going to say the day Meyer I Clarity met Meyer Clarity, show. I had a mohawk <laughs> and I rapped. Meyer Clarity <laughs> did a show at, in, at Golfo Max. Meyer Clarity does a show. Smith talks some shit about a dude. Dude walks up to him, punches him dead ass I in the eye. I swear, let me know, told me that story. Punches him in the face and this motherfucker kept performing. Oh like, dead ass, bang, like, Ducks him and he kept performing. I was like, "All right." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay." Nah, he's, like, he, he's a he's, he's a great dude, man. He's a really great dude, and like yeah. his music is amazing. Like people like act like his music's not amazing. I think because they don't bring it up when they talk about all the amazing things that come out of it. But yeah, no, straight up, you're the second one to tell that story. Oh, he's yeah, man, because it's a classic story, man. Shout out to your lady. <laughs> Shout out to Bonnie, bro. Yeah. Yo, that's, Bonnie's uh, wonderful. Yeah. Shut up, Bonnie. She's she's making french fries and shit, so she's she yeah. holding it down for real, real. Um, um, yeah, man. No, for real. I, I, dude, this is an incredible conversation. I'm really fucking happy with this. Um, so uh, we're at, like, the, basically, is it that, you, so what happens after 2014 or whenever it is, you, you kind of have the oh, bad right. experience. I- yeah, we have the bad experience. Uh, Sample Clearance comes out. What up on it? Uh, Sample Clearance comes out. I dropped that on. <laughs> this is how I. This is really kind of going to shape the next ten years of my life. I dropped Sample Clearance on May the not May fourth, May second, twenty twelve. The deluxe version. So February fourteenth or February yeah February twelfth, twenty twelve. Is when I dropped the first version, and then 2.0 is when I dropped. Is May is when I dropped the 2.0. But that was also the same day that Avengers dropped. What's the 2.0? 2.0 was Sample Clearance 2.0, which was the physical copy that had extra songs on it um, from certain artists. So actually, I did that. I made like I dropped the album. It was digital. The it was completely fucked up. The whole rearrangement. I actually pushed the album back because it was supposed to drop in like January or even November. No, sorry, I had that ready to drop November, but then on November eleventh, twenty eleven, a certain terrible thing happened in the city, and we lost our friend Dutch. So then I pushed it to February. Dropped that in February. Eighty Rock, who we hadn't spoken much at the time, but then because I knew him through Dutch, shouts to Eighty. He hits me up personally, and he's just like, "Yo, like." all the tracks are completely out of order for your album and i'm just like yo you're a real guy for not even knowing me like that and to hit me up and be like yeah the order of your tracks when you download them out of order so then i go and turn around renumber rename everything and then reset up the zip file so that it's proper so thank you ad for doing that for me and then yeah i dropped the album the same day the physical copies the same day as uh the avengers movie coming out the next year I dropped Throwaway Gems. I didn't really do much that year because like most people who shouldn't do things when they do music, I got the album dropping. Everybody was asking for beats. People were coming out to me like, yo, I want skin deep beats. Eyeblast was hitting me like, I want a skin deep beat. People just wanted my style. And my dumb ass goes and gets a girlfriend. Fucked up. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> my whole groove, I like, ah, oh, man, like 20, wow. 
I don't know what I did that for. Like, it wasn't like at the time. Of course, you're doing music. You oh want to be God, loved, dude, but that like, is the most yeah. amazing thing you've you've said tonight, and I can I can empathize heavy. Because it's not a bad thing to get a girlfriend, but at yeah, the same it, time, it's like it's you're grinding, you're running, you're doing your thing, and at that time, dude, you're gonna get a girl that's. Yo, <laughs> like I, I remember not going to shows for six months. I remember putting out that album and just writing that for like a year. And then I put out Throwaway Gems. And then, yeah. It, it, nah, yeah. I can see how that plays out. Like, yo, shut up, Bonnie, for real, though. Like, I mean, no, when I Bonnie. met her, I was like, yo, you got to understand some things I learned from the past <laughs> here. I'm not your average person. And, uh And as she said, nobody wants a Yoko Ono. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we got, had that whole chat yeah. the other day actually about her. Um, Yoko Ono makes some weird ass shit. I'm just she gonna does. throw it out there. Um, yeah, she does. But like, honestly, she like gets it, you know. So it allows me not, to have. Not that. many but, people like, do. But like, I can understand the other version of it because I've been with that person who doesn't encourage you or whatever. Not many. Most people I was with, I was kind of blessed. But I have been with that person that doesn't encourage you, and yo, know, you can see how six months a year of your life just disappears when you could have been living your best life and doing the best things. Right. This person did encourage me, but it was just like at the time and like, so, okay. You got to imagine at the time there is no, we're not IGing, we're not Twittering. We are Twittering and there is Facebook, but people are still very much going to shows. So at a time where I'm also kind of going to university and then I'm also working, I'm tired. <laughs> and I'm not driving like that. So I got to go downtown from Dorval on the 211 every time, then come back on the 356 every night. Yeah, I feel that. S- saying that I'm going to studio sessions, falling asleep in studio sessions, because as a producer, me, I hate studio sessions. I don't want to hear my beat 900 times in a row while people write to it. Fuck that. I want to, like, I could be doing so many, I could be making other beats. But because I need to be out there and sample clearance just dropped and then D Shades, um, uh, the water out, yeah. Yeah, the water, the water EP. He dropped like a an album that time, and Castro dropped a bunch of people dropped at the same time. In which 2012 was like a run for me. So I literally had to be out there. Rico, as he said, many people were hitting me up for beats. The Water Principle, thank you. Water Principle, I had two beats on there. I had my whole album. I had like the Real City Volume Three came out. I had like Mad Beats on there. Shit was just dropping with everything skin deep, and like people were just asking me for beats. And I, when I should have been at home making these very beats. Okay, I did make a few, but then like, start seeing this girl. It, it went really well, but then you just kind of get caught up, and then that eventually ended. And I think it was at that point, twenty fourteen, and like the scene was just different when I came back. The scene wasn't the scene. It wasn't you know what I mean. It wasn't the same shit. So I kind of know what you mean. I was uh, I watched it disintegrate a little bit. <clears throat> oh boy, you tell me tell me what you saw because I. I was in. I gotta be I careful. Um, <laughs> why? Well, I mean, why? I know why. But tell me what you saw. Cause uh, I know a lot. I was. I never. Cause here's the thing. Um. No, nobody put on for me, right? So I don't know anybody anything. Um. I figured out my own right. beats on my own. Me and my guy Matt are like weirdos in our corner. He's never worked. With, he does. He works with kids in youth centers. Okay. He's one of these good old freaking guys. You know. He's, he makes me feel like an asshole, like a sinner a little bit sometimes. <laughs> but, yeah, my guy's a session drummer. He gets fucking paid. Since 2014, he quit the day job, never had to go back. So he gets paid to my go on God. tour and do shit, you know? 
That's great. I would dream of that shit. So that's like, beautiful. So that's my guy. Like, we're just homies. I get, like, the friend rate. So I run with him for life. I just also, at the friend rate, have the friend time frame. So he's not as fast. Yeah. But I love his work, and I love working with him. And I never have to communicate. He makes beats for me, and they are, like, I don't have to talk to him. He just does mm-hmm. stuff. He is totally the Eric beat of my Rakim, and I love it. Aww. Yeah. Aww. I mean, but now I'm, like, Rakim wanting to fuck with other people, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I see that. So, like, I'm in a different vibe. But it's also because, like, I can't pay him what he's worth, and he has to eat, too, right? So, like, the day I can give that guy more money is the day I get more of his focus, and that's fair with all of it. Not to say that it's a poor arrangement. I'm so very satisfied with it, but it's a reality I learned because you start talking to your peeps, and you start learning about their lives, and you start hearing shit, and you're like, yo, actually, it's really expensive to be a human. (laughs) Oh, straight up and down. But the thing is, when you were coming up, like, with that 2014 run you just said it right there you can't pay him what he's worth like <laughs> you know I mean? if when i was coming up i was an asshole to ask someone for i remember and shouts to this guy because and you know whatever shouts to <laughs> malicious because i sent him a beat that he loved and i was just like yo that shit's gonna be 300 dollars," and he never responded to me and that's what it was back then as much as we were unified yeah, but then it's like all of a sudden it's like everything got independent or and that's oh. where it changed where it's like here's the thing like people hate labels but labels like gave you the fucking front end to do it and then it's alone and shit but it was like nobody had yeah. the money to pay all this good shit and you can talk about collectives and stuff you want but though if you really run the history it's usually a bunch of young people and by the time they're old people they have money and it's different right. when you're in your 30s. Like, yo, run your bills, man. You got to make yep. that back. I don't care what anyone yeah. says. Um, and then you look at, like, the game past 25 versus... And that's the thing is I started at 25, and a lot of these people were really young. And so I learned really quick that Mac Vibes could bring 30 people to a show. Mac Vibes was being given a lot of things. On a yeah. good night, if the venue was right, I could bring, like, eight people. And mostly I could bring three, four. And the, so your value gets determined by how many people you can bring. So I start mm-hmm. trying to have this conversation with everybody. I'm like, bro, I make X amount. And it's probably better than a lot of other people at this time. I'm in salary land at this point in 2014. Mm-hmm. I'm like, my colleagues make this much money and they'll buy your merch and shit. Um, just start the show at seven. Yeah, right? Oh, my God, right? Oh, God damn it. Nah, I bro. Know. You don't understand, bro. You know, so I, I can't really go too deep on this on cam. We can have this chat off cam with the specifics. But yeah, there's some specifics I figured out where certain lifestyles and certain occupational choices are benefited in a fiscal way beyond what you see to be in these live environments with drunk people looking for a thing here and there. So you have this entire vibe, whereas I'm coming from corporate land, right? So like, I just could like, whatever, what, $20 an hour studio time, you know, buying beats. Like, I was like, okay, it's all affordable. Like, it's Mm. not like excessive to me, like Mm. the numbers that existed, but within the salary range where I'll be honest, I might be more privileged than I'm aware of with this regard. And sometimes it's hard for me to have perspective of what life is, but I did 70-hour weeks to get to where I'm at in a call center and shit. I did some shit. Okay, I did. I, I put in some real call center flip shit up kind of work, right? So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's shit that I was not built for. <laughs> it was definitely not. But I was like... Time and a half fucking money, man. They're like, you can have as many hours as you want. Time and a half, bro. I swear this happened in my life. 70-hour weeks sometimes. 
not often. Yeah, no, I, I was more of a 60-hour guy. I was doing the video game front. I was like, like I did the Jean Coutu thing, but then I got up at uh, EA Mobile, switched from there, worked, worked, uh, moved to THQ, did sound on UFC 3, went from there. We were bought That's by Ubisoft. Cool shit. Worked at Ubisoft. Yeah, but it was like, you're okay, everyone here on the cusp, everyone's like, oh shit, you worked at THQ? Oh shit, you worked at Ubisoft? That's dope. They paid you no money. Nah, my cousin was a video game tester, so I have a good idea of how bad it is. Okay. So we got no money and I'm living in a four and a half and I'm like dying out here. And then you're seeing, so then you're seeing dudes like again, 2014, people are coming up. People are doing a lot of videos now and doing their own videos because HD cameras are affordable. So you'll have the same rapper that's looking at you like, well, why am I going to pay you for this beat? Like I haven't made it yet. And then they turn around and spend $600 on a video. Yo, facts. I was just saying this recently and a lot of people is, yo, why are people putting so much money on videos but not buying beats? It's so weird to me. Especially, okay, so, that's a today thing too, just to add to it. Yo, everything yeah. we do now, I film on my cell phone. And then I send to my editor girl and she makes it nice. And you I film this on your cell phone? Not this. Uh, this, okay. is a, this is shittier. <laughs> this is a worse camera than my cell phone. This is a webcam. Oh, shit. Yo, we do the 4K on a Galaxy S10 on a gimbal, and we film my whole lose weight video with that shit. And then my, and what? yo, I swear we did it with the cell phone because the cameras are that blessed. So why are people like, pay an editor? I give you that, but y'all can manage filming with a $150 gimbal. Yeah. So <coughs> there was a huge time where, and like, a lot of these were rapper friends. Some of them were people I didn't know, but like, I'm, you got to understand that like, I'm starving, not starving, but I'm starving. And then you have videographers that are just popping up, getting rapper money, but then everyone being like, oh, you got to have a hustle. And I'm kind of like, okay, so I'm supposed to pay for your weed, but then you're not going to buy my beat. And here I am going to figure out how else I'm going to make money so that I can sustain my life so that I can turn around and make more beats. You motherfuckers. For y'all no, not to pay me. Like, it's so different for me, right? Because like I, I left, I had to leave. I bounced. I, get I moved that. towards. Yeah, I, I was just like, no, I can't do this. So for me, it's not like crazy. I was blessed enough to be working with Excel sheets, stats, and data since like 2010 and 11, <laughs> because of the call center. And I started. So what happened was, is I could write English better than anybody in that room. So my bosses would bring me over to proofread their shit so they didn't sound stupid to the like more corporate Big corporate people. dudes, yeah. And so I start reading emails, and that led to promotion. So by 2011, I'm a trainer, and now I'm yeah. getting whatever, whatever. That's not that important. The point is, I've seen data since time, so I'm able to run some numbers in my head for a really, really long time. And so the $50 show thing comes in, and I participate in this actively. Me and my man, Spades, we throw some $50 ticket shows. I'm involved in that world. I didn't know what was happening. It was more him throwing it. So I'm giving the money. He's giving it whatever. And I'm not thinking because I just want to go perform. I have a picture of me on a flyer. And so everything was worth it to me. I keep yeah, that in my yeah, yeah. But yeah. like, yo, I know for a fact the money didn't make sense because I'm in the room on these stages counting the heads and shit. And I'm like, mm, something's weird. Yeah. So, and then I realized, yo, I have people that would do things like buy tickets to support me and not come to my show. And I'm like, that's a goofy metric, right? Like it's, <laughs> yeah. It's fiscally a cool opportunity, but I was already making enough money. In fact, I have never gone into music to make money. I've lost so much money on music. I'm going to just lose money on this forever. It's fun. Shit. I like losing money on music. 
I fucked around and believed in myself. That was weird. No, but, I mean, <laughs> no. I still... It's just more... I've never been a broken, starving artist. I've just been employed the entire time I've been a rapper. And I've just... Word. The same company for 11 years. And my salary is decent. It's not good. It's just decent. But it's decent enough that, like, I can pursue this in, like, a really stable kind of way. So... But it yeah. was the case in 20-fucking-12, too. It wasn't, like... I mean, I was fucking irresponsible, but, like... Yeah. I was able to be irresponsible. So like, I mean, I'm able to buy the beats. I'm able to pay the money for studio time. I was able to pay the dude for the video and shit. I was able to just, I wasted so much money, dude. I put up something in the ballpark of between 2012 and 2016, like eight grand. I had yeah, very, that sounds right. very little to show for that era. So I was like, what am I doing? And the well, shows, the shows were getting yeah. kind of worse. And it yeah. was like, you know, I'm talking worse. Like, yo, you got to understand when your first show, motherfuckers is singing your chorus and shit. It's like drugs. It's like you're getting a heroin fix. Yeah. And you're chasing that for the rest of your life. So hip hop karaoke kind of gave me that because at least we could sing the chorus together because it's popular shit. And then I would just go to like the punk shit and they were cool. They fucked with me. But then I would go to like show after show and people would dead ass just stare at me like, who is this dude? Fair enough. I'm a fucking weirdo. Yeah. I didn't understand yes. what the hell I was doing with my life. And then time would go on and it's like, yo, firstly, I didn't even know how to find the under pressure people who probably would have loved me and shit. Like, I didn't even know. Like, there's no network. There was no like, nope. how do you find it? So you're just performing anywhere. And then other people start doing their showcase business. And like, I'm at, like I said, I'm in the inception phases of it and I see how bad it is right at the jump. Mm-hmm. And then it just keeps going. But yeah. here's the thing. In 2012, man, I'm going to blame a lot of it on Facebook events. And I know Facebook events are big because I'm, I put a lot of effort into putting your links in the Facebook event. It's very important shit. People are fucking lazy and they want the least number of clicks possible. Big facts. Look up UX statistics. It's not even fake. If you ever work in software design, this is a real thing you pay attention to. So with that, you would come to a thing with 15 faces that you've never seen before. But maybe you've seen them because you see them on the showcase and you see their fucking feet. But there's still just a bunch of faces and names. But there's a lot of them too, right? Just a lot of them. And then you go into the Facebook event and it's not clear where it is, what time it's going to start at. And it's just a list of names. Static. No links. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, my brother's in the rave scene from 2012 mm-hmm. to like 2014. They got fucking bios. Their fucking Facebook oh, yeah. events were thousand word documents copied and pasted in with full on description. Yo, my brother used to laugh in my fucking face, dude. He used to be like, <laughs> oh, 20, 80 people? Bro, I just spammed for 3,000 people. And I had to go shit. I got paid to DJ. Yeah. I'm like... All right. <laughs> okay. The scene, here. unfortunately, had overdoses and violence, and it really fucked up their games. Um, yeah, it happens. It uh, then it also went really mainstream. It was a really weird yes. thing. Uh, all of a sudden, it was at like Belmont and New City Gaz, and, and it was no longer in cool abandoned warehouses. And I'm really grateful oh. that I got to be at a few of these cool abandoned warehouse vibes. Anyway, so I guess you start watching this happen. And then meanwhile, they're going to these venues with their expensive drinks. Yep. As I touched yep. on earlier. So that kicks in. So now I'm just trying to be like, bro, so I'm learning about UX and software land. It's my specialty. I'm a, literally a user experience customer specialist with software with regards to like making sure that you get help better. 
Like literally oh, just nice. to optimize and lower the effort that you have with dealing with shit. Websites, okay. self-help articles, things like that. So I'm trying Ooh. to come back to the game with this shit. I'm like, listen, the people who make like my my like frame of money, which of course you don't want to say, but like it's above the average salary in Canada according to Trudeau. Right? Yeah. So above that threshold, if you want you want those people at your show because when you sell your forty dollars shirt, they'll buy them, and that's Ooh. when you start thinking different. But people's caught up on 2009 mixtape hustles slash other hustles in a similar retail environment. Mm. And uh, look, I don't want to go too deep with it. But like, again, I'm go more deep. interested. Go, 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 go. I got to be very me. careful. Nah, it doesn't matter. I have to be careful with what I say. Uh, yeah. What I'm saying is people think very small. Like, yo, Nate Hush hit like 85K views recently. And people act like that's like make it views. And I'm like, nah, like no, it's really nah, good for nah, Montreal. And really, shout out to Nate Huss. I checked his stats. It's legitimate shit. And you know, he uses ads effectively. And he does amazing moves. And all love to Nate Huss. But he's also an interesting metric. If like that's what people see and they think he's like the big guy and they look at his numbers and they go, that's good. All of a sudden, 10K look cool. Yeah. Bro, 10K is not cool. Right. And then you see on the French scene, 2 million. French scene is nuts, though. We can't listen. We no, can't but, do that. Because the scene and he, it's, it's this. Okay, it's, let's go to any other city scene. Two million. So we actually have to understand that as English artists, we have to consider what happens when we break past Montreal and what we're okay. going to do at that point. And it gets, yo, dude, you want to talk for real, man? I think about this shit all day long, every day. I can sum this up for you because Tick has probably had the same conversation with you many times, but Montreal buries itself. Damn. I would argue that Montreal doesn't understand perspective, so I have a solution. It doesn't understand perspective while also having the same top players in the top place that also don't want to let anybody new in. And if you're not a part of the quote-unquote cool crew, you're not moving. You're not. You're Bro, absolutely not. Twitch.tv slash behind that suit. Come holla. It's a new era, yes, my you guy. will move. With you now, you're here. Yes. but as we It's not just me, though. It's not just you. It's not just you, but There's actually quite a few peoples. There's I, peoples, but 2014 through 20, 20 six years, six years yeah, we didn't right. have nothing. No, well, I six mean, six years we didn't have shit. To, and, and you know what? And I have to say, I actively contributed to the detriment of things by being an egotistical, arrogant asshole on Facebook. I was one of, I was one of those guys that was beefing publicly with other people and shit. I, I was just a hater. I thought, I thought in my heart and soul, it was the yeah. best rapper in the city. And I was just okay. one album away from like being the fucking Drake of Montreal. The problem is, who isn't saying that? Um, that, that's where yeah, it's kind of like interesting, right? So only one person can be that. That's the facts of it. It's actually then we're all relying on this like statistical lottery of fucking chance. And I'm like, you know what? I don't think I'm the best anymore. I heard Cool Man Logan. Fuck that. I'm clearly not better than Cool Man Logan as a rapper. Mm. I mean, I'm not. And I'm like, I'm, it's easy for me to say that. Fuck that. I can do some weird ass songwriting shit where I think right. that Cool Man Logan can see me as a peer and fuck with me. But like, why am I going to try and be rapping like Cool Man Logan and shit? Or what the next people I see like Mike Shab's doing it. I'm like, that's so fucking cool. And I just see all right. this cool shit. And then I'm like, you know what? It encourages me to go be this like weirdo guy. So now I'm on my EDM shit. <laughs> and like, you know what? It's like, but like, I think that a lot of it is because I had no data and perspective. And honestly, I talked to pre-Jankobia. 
No, preach. That's the one you should talk to. He would. You would well, definitely. He was, he was a big one that. early on. So for yeah. he, it took him two hours to cover 1996 to 1999. I had to go back over, take notes, fill out a OneNote page with all the shit he said, all the names, because it was like too big and too overwhelming. And it took me three months to be able to start to approach this Montreal project properly, because it was just so much I didn't know. And then yeah. now I'm like wrapping my head around it because of the gracious time and people of like people like you but really it's a data issue yo name one infographic on us how many rappers are in montreal i couldn't even tell you i mean there's over at least 200 no right? there's like thousands yeah I, oh, shit okay see i wouldn't even know that but that's a weird i can tell thing. you more or less producers and even still i'm dead ass wrong in it because i'm only thinking about my era and a little bit underneath that but that's i what don't I'm really saying. know much did after. you know that so, like you have this whole wave of cool people like All Stars Montreal organizing amazing song tournaments and stuff on Instagram. I lost the song tournament against Hoshe, and now Hoshe is my friend. So I'm watching this play out on Instagram. Then there's the TikTok grind. We're, none of us are on the TikTok grind. Bro, TikTok's the littiest shit ever. So check this shit out. TikTok, you hear a beat. You go bust a one-two freestyle. You put it on mm -hmm. TikTok and it, it's all yeah. good because everybody's on board with you rapping on that beat because they're getting paid off of every spin it gets. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yo, Shit. producers, make TikTok packs. Put it on fucking things and go hold and go make TikToks on my beat. Go cool man look and go make TikToks on my beat. Yo, next one, go make TikTok. And then everybody tries to get this to go viral and then enough spins go by. You still, you actually, as the beat instrumental pack person, make the money. And then we make money going live and freestyling for tips. Oh. all of this could be like things that we could do but you all have to like you know it's an internet game so it's like hard to yeah. explain to people like in the end of the day that like it's a coordinated effort across multiple social media like yo twitch concerts could have been happening in montreal the whole time I mean, oh dude i had a <clears throat> sick idea for but this is a precursor to twitch which was like we had a studio in um the fatal lofts oh <clears throat> yeah, that's that that was another weird turn of 2014 to 2016. It was I had a studio in Fatal Lost, but like people weren't really recording like that because home studios are big. So I always wanted to do like a live from like the basement where before Twitch, people would just come, you would invite like 10 people yep. to like a private area to your basement and do a live show there. And then you would just film that shit. Booth for actually doing that? Cause you did, yes. I go straight up. This guy Chemo, the key to my greatness. Yo, Chemo's the randomest person in the scene. He just showed up one day, and he showed mm -hmm. up in my life on the randomest shit ever. Chemo so gets me to Bashment Booth's fucking basement, and I'm fucking freestyling and shit in this shit during yep. COVID. We respected, <laughs> we respected guidelines. I was like, yeah, this yeah. is so fucking uncomfortable. Anyway, I got Wild, told there'd be like nobody there. And then all of a sudden, one of the top guy in, no, Cote d'Ivoire's top artist fucking shows up and was what I'm like, we're impressing each other. And I'm like, what? And there's all cause Bashment Booth is doing this mm. shit out his basement and shit. And there was a real thing that was going on before like COVID and shit, but then it got kind of weird. So they were actually doing it straight out the basement because he was watching some 90 shit and was inspired yep. by it or whatever. And I was like, why don't we do this here? We had we had Fatal Loss that we'd call uh, St. Canard. Uh, this was before I left uh, that podcast. Uh, that was the first one we started doing podcasts there too. But I uh, we would record there. About that one time. Yeah, we we it it, it kind of goes to where I went when I stopped really messing with music and I just said, okay, let me just mm. focus the podcast and figures. And then I met my wife, fiance now, and she kind of brought me back to the well. Her, 
meeting her and just that happiness brought me back to music and my love for it. And like a lot of people, CL Vince and them just seeing them go and like me wanting to come back. But at the Fatal Loss, we had a lot of parties and I had Pro V and Vince DJ at them. Our Halloween parties, Fatalloween were big, big things. We were just doing it. And Yo, it was just I swear like, I would look at flyers to that and every year make excuses not to go. <laughs> you should have went. It was crazy. It Dude, was so good. Fucking life as a rapper. It I was went. It was stupid. So nuts. I I networked to the point where when it was time for me to really network, I was too tired. That's what mm. happened to me. Like I was like, I networked to the point where I'm like, I'm never gonna need this job. This is my plan B. This is my Clark Kent job. And like legit, it got to a point where it's like, do I go on tour with Onyx while I'm not really really making any kind of money, or do I go and do this where I can secure being able to pay my rent? And that's when I was like, all right, I gotta lean this way. Sure, I got to do sound and video games, but it wasn't quite. Yo, bro, it wasn't. You have no idea how grand. valuable that's gonna be to us in the future once we talk after and I start pitching you on shit. Sure, I, it will be very, very valuable because I know how to work with WIs and a lot of those programs and aspects there. And it, it, but my guy, like VR is going to be a complicated universe. That I, I'm, a, I'm a project manager. I'm not a deliverer of all aspects of life. Good. So then we will talk. We will definitely that's talk. What I'm saying um, there's lots of big vision stuff, but you actually know a whole skill set that is lacking in my whole world and universe that is actually complicated because you worked with video game design, which means you understand a lot of video 3d animation production and shits no yep and i work i do it for a vfx company now so, so what i'm, I'm saying is that yeah. like that's actually a relevant thing in this production look how awful my twitch stream looks dude go look at that look at that with your like producer mind it's like okay but it's not good right yeah i see you i feel you yeah dirt yeah I'm looking at it, and yeah, I feel you. You know what I'm saying? But that's like another skill set. And so that's where we're in this new era where we're all influencers now. So now we have to accept that we're all influencers because fuck that. Like, it's just the game. We are. And we retail are is, for the generations retail us. is a whack move because nobody's buying anything when everybody's broke. But you know what people are doing? They're so fucking Patreoning. Yeah, I feel weird about that. I don't know how I feel you about Patreon. You, like, you should do it. With our pod, we've we've because we've been doing geektastic since to doubt to go really quickly i started doing a podcast at fatal laughs called lasers on the ride and then i left that show and we at the same time we were still doing geektastic we started doing geektastic the same year as joe budden podcast hit so hey, for day same one year joe budden guy I was watching yes. that on the most recent. Oh my god, this guy's fucking hilarious. Just small attention. So I'm watching this man's on his podcast, and the dude's like, "Yo, Mal or Rory or whichever one's a day one." And he's like, "Nah, he's not a day one. He came on in episode Rory. twelve. Rory, yeah, Rory isn't day one. Rory came on episode twelve for sure, for sure. <laughs> Just fucking sure. dead pass, dead at it. Like, do not say false information no. <laughs> about yeah. the Joe Button podcast. That is not I gotta alive. correct people. I gotta correct people. Button Button came in there on SoundCloud one day in like February or some shit. And it was him and Marissa Mendez and that co-host, she missed like she didn't say something or she like kinda like just kind of and I remember just getting at her in SoundCloud. Well at the time where you could get at people in SoundCloud and really comment to them and they would message you back. So yeah, I was really big onto that podcast from the beginning. And then from there, people that I know just started, hey, let's start our own podcast. And we started Lasers. Lasers did okay. Same year, I started doing Geek Tastic Cypher with, I don't, okay, if you don't know the producer Gozer from Montreal, shouts to Gozer. People who know Gozer, like, Gozer's ill. Insane. 
sick producer. Sick, 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 sick. But my boy Brian, Doc Holiday from Abbott Days, he was working at CJLO. He was a program director there. So we originally started at Concordia Radio and we started doing a podcast called mm-hmm. Geektastic Cypher. I wanted to do that as a way to, it was my way to perform. I couldn't get on a stage because I couldn't get to shows because I couldn't sell tickets. Oh. And my, so I had to do something so that I could quote unquote perform. And that's where potting came from. That's where I had to do that. I still loved beats, but it wasn't like that because I didn't know any of the new. Yo, all that my... is the most relatable shit ever, dude. It makes sense, right? No, it's my life. I took a break all of the from rapper music dudes... to podcast. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We all did that. A lot of the rapper dudes I know. Producer, rapper dudes. Well, I don't know where Rico was at this point. Les straight up disappeared. H Man stopped rapping. <clears throat> CL was back and forth, and I think he was just kind of coming back into his own, doing his thing. Because at this point, as much as everybody knows CL, as much as everybody loves CL, CL only started dropping albums by himself like two, three years ago. So imagine this guy has been around forever, ever. No album, right? So, and I've been pushing him to do that, so I'm so happy he's been doing that tomorrow. Yo, hold on. Y'all know it happened on April 9th, right? It was 10 tracks long, 34 minutes, a little bit of everything, a gourmet Mm -hmm. for your ears. You got to remember the fucking name. Music buffet, gourmet listening for your ears or some shit like that. Yeah, yeah. Gourmet buffet. And there's a track by Skin Deep on there, so it's relevant to this whole thing. That's (laughs) uh, a cool man, Logan album. (laughs) <laughs> that is the newest Cool Man Ogan album that dropped. But before that album, he did uh, 16 Joints. He did uh, Music for People. He did another 16 Joints. He, you know, he, he did a lot of stuff. But a lot of, back when, in that time in the scene, the reason why I went to potting is because no one was around. Mm. No one was really, we were all, we, we got, we got hit hard from our boy passing. And then a lot of people just kind of like, oh, we're 30 now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're not so much that we're 30 now, but like a lot of us has kind of gone into our like everyday ho hum. We got to do this grind. I guess we're not going to make in this music shit. I guess I better flip. So, like, a lot of I feel like a lot of us are just like, uh, like just on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then, then you had like, you had like, there was like, there was a J Red, the doctors, like Nate Husser, and there was the posters at this point. Husser hadn't really split off. And then Mike Shab hadn't really shown up yet. But then it was around that time when these guys started really coming up. At this point, it wasn't really the rap scene. It was the EDM slash electro music scene. Nah, nah. So this Here's is what's going on. It's that yeah. a lot of us are, you can call us internet rappers. Because you, you you might yeah. not have known this was there. But I'm a part of this next scene. Like, man, I have released music yes, this is what I, yeah, consistently you year over year since 2012. Right? And it's like yeah. people, honestly, it's like sometimes people like don't even know that. It's like, yo, like, no, for real. Like, I've, I've been putting out music. But like reverb nation to soundcloud to youtube youtube is a lot of shit like i've had like an entire project called raps on everything where i was rapping on karaoke beats of other genres of music i have like 12 that don't exist on youtube and 10 that are just sitting there nobody knows they exist they're just there you know people are dropping all this youtube shit man people are just fucking static imaging it lyric videos but like they weren't performing but it moved into this social media environment where you became like it became more about the internet. So since like I've been involved in the game, it really didn't matter that your Facebook page existed and that your right. Twitter account was a thing. I was kind of late on a lot of the newer ones because you know, I'm fucking, as much as I talk my shit, I'm still old man stubborn. You know, like it is what it is. Yeah, right. Um, lately, my new mantra is pretend I'm 17 and broke and what would I do then? 
and so I'm thinking different now as I train myself to get over my like advantages of age and go back to like when I was yo because everybody did their most innovative shit when they're 17. So what yes. would a 17 year old do? A lot of that, yeah. yeah and yeah. um, just kind of leveraging the resources, uh, not trying to overcomplicate and whatnot, but. Really, it's been a lot of internet stuff. So I realized pretty quick that the live scene and open micing and, yo, like, I got to rap and freestyle over Jay Uno plucking saxophoning at Crowbar and shit. Like, I got to do some nifty stuff, you know? Like, that's nifty. And Crowbar like, was my shit. I loved Crowbar. Crowbar. Was mad Shouts cool. Shouts to, okay, but wait, yo, they which, did the which fucking, era of Crowbar? Because uh, were you there with, like, the owner was... Jam Wednesdays. Yeah, that's okay. That's what Uno was there. So Thursdays um, we'd be there and I'd be drum I'd be playing every Thursday at Crowbar, but like OG Crowbar were like homies I was like, Oh yeah, just bring a weed and like come upstairs, roll the back. Like the owner was so mm-hmm. sick, I miss him. Those are great days. I used to I go there Crowbar. a bunch. Um just all of it. I, uh just like the whole like whatever. But I just got lucky, dude. You don't understand how often I got lucky. Because I guess I was in a suit and somebody would see me perform, then I got invited to these little private party grinds a little bit. And a lot of my performances really come from private parties at like death houses and shit and like that so it was more like y'all didn't see that because y'all were like going after inside we were inside at that point (laughs) and then like none of us were really filming it nope and then i found out there were maybe some complications why people maybe didn't feel so inclined to bring expensive camera equipment to shows but yo honestly man i would go to people's stuff sometimes and you would just i would be there show after show if you really dig through my Facebook videos, it's a lot of videos. You'll find them. <laughs> and it's just me, like, with my phone, even on live sometimes, just being there, being like, this is happening. No, people would be there with their boys not filming shit and whatever. I'm like, yo, like, what's going on? Nobody's documenting stuff. I'm, I'm, I got really confused, man. Like, honestly, I got flabbergasted. So I started whatever the interviews. <laughs> How did people win? What happened in 2009? What was going on? How is it iBlast had songs that were so popping they hit my call center on some regular people shit and like they would at one race fucking girls in the music video and they'd go like, to mm-hmm. the hotel with the fancy car. That shit was in the call center moving around like with all the other regular people songs. So yeah. like how do we happened? go from like that to like this? Anyway. So I got bored with the live scene in twenty sixteen, spent six months researching YouTube. I can tell you what happened. I can tell you a bit of what happened. Just go for it. A weird hierarchy. Um, okay, no, this is going to sound like conspiracy theory shit, but I don't even care because, again, I'm not in that game. I collect toys, so I don't care. But um, legit, the cool kid, the, that shit happened. That the, This conglomerate, this gatekeeper shit that kind of like would, if you were a part of their clique, they'd keep you up. And if you weren't a part of their clique, they'd push you down. And that would be it. And that was simply it. I remember doing that blink and... I don't, eh, what do I, shout to Montreality, but they had a part to do with it. Really. Anyway. They really had a part to do. When they started charging local artists to get their posts on their website, that's where we really started. Okay, fucking I wanna, okay, hold on. They have to go to their defense. They only started doing that because they, yo, it changed. Yeah, yeah it definitely mean, changed. No, but we're talking definitely... the whole internet media game changed. And sustainability in that game changed. So they didn't do it in part because like they wanted to, but AdSense changed. A lot of monetization opportunities for them changed. So now all of a sudden it's either they charge artists. Look, I I'm saying this in full, like I don't charge a motherfucker for an interview mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yo, not you everybody's not not everybody has the opportunities I've had in my life. True. Like, sometimes you got it. Sometimes and, you got and it. And let's be real. They put out a much better product than I do. 
in terms of the quality and uh this this is them now this was i was talking about no i'm talking like back then because yo everybody knows montreality they're like big big like my boys in new york know them they're like real real they were like wow that's us big right okay and their shit was nice but yo you're gonna tell me that like getting all these celebrities was free free that all of these things so yo somebody had to get charged somewhere along the way somebody did have to get charged my thing was it was that you would pay you would pay to get your stuff on there and i had no problem with that but it's just like you'd pay to get your stuff on there and it conveniently is the day that your shit's supposed to drop but then you can't like you'll find your shit but you can't find your shit you know what I mean? And then like, I mean, I can or like, comment on the success of it, right? Which is this? This is again. I was just speaking to like a time where I was just like, okay, I might have particularly dropped a song, or something might have happened where I was just like, okay, I don't see how this shit isn't being talked about when we put so much invested in this shit. And from the time I'm from, where you put your stuff out, regardless like, of your boys or whatever, I would argue sure. that Montreality to me was never about local music because I never fucking one time ever went to them to look up a local artist. That's the thing. And I definitely thought it was all about mo- local because and, it was called Montreality. But it's and that's really like me being local and, in my and head. T- to be fair, like certain companies brand themselves as entertainment companies. And I think people yeah. misunderstand that. I have put it on wax that I'm about making Montreal's history known. So for me to start charging Montreal shit is whack. But if other people are just trying to create entertainment companies, who the fuck am I to say what's whatever? I can right. tell you what I perceive value propositions to be on ad spends based on XYZ things that I can go prove about the value of certain people. And I can prove my point pretty fucking effectively. However, that isn't to say that there's a, like, I'm going to go maybe sign up for some Patreons and shit in the future because like, yo, if like, if nobody supports the media, then there's no like backbone of that blog culture. And I mean, I'm not asking for subscribers. Go give your money to another one. Like just fuck, you know, like, I mean, I would love your money. Don't get me wrong, but like, it's not this isn't an ask it's more like somebody in media has to get paid yo people are mad quick to like look at the new york times and give them shit for getting their content but they're the only people with good content everybody that has free content is trash it's sensationalized pandering to seo metrics once you understand yo i get freelance money to write articles that rank oh you page one google I know how to write an article on a keyword that will compete with other articles on that same keyword and rank. I can't promise page run, but usually I'm pretty good. It's really just taking the content in that article, understanding the structure of what Google thinks is important. So you do a little competitive analysis, you read the three, four of them, and then you take the same information, which is now authoritative and expert, and you add about 150, 200 words. Maybe you add a picture, maybe you add a video, maybe you add a two more link. So once you start understanding like just how fucking fake all this crap in world is and how manufactured all this stuff is, right? Like it's crazy. I don't know. I kind of got distracted in the middle of that, but like, no, it was kind of more or less like what you were saying. I do understand what they were doing at the time. And I understand that right, it was so never it, about local, but it was more but, like just so free media in order to stay alive requires web traffic. And the only way right. to get web traffic is to SEO optimization. Yeah. And like, I'm gonna be real with you. It's really shit money on AdSense and YouTube right now. It used to be good money, but it's real shit. It used shit. to be great. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I never dude, got the I've... good money. I only got monetized when it was Adpocalypse 1. 
I always miss the good times of them shits. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to get up on my YouTube shit now, and I'm always thinking, like, it's damn near pointless. Why do I even want to get to a monetization yeah, you level? Should, because... You should be on Twitch trying to get monetized, where it's not pointless. I should be on Twitch trying to get monetized. That's, I, I mean, I'm going to have a lot of time with this baby coming to just, like, sit here, and I'm thinking I might need to get a video camera and just, right, just have Twitch. people watch me make beats. Yes. And just Twitch. Do it. Because, Fucking do because it. it's like, it, it's like... I could do toy reviews on YouTube all day, but then I'm not going to get the views toy reviews on it's... Twitch. Also, you can do all the shit you do on YouTube. I could do on all Twitch. the shit on YouTube. I could do it here. Exactly. It would just make and, more sense. And you don't have to edit it. Right. I could just go live and just do it. But, but you can edit it, put it on YouTube for the archive. Which I might do afterwards because that makes sense. Yeah, you do, you um, do it afterwards because it's easy. But to more or less to go back to my point afterwards, my point is that I was. I was ignorant. I didn't know how the metrics worked or anything. So I was just coming at the first person I saw that was kind of fucking up the game and putting other people that were their quote unquote friends that weren't me. And I, I yeah, I was in my feelings. I was too. sure. But then I watched my literally witness myself from face and become a heel because once I put that and I literally posted that to, I think that was on Montreality's like Facebook. That was might have been. I have a history of doing dumb shit on the internet that other people witness. One time with one time with Nicholas Craven, who is a good who's a friend of mine now, shouts Craven. And then one time with Cena and a few other times at Dirtwork. But this time with Cena and Montreality, I was like, y'all are only putting on your friends, this, that, whatever. And like no one actually read what I said. They read past what I said, and it was just turned into like fanfare of Montreality. And that's when I was like, oh no, I'm not like the scene's different. Legit, I realized at that point I need to stop, <laughs> and I just gracefully so bowed the out. The scene is different. So what happened was, is it's Montreal is the scene now. Montreal in definition has changed. Now let's be real. Hip hop was predominantly a street movement, meaning the demographics involved in it prior to a certain point were people of a certain lifestyle or really, really underground enthusiasts that were into it. It wasn't quite as global. But the people pushing it aren't street enthusiasts, and that's. Another point. No, no, no. But the other side of it is now it's 2021 and we're talking mm-hmm. about, or even when I came into the game, Holden, call center rapper. Half the rappers mm-hmm. I've known my whole career are just people that are like not in that. We all have jobs and shit. You know, like we're just the other side of Montreal. The thing is, when you run a demo count, which one is Montreal? Like at a, at a consumer level, at mm-hmm. a relatability level. So now you need to either sell really good fantasy or reality that makes sense to the people without creating cognitive dissonance. Now, demographically, Montreal used to be a blue-collar city about 30 years ago, but everybody works in an office now. Yeah. So there's twice as many white-collar employees as there are blue-collar employees in Montreal based on the only stat I could find. Yeah. Pre-Chankovia said some shit, and I had to go look into stuff. I was so fascinated by his perspective. What was he saying? It's a blue Just collar city. Just give me a glimpse of what he said. Yeah. A, and I'm like, it's not a blue collar city. Yo, Montreal is a white collar city. I'm sorry. We're like the software capital, like of big data. It's like Facebook's here, Google's here. These people, these people open big places. There's a huge here. immigration push that gets a lot of specialists from other countries to come here and go work in software companies and shit. But like, y'all don't count them. At, but they're the city. And I'm like, so I'm like seeing this, this smorgasbord of people who want to go to shows at seven o'clock. I swear that's it, man. All the people would have had to do is start the shows at seven, man. And everybody would have made more money. Yeah. But this is the artists that don't want to be here. The artists that are getting trust, like 
trying to get um you know through the border and they like they couldn't get no, i'm talking so local yeah i'm saying i oh. can sell local tickets to a show that starts at seven for ten fucking dollars on a thursday because it's done by 11 and we all go home because we all got work at nine it's like i couldn't get through to people that week we all have work at nine and i don't know who you were talking to because i was definitely down to do that that would dude that would i swear shit. i have it on wax multiple interviews uh like wow. yo it's a consistent thing i pushed up until covid covid was the biggest blessing in my life it forced like people to like look at the internet different and have a better sense of perspective of how much money could be made online and stuff but like mm. i was into like all kinds of shit like i was into vr and stuff late 2019 i'm like yo really this is where it is microtransaction that shit yo why are we trying to sell shirts when we can sell logos and avatars for two bucks bro you're mm. everybody's got fucking two dollars okay <laughs> But yeah, because I'm watching sure. software pimp the game. I'm watching all the move software makes. I'm watching the subscription models take over. And you should do it, dude. You I know should. why? You know why? Because you make good content. I thoroughly enjoyed that episode that I consumed of your shit today. Was we've that... uh, we've been around, man. We just, I guess, I dot running the show. I usually when things that I participate in, I try to rarely run the show because the pressure of it not doesn't get to me but it's like it becomes not fun so with geektastic i've we i co-founded free agents media that used to be franklin armstrong um and that was only because brian who wanted to do the podcast and do the whole collective thing he was just like yo we're we're blurs we're geeks back in the time when being a black dude in the west island who listened to hip-hop you couldn't really talk about how you love comics and shit is there french shit on geektastic on the is there french shit on geektastic no, we do our we're opening it up. We're actually trying to get like a Francophone uh like pod within our uh collective right now because right now we just have like English pods across Canada. But when we started this shit, we just started it as we wanted to do that to kind of like, you know, show that Montreal had a different showcase of media as you're we talking about how the media and all that built up and we don't really have a how do you say? demo, a decent demo. Like a a uh consistent demographic of who we are appealing to because we are a white collar city well, with a lot okay, of blue no, collar i want to go somewhere different with that i don't want to like leave it like that i want to go a little different go different there's everything here and there's fans of everything here and the problem is is that like i don't really see a huge number one bubbling for a minute it's more like yo like we started this crossroad thing where i decided now nah, we're gonna be boring nice people we're going to like be appealing for certain vibes. There's certain things I'm trying to achieve places. I'll be comfortable and thus mine will be comfortable. Right. That's really what it is. I want to be comfortable at that show. You know what I don't like bars. Honestly, I go to these shows in these bars and I stand there and it's uncomfortable. Even if it's a lot of people, like I'm in my thirties now, I don't know how much I really want to be around a lot of people in the bar. You know, what sounds kind of blessed 15 people in a jam room that I trust. Jeez, okay. <laughs> yeah, I feel and then you. we broadcast that to the internet. So we get some human life interactions and vibes, but we also get money. See, you could flip that a whole different way. This is why a lot of people are going to start messing with you now because, like, you have this whole perspective that none of us were, we were, some of us were privy to it. Some of us knew about it, but none of us, like, we all have super great ideas, but nobody's really out here executing. And I'm like one of those, I'm guilty of that myself. I have a ton of great mm -hmm. ideas, but in terms of executing it, it comes down to where you're at with your everyday. You're at a point with your everyday where you, you can do this 
every day because you're sustained. You don't have kids. You're sustained. Want, no, no, no. I want to make that abundantly clear. A lot of y'all are parents or parents to be, and I do not have kids. And I mean, I want kids. Yeah, not, but not, not right now. We're not being safe. It's not happened. Right. Right. Is what it is. So right. I'm running with this run like I can because one day I'm gonna get that conversation. And then there you go. Over there you go. So I and have to like be it. like at this place. So I'm hungry like that. But I work for a software development company. I've been watching some tech shit play out for a decade on some. I'm, like it's my job to like follow right. big tech. But you're in your in your journey of big tech. Your company respected you and gave <sighs> you the sustainability so that you can maintain and proceed something like this, mm. which you can get to a point like this. If That's I true. had your shit six years, listen, I worked for Ubisoft for six years. And I was taking home a $900 paycheck after working on Assassin's Creed 3, Rogue, and all them other games, Watch Dogs 2, that's on my wrist right Respect. here for life. Like, I worked on all those games. I have my name in all those games. They didn't pay me worth a lick of shit. Mm, and I mean, okay. the reasons why I, I couldn't pursue money. music is because I had to survive with job. So if I had job that was giving me what I make now, but back then, yeah, I of course too. I could sit all day and I, I would have had Man, a YouTube. Dude, if, I you, if, you, if you know how much I wasted, just not even related to music, you'd slap me. YouTube meticulous, <laughs> you'd also slap me. You'd have no idea how like frustrated you would be if you saw what I did with my money and my time. You have no idea. Like I would like I saw the flyer to the last Murder Face show ever. And I knew who they were at this point, and I knew I should have gone to that shit. And imagine, yeah, me and Vince Price get along today. There's a feasible chance maybe I could have met Vince Price once upon a time and we would have got along then before mm -hmm. he does his mook life run. Um, and then, like, I'm sitting there going, you know what I'd rather do? Not go to that show and just be a loser in my apartment. And I'm not saying cool. I mean probably being a loser in my apartment, just smoking. That's drinks. what a lot of people did, though. And I don't blame them. I don't blame people because it just, I don't know. So then, like, yo, 2016 kicks in, and I start my podcast, which was just, like, honestly, I saw Macklemore in 2013, and that was a very big thing, right? Like, that whole moment, and I'm a white rapper, and I'm, mm -hmm. and I'm not understanding shit. People keep looking at me like, bro, you're not even rapping. You're not hip-hop or whatever. Like, But I'm like, I don't care what anyone says. I can rap, but then I'm not mm -hmm. something. So there's this link I'm not getting. And then Macklemore gets destroyed. And then Macklemore does White Privilege too. And then Macklemore made White Privilege too. And I, I listened to it a lot and I thought a lot about it because I'm a white dude in hip hop and Macklemore's king at that point. Let's be real. Um, and then, like, I realized that cultural appropriation was not necessarily something I fully understood at the time, but it had a lot to do with contribution to the culture. So I figured I could mm -hmm. do album reviews and publicly learn about shit. Mm hmm. And then I spent years studying this topic. And I know it's not a lie. You can watch my evolution of this topic on Wax since 2016 till today. Mm -hmm. And I really that. But that's what led me to the album reviews. Because, yo, my first projects is this hip-hop. I couldn't answer the question. I didn't even know if I was a hip-hop artist or not. Yes. I knew I was a rapper. I was like a rap real good. But like right. that has nothing to do with hip-hop. They're not even the same things at all. There's like Italian rappers in like 1932, if you're being real with the shit. For sure, for sure, yeah. So it's a vocal My whole thing that I understood. I didn't understand the culture in any way. So I sound yeah. real dumb at first. <laughs> <laughs> My whole thing, I got into a lot of it being 
I saw a lot of people getting pushes and it wasn't yeah okay yeah it was fucking jealousy fuck it because i'm like okay you're at my point if you if okay we go back from when i was five to now yeah yeah fair. in my head in my head being a gemini i been trying to made it 15 years ago facts okay so then if you're in a city where everything you've done consistently hasn't been garbage and you've been a part of some sick movements and just hiccups and bumps have happened along the way like everybody's life life happens but then you're starting to see like Cats that are getting the look, and it's a different look, but you see, like, they're clearly handpicked. Like, you clearly see, like, there's some handpicking going on of who's going to get that look, who's going to get that push, and you're just like, all right. Like, I, I, it, 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 at that point, yeah, I'm already in my 30s, and I'm just like, all right, shit's getting kind of, like, it's getting, it's getting shaky. I don't know if this is going to happen, mm-hmm. but, like, it's either, at least in my head, I was at a point, like, I'm either going to fully go in I'm either going to move like some of my friends did. They moved to Toronto, they did what they did, or I'm going to gracefully bow out and focus on something completely different. That makes me happy because at this point, music wasn't making me happy. I got to give love to somebody pivotal in my story. So in 2014, 15, whatever the fuck is, 16 maybe, an ex-rapper, SEO specialist in the city shows up in in my company one day. A man by the name... Of Justice McFly, I'm not gonna go. Oh fuck! He works for you. You were. Oh god, yeah, boy. This is around (laughs) when Ape Mob dropped the video of Action Man and shit. That yes, yes, yes. So while that happened, we were outside having cigarettes, smoking, and discussing the behind the scenes of that moment a little bit. Because me and just you, me and Justice are cool. He said he's gonna do the interview one day, but I respect him enough to understand. Yo, he said he was gonna rap on one of my beats one day. I'm still waiting for that. Yo, where you at, Marty? (laughs) <laughs> where you at dog so i know what he does for a living i don't want to go yeah. too deep in it but he's also Travels a father like a but he's yep. also a father and he does those two things first and one day justice when he has the time and life is right will be there for all of us because he's not a man that's ever going to renege on his promises i promise you that i worked with that man in corporate life for like a mm-hmm. year plus that's a different type of thing it's 40 hours a week you know so like i got to see him as who he is now not who he was whatever so I know like a version of him anyway. And, uh, he taught me about basic SEO and how I could go make money on the internet doing shit like album reviews. Really? Just really just to show you that. Yeah. That's look sick. at that. Eh? <laughs> That's sick. That's super cool. Everything I'm just doing today him, links to justice McFly having some conversations with me. So I'm doing that for myself. Cause whatever. So I'm selfish at that time. Then I read a fucking 838 page book called the gospel of hip hop by KRS one. Oh boy. And in that book, he said the most interesting thing. If you put money into your scene for three years, they'll never ever let you have to worry again. Like they'll hold you down for life. And I realized up until that point, I never even said Montreal in a song. I've never done anything for the city ever. So now I'd argue we're like two years, two to two and a bit years since that point. And a lot of people in Montreal are kind of holding me down in ways I can't believe are really happening. And all I had to do is give time and now literally a little bit of money to the city. Just to the city. It's just, to, that's it. Because KRS-One said it was important for hip-hop. <laughs> so I'm like, whatever, that guy has to know some shit. He wrote the gospel. So I, yeah, that was so pivotal to me. And I'm still in that. That's that's yeah. part of all of this. This, is this to me, is like part of all of it. Get the skin deep story down. Get everybody down. And like now it's bigger. I want to write a book and shit. Do it. We talked about doing a documentary. Um, I want to tell you that 
you are very right in that sense. And the guys here can probably agree. In each era where we did really well, in which we came together and shit, there was a unification. We had our persons that would unify us, though we didn't already all know the person. We had one person in common. Um, at which point, at one point, it was Bad News Brown and Dutch that brought us all together. We didn't realize it, but they were our glue that brought us together and kind of really helped us. Now I could say, with that span of years of nobody, everybody being about themselves and nobody really being about the city, I could fucking say very, 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 very openly that you now are very much the glue that will probably bring us back I'm to being like, that that's right. every time somebody says that i just want to say i'm one of because we got you're it. one of you're one of yes but you're one of who's the most like you're the selfless like everybody else there's the people doing it. there's the let me knows there's 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 the mad people that will do it but like it's not 300 selfless like it's you totally not selfless though it's just that i also have met people with real money like the guy who owns my company has a house in dollar you can see from google maps I listen to big economics. I understand mm. the big things. This is an investment. I'm of course. Just investing. I believe that I'm going to ultimately make millions of dollars without a shadow of a doubt in my mind. So what the fuck Good. is whatever I'm losing today? It's nothing. It's peanut, pennies on a dollar, right? Right. I'll be there right there with you. Just like I'm, MF I'm just... Doom said on the Sarface project that dropped yesterday, yo, mm. scared money is broke money. Yeah, that's true. And it's just like, yo, look, I'm in a position where I can afford to do this for now. And it's not a forever thing. Like at some point I'm going to be like, yo, maybe we can finance holding a little bit, maybe. But like that'll come when it has to. And it'll be cool because mm -hmm. I have every intentions of doing bigger and better things. I've talked to a few people. Yo, dude, man, I just, I just have an imagination, right? And um, I, I, I sit, I sit there and I'm like, what can we do like that's special that's interesting what can we do like how is fried chicken worth 80 dollars? right no in montreal it's trending you can get like 58 yo we spent because i got all oh, those stupid no oh, the, the bucket chicken shit no but for real i gotta skip the dishes thing for 50 dollars, yeah. and all we yeah. got with that motherfucker was a five-piece meal it was a delicious okay, well. five-piece meal, and I would not have ever bought it if it wasn't for that. But that tells I thought me you were talking about the pop-up shop that was like around. No, that there's just dude. Like go on fucking Uber Eats one day and go on the fried chicken and look at how expensive all these places are. There's just so many of them that are really expensive, and they're competing with each other to be the bougiest fucking chicken. My man's was on this. Okay, I did a work sank set. So when you do that shit, it's a different vibe right because it's yeah, not like yeah, this yeah. at all so fried chicken comes the king out, of that. and my man <laughs> does uber eats delivery so he does that as a side hustle and so he's telling us about all the chicken spots and yo it's bougie right now like yo bucky rooster was what i had the other day and it's bucky rooster is what i was talking about yeah yo it's lit though it's so good it was undeniably really good but if you look at all the chicken spots and how many there are that are fried chicken right now it's how the hell did fried chicken that used to be the shit that was like $12 for 50,000 pieces that would maybe make you puke. Maybe it wouldn't, but it was worth it because he was broke. How did right. that become like fucking bougie? So there's a lesson here for everybody out there is that we're selling a lot of things wrong. We're doing a lot of things incorrect. Yeah. Because if you can sell a fucking five piece bucket 
and it was dude it was okay it was fifty dollars after all the uber eat shit but still people are willing to spend then fifty dollars for mm-hmm. a five-piece bucket with some potatoes they were all delicious though for real um <laughs> like i can't deny that but that's the point it's like i have to interrupt myself to be like but bro it's worth it how do you get that feeling with your people at your shit the gentrified chicken thank you vince uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know no, how to actually get it is a gentrification of chicken it breaks my fucking heart dude big time gentrification that's a big part of our city dude Everything i went in- to I, I went by like vince's part of the land and i was it was so cool i saw a human and i went the chicken one of the chicken spots is by vince's part of the land and the lineup at the chicken spot and motherfuckers is just like out there waiting <laughs> i'm like yo there ain't yep. i don't I lie. I did it once for Portuguese chicken for some family shit. But like, I've done that. But like, it's more like, yo, it's baffling. It's it's all for fried chicken now. You know, like, so okay, what can we do? Hip hop, let's say, maybe has a fried chicken reputation in the city. So how can we? I mean, yo, dude, I went up to this colleague of mine and said, "How do you feel about a Montreal?" She's a twenty-two-year-old lady. And I said, yeah. how would you feel about going to a Montreal hip-hop show? I shit you not, dude, watch this. She went like this. At the word of, okay? That's how, that's a reality that, like, a lot of people don't want to have that conversation about, my guy, if we're going to go with the real reels. Okay, I can tell you why that she feels like that. Because she's 22? Yeah. So when she was 18, she probably went to a show that had, like, 900 openers on it. Uh, the show didn't start till actually, like, 2 Preach in that the morning. Shit. Um, I know this shit because I know the dudes who put on these shows. I know the dudes who put on these shows to the point where their name got so shit. Their name got, and I'm not naming their names, but their name got so shit in this city that dudes had to legit put on shows and use Skin Deep's name to put on the show and have me running around selling the tickets and on some bullshit. And like, it got to a point where shouts to CY, I don't really fuck with CY, but shouts to CY, we're cool. But like, it was on some like, he was disrespecting me, being like, I'm not going to sell your tickets. And then when I sat back and I realized this, again, 2016-17 era, I'm just like, yeah, I wouldn't have sold my goddamn tickets either. What the fuck am I doing? That's where it got to. Like, legit, I understand why the 22-year-old is all like, mm, at a hip-hop show right. in Montreal. So that's what he, I'm saying. Come on. That's why I say, like, up. we have to all acknowledge this as a, the 30-year-olds in our scene all need to acknowledge this shit and because yo COVID's gonna reopen yes and then what's gonna gonna what's gonna happen what's gonna happen with the scene what are people what choices are we gonna make are we gonna learn from the mistakes we're gonna do the deep dive analysis of what worked and what didn't work and try to optimize the situation in order to get a higher aro at each of your points no what we're not gonna do is approach no kind of girls about going to a dusty ass hip-hop show within the first six months of COVID openness you get that you try that around november <laughs> leading into december where like because the first band of people are not trying to hear no local nigga no local anybody do music not at all for the first six months of covid open i don't want to hear nobody saying i got a show going on because everybody's no, gonna all, be trying to see yeah, the it's, it's it's you know, it's done it's like yo what do you know is already happening you know people are you know how i know and i don't want to say names because again i want to not be a fucking get myself right. in trouble here um right I seen the posts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I seen the posts, and I'm like, oh, yo, let's just do it on the internet. You know, we could all do it on Twitch, do a raid thing. The the DJs are doing it. 
Montreal's DJ community is so popping right now because they just talk to each other on Twitch. I'm like, and they organize it and they just do it on their separate days. We got Blaster, we got yeah, boom, yeah, boom, boom. no, they all have time slots. So Blaster is twelve to one. You just also they that. hold their time slots, and then they are they. But what they do is they hold their time slots, but then each day is a different raid train. So now right. they're creating a network, and then they all link up on Discord, and they're all jumping on the shit. And like, I'm like, okay, rappers, let's go do rap versions of this. Honestly, I don't know if our okay, our caliber is there. Yes. No, you're incorrect, my guy. That's where I have to stop you and say I'm sorry. You don't think our we're not there? I think we have so many dope people that I could absolutely ban this shit out and make it work on Twitch if they would just do it. Yes. Because well, how many I, of those people don't have families? How many of those people aren't working nine to five? No, how, how many people can afford? Well, I mean, I'm gonna argue that like these people somehow can do a whole lot of other things. It's yeah. just redirecting of their time that already exists. It's true, it's time management. I understand. So, I like, definitely I'm not, understand. I'm not. I'm sorry, but like, yo, look, like, yes, I'm not saying everybody can play my role, but you don't have to play the same role. You can just go live like an hour a day and spit some fucking freestyles on Twitch instead of Instagram. One right. pays you, one doesn't. One doesn't. One's right. one by Amazon, one's one by Facebook. One has this set of rules, one has that set of rules. It's like, Jeez. how many times can you break that shit down and be like, yo, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to explain it. I got 8,000 views. Okay, uh, in the in the good range of it, like yeah. uh, 8,000 views is what, 25 bucks. That's the bad end. The good end is 2,500 views is $11. That's YouTube money. That's what that's what everybody's fucking trying to get monetized for as I'm telling them jump on Twitch where like on fucking Amazon Prime free subs it's two fifty per free Amazon Prime subs. Free money is on the table. No, like the fuck my guy. Yeah, like, no, you're not lying. You're not lying. You're and right. I keep telling everybody this shit. Like meticulous is going on Facebook Live still. So I'm like my guy. Go on fucking Twitch. I'm like everybody go on Twitch. Go on Twitch. Go on Twitch. Yo, shout out Vince Price. Yeah. He heard them. He, to be fair, Vince Price and I are on Twitch together, so I kind of forced his hand, and and, and brought him there. And CL's gonna move to Twitch too. We're gonna holla. We're gonna make it happen. And like that's what I'm trying to say is like, and I, I'm just saying like now, honestly, it's gonna take five times as long as it would have if we all did this six months ago. I'm not gonna lie to anybody out there. It's too fucking late for this to be fast now. And CB Mac too. Shout out CB Mac. CB Mac's my boy. CB Mac is like legitimately one of the nicest MCs none of y'all ever heard of because none of y'all ever did the kind of market research I did. Jesus. I could give you- You're not name. lying. You're not lying, bro. I can, I'm, yo, I'm dude, not we have a fucking hub spot that we're going to fill with names now. I'm going to track it off. Fuck that. Nobody else wants to do it. We'll, we'll do it. Chris Chrome and I and whoever else wants to be a part of the project that legitimately is going to be useful. Because like I'm, Frank, I'm, I'm with that, and we need people to do that. We really because do. Because then I can yeah. make an infographic that goes there are this many rappers, and the average number of views per video is, and the this is that, and then fuck you, have some perspective. Get some companies to back us, or somebody to just kind of, I don't know. But also, anyway, I, I get, I feel like I'm getting my cranky aggressive. More. I don't want to. No, you're not getting cranky. You're not getting flowers. But like, we're, 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 I'm like super <laughs> passionate on this. I feel like this is the solution that I have to do. And I can't even go work on some shit now. I can't even go make my album and shit. I can't go fucking focus on what I want to be doing. Because, like, frankly, it's like, these are momentous, giant projects. Like, fuck. Yep. But, like, if it never happens, then we, we're just there forever. Because there's no perspective on the real data of what's going on here. Because people act like, yo, 
on the mat. I'm like, bro, come on. Like, everybody's doing cool shit. And everybody acts like they're not. But, like, I keep telling people, I'm sorry, dude. The list of amazing artists I love in this city just keeps going up. It's not going yeah. down. Why right. do I keep finding great producers? How do I keep right. having these conversations? And they're not boring. And how are they all interesting? Right. But ask yourself why those same artists that you know aren't telling you about these great producers that they know. Ask yourself that. I don't have to ask myself that. You know why? I'm not doing that right now because of my position. But yo, okay. In your position, that's your position. In my position, which is disgruntled. Let me tell you what I'm going to (laughs) do. Moving forward, every song I release, because I do understand it that well, is Holden Stefan Roy X Vincent Price. Holden Stefan Roy X Northern Beats Society. An equal, Mm. we're equal artists now. Because you're you're all the Eric B's to my Rakeem. Oh. No, but like, yo, I. I told you, I do know why. Okay, you think fucking B-Makers are my favorite? Y'all are, like, the best interviews. We try. No, y'all don't give a shit about, like, the fucking image. I don't give a shit about... Again, listen, I got more... And this is not even toot my horn. I stopped taking Montreal music seriously. I said, all right. If none of y'all, if the same people who want to see like, oh man, we like the same people, Montreal, here's Montreal. Montreal will love you in the streets and pretend you don't exist where it matters. So if you're like, yo, I got this coming up, people be like, yeah, yo, send me that, send me that. We're super down, super down, super down, super down. But then the day your song drops, like, I like, no, nobody. Hold on. I would love to show you the data on my clips channel. The one where I interviewed a lot of these people and how few Dude. clips ever. I'm not doing it live. I'm not doing that because it puts like, the whole city <laughs> on blast. You know oh, who okay. it doesn't put on blast? It doesn't put meticulous on blast. So well, I'll give him his props. Meticulous too good for that, man. Meticulous put the clips on my website. Cool man Logan shared some shit. Um, Vince Price shared some shit, and Vince Price shared shit. It was so noticeable that Bonnie noticed us twenty something views, and we got excited at twenty something yeah. views. Because, and you know why? It was because, yo, you know how, like, and it's not just Montreal. It's yeah. kind of like my clips channels, everybody I've talked to. And it's like the number of them. But then something fucking fascinating happened. We got a little surge in comments. And it was related to something I knew what happened. It was not a surge, like three, four comments, which is a surge of surge, new people. Yeah. But it was because this lady I interviewed, Dama, had some situation with her, her peoples. And she ended up being this plug at the beginning of hip hop is real videos for the week. And one of them went like big, like I saw it when it was at 150 K views and it's just her clip for a minute. So she did something super duper interesting on a promotional front. And so people were willing to go Google her after an organic friend and look her up. That's dope. But you know what? Like people might even share their shit, but like I have like numbers on average watch time. I like, yo, I mean, I get it. Part of it might just be me being kind of a little bit boring, but really it's not like we're trying to get clips of you guys sounding great. So yeah. it's more like, where's, where's people's interest in y'all? I, we make this content and then it's like, where's that? Why are you guys like so focused on the next single that you're not even promoting yourself as a human? Mm. What do you think we're doing here? We're humanizing you so that your fucking fans that are not your fans give a shit about you. Let's talk about you five dancing. Yeah, so that Becky in the office place goes, he's a fucking person and I want to bump his shit because that's what Freddie Gibbs and them do. Did you not hear the book of Ryan? Little Ryan bouncing his basketball in the fucking corner store. That's a banging song. 
and just gives yeah. you smiles and shit humanizes yeah. it so it's like i sit there and i try so hard because i studied music for years modern music marketing and what do you think you do when you're doing a new album multiple new albums ismail can attest to the volume of albums i did for years hold up um i did one this friday Sarface and mf doom's brand new project super white that's how recent i did it i'm not i'm really not doing them like i was they're very time consuming and they're not as fun but it's also <laughs> like that shit like i did a bunch of local reviews for somebody actually they kind of in the back end implied money would come my way i did a lot of free work money never came if y'all go to patreon.com slash um behind that suit right now you can sign up at a certain tier and i have to review your music full-on effort mm. how many That's people beautiful. were willing to do that true but cool man logan i like a lot and so i'll fucking cover it i like his sound his music i think it makes montreal look good just so you know it's not so just some french shit. i think he's an excellent he's in my top five in the city right now for a vibe because he owns a lane i was in his ass for three years to get that album out oh my god god damn it every day going to andrew going to cl's house yelling <sighs> at him every day and like on some <laughs> okay i would be a dickhead we're like i <laughs> I would just withhold certain things from him on some like, nah, you got to do this. I ain't giving you this beat because you need to finish that. He'd be like, yo, send me beats. And I was like, deal with the first four that I gave it's, you. Hold on. I just want to like, go. I saw a cool mask clothing. Y'all don't watch each other's interviews. <clears throat> That's another thing. Hell yeah. None of well, y'all yeah, have a yeah. shit about each other's interviews. So it's That's actually like we go even further with it. How many of any of y'all watched another man's interview on my channel? If you even watched any of them. And that's where it's I like, will say that I no, I don't. Okay, no. look, not for the people here in the lives. Like you got like people who come in in the lives, right? Cool, cool, cool. Mm. But like, do y'all like don't aren't here for like the whole four hours? And we do all these clips, and like none of y'all are curious about anybody else to want. To, like that's where I'm at with it. Like, and yo, you know who it is? It's fucking Bonnie giving me this shit because she's uploading all the clips and she's writing all the copy and she's putting in hours of work on this shit every week that mm -hmm. no you think she's getting no she's on some you kind of don't have a job freelancing you have time please do it shit right <laughs> um no offense baby i love you. you're the best but like <laughs> but like for real it's like hour after hour and it's like for what and i know for what i know all the for what so i'm like fuck right. that ignore the immediate we go on places and it's like right. whatever whatever like i have every intentions of doing a very competitive run against you for top podcast and call it montreal next year you got listen geek classic we're 250 deep soon like i'm i okay yeah this man. goes into another little story i will say this i don't care about what fame i get from this city but there's certain things you can't mention in this city without mentioning me number one is producers a certain friend that i mentioned before fucked up and didn't do that before and now we're friends now because i called them okay, out on twitter on. shout out <laughs> fucking vince price and cl yes y'all are here all the time it's more like a you know you know situation i'm not like yeah, seeing yeah, everybody yeah, whatever. yeah okay go on so um geek being that we've been here i could i could very cockily say and very very easily say that within the free agents media so that's if you don't know the morning DTR CKUT, that's me. That's us. Oh, Running yeah. with Wolves with Wizzy Moon Chaser, that's us. Mm. Uh, that's why he like liked and shared your thing. Okay, because I didn't know have, he existed right. till like a week ago. Exactly. And he and he used to do the hood to hood mixtapes back in the day. So that's also Montreal history that you need to speak to him about. Um, there's 
Queer FM in Calgary, that's us. We got the Nudes podcast that's also coming up. I'm working on Chops Vision with my boy. I We got Geek Casting. Like, you're not fucking with us, podcast. Bro, so if you want to beat us, you're going to have to do a lot of work. Yo, bro, and this is just friendly comp. But, that's you know. what it is. It's I saw my you target know. and I said, oh, I can have that. Why? Wow, you think I'm not putting in my grind? You think I don't have I know you. Put, I know you put in your grind, but I'm just saying we're my 250 guy. deep. We're I'm... 250 episodes deep. Yo, we're, my we're, guy, we're this is like stopping. interview 80-something and like episode... I have 860 videos on YouTube. So you're killing me. You're killing us in terms of that. You are killing us in terms of that. But so, I can easily say... I'll, I'll, I can so what I can say is on work yeah. ethic front, I cool. Y'all have had more success to this point, but all I need is to get my fucking exponential grind on and it's done. I just need one lucky break, my guy, and it's a fair competition. That's what I need a lucky break too in terms of... And then again, we're producing... In this city, I, I'm not, I'm not going to, like, this will be just one of my points where I'll kind of not end off on music, but whatever. In this city, in terms of production, you don't come through the city and don't mention Tick. You don't not mention 80 Rock. You don't not mention Vincent Price. You cannot not mention BK. You cannot mention, not mention, like, there's so many of us. 80 Rock. There's, like, so many of us. So a certain individual, and you can't not mention now Nick Craven. Big facts. Which is You can't fair. not mention Nick Craven. And 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 that that's all I'll say on that. We are friendly Look, now. Y'all, yeah, yeah. everybody's cool, and but in a friendly yeah. competition front, we do yeah. very different things. <laughs> we do different things, but so I mean, it's mad random about which one of us could actually win. And because yo, we have mad different audiences, mad different. Yes. Like, dude, I love it. I saw y'all. I listen to your shit, and I'm like, I want to be friends with these guys. But you in the spirit be. of how Wu Tang played, game on, motherfuckers. I mean, hey. Hey. No, I don't yeah. actually okay, yeah. listen. America too is pretty fucking Cali. Um so look, uh Oh no, sorry. Okay, actually wait, 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 wait. Let me let me let me do this for Cali. Cali Loki is my Cali is not even my engineer. Cali's been the one dude that's mixed every one of my tracks mm-hmm. without me asking for him to mix every one of my tracks. Dudes will get my beats, go to Cali, and my shit ends up sounding stupid amazing because it's cali and cali understands my beat certain engineers will come in muffle my shit try to mix my mm. beat where sky beats it. is pretty big sky beats is huge jay diligent you cannot like yeah you cannot mm. remember oh there's a few few yeah, others um, i'm just gonna stop i hear all that but i'm a pretty ill podcaster so we talking about podcasting game over the next couple of years i would love to friendly compete on that tip it would just it sounds great you need to be on the show first i would love to be you on your show want to get you on the show but yeah i gotta say for 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 merker and all the other producers i forgot out there i i apologize if i forgot you paco back in the day shout out to paco um but merker he is like my go-to engineer if i have anybody that's gonna fuck with my shit and dissect the hell out of my shit it's gotta be merker because yeah that's that's the dude so basically merker is a pivotal part of my story now and i have never met him in real life I never you need met to him. Mercury, Mercury will fuck you up with freestyle too. That's the thing. Mercury can rap. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So like, like it's just I, we, we got too the many of those, which was cool. Gozer, yeah, we, I've been say I done said Gozer. said Gozer. You know, Gozer not mention Gozer. You you, you you kiss like we got too many, in just terms of production. Yo, but like, do you know how many rappers I know? And I swear this, this is the other side of it. Y'all know all these producers and shit. So like CL's yeah. like sitting there, and y'all know CL. So CL's like I know all the producers, which is cool. 
and I now have tapped in a little bit to this network. But like, yo, me and my rapping homies, my nerd squad, I'm realizing I'm part of the nerd squad. We're like nerdcore, but from Montreal. And there's like more of us than there are probably any other kind of rapper, if I'm being real. Um, just on demos. Just facts. There's just a lot of us people that grew up studying Hobson, okay? Like, it's just kind of what happened. So like a lot of things like that ended up going down and it's not like it's good bad now Everyone's fucking trying to be Atlanta and shit But anyway, there's just a lot of things going on. There's a lot of people that are fucking copying these amino dominis And all these yes. other things why because they literally don't know that literally do you know that Don Dada? In December came on my platform. So if people had actually checked the clips uh, and said yo all you have to do is steal my beat off of Spotify, call it a remix, and I'll approve it, and you can use it like that. We split the royalties. Any one of those instrumental packs he's dropping, he's down for that. Shout out to Don Data. So I'm going, <laughs> What? why are y'all going to Amino Domini? What? Rappers, what? So we trust. Yeah. Like, listen, there's nothing a beat maker. Like, I get it. I've been sitting here talking to everybody. It's actually a really weird and interesting position to be in. It is, huh? Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> I like it a lot. But it, yo, look, I'm not like, I'm gonna be real with y'all. I don't want to be any kind of CEO person in my future. It's not interesting to me. I want to be a, like, I want to be like Cool Man Logan. He's like the fucking coolest. Like, you know, like I want to be able to just focus on my art and just make Cool Man Logan good music. But instead, it's like all this distraction shit. And yo, just like everybody else, I want to sit there and like make my art one day. You know, and play yeah. some video games. That's really what I'm trying to do. I'm I I found my. Oh, Don Smooth's fucking wonderful. Don Smooth. Was Don Smooth great. is great. Don Smooth is so great. I'm I'm at a point where now I'm just like again, my daughter's on the way, and like I'm at my happy point now. Like I was angry, like I was so angry and bitter, and like why aren't I getting this? And why aren't I getting these opportunities? And man, all this shit. And like, why is this certain blogger who knows me and follows me but doesn't reshare my shit and all that? weird shit that you shouldn't care about social media stuff but then you do care about because it pertains to your business and your career it gets in your head and that shit really messed with me for a bit and then oh, now i'm at the point now where i'm like nah i can straight up fall back and like again i need to really tell i gotta thank matik because matik brought me back mm. i was not fucking with music i didn't give a damn i didn't have a computer last year like I didn't, I my computer died. That's what killed me. I, my computer died when I was at my apartment on like in Lachine, and that shit died. I had a really crappy landlord. I was just living with my my fiance now, and then just didn't have the money to really like. Well, I had the money, but I wasn't really into reinvesting into a computer to make beats because I was like, what am I making these beats for? I know I'm good. I'm not making these beats for me. Mm. I know I'm good. I'm making these beats for everybody else because I want them to hear this. What I feel when I make music, I want them to hear that. So. I, I really just yeah jump in thank go. you meticulous because yo i'm really happy that you're back in this i'm really happy that you've made all this music and that we got yeah. to even have this chat because had you not come back probably wouldn't have happened we definitely would not have had this chat it wouldn't have been a guy popping up on my facebook comment asking me to ask poison pen about montreal so i didn't have ah! to because poison <laughs> pen brought up montreal by himself but i was just like and i couldn't remember your fucking name at that time because yeah, i didn't know who you were good. I was like, what's a skin deep? Like, you know, <laughs> what's a skin deep? Yep. What's a skin deep? And like, it, it, I mean, now I know. 
but like yeah. and then, then you look action skinny figgy and it's like bro come on you're not making action it. figgy skinny which is derivative and that's just me because i like figures and no, i know you but know. like when you're coming into it you're just like it's kind of hard to follow that yo what is action finny skiggy i skip fuck action skinny. okay action figgies which okay you know that facebook actually i will get into this quick facebook owns instagram yes at the time when you had to create usernames, I couldn't put the full action in an F-I-G-G-Y in my username. So it says action Feige skinny, but it's actually action Figgy skinny. Instagram, Facebook, if you guys can fix that for me, that'd be great because I've built this natural thing of me just loving action figures. And I loved figs and I've always loved 90s nostalgia and comic books. So that is kind of where I used to, I started off posting toy pics on my skin deep mtl ig which is mainly for music and a lot of people who fuck with toys fucked with it but a lot of people who didn't that i saw my followers drop and i saw people like not really messing with it. and like a few people in the city stopped really buddha blaze stopped following whatever so on and so forth just like weak shit like it would just be like oh well he's not doing music anymore so i don't really need to pay attention which kind of i kind of took that as like you know i took that shit personally like jordan says but <laughs> i really did so Figgy Skinny just kind of came from me wanting to do that, like, find my happy place again. And I did with these. It started off as just buying figs and posting them and then finding a whole toy community because the toy community is huge. Like, in the States and in Canada, grown men that collect toys, it's stupid. And then that's that's where I kind of knew where I was doing it properly because all the guys on YouTube. So there's, like, Shardimus Prime. There's Harley Morenstein. Shout out to Harley. There's this guy, Boo Gay CBA. There's uh, it's Dan who there's a lot of toy collectors that will do toy reviews back when YouTube money was good and they were killing it. But then from what I was doing naturally, I have this segment called what's in the box where I get I was getting so much shit shipped to myself that at one point, like it was just not enjoyable for me to just open the box and be like, oh, I got this new toy, whatever. So I started going on IG and I would just do this like random segment and be like, it's time for another edition of what's in the box. And I did it once and I realized I fucked up because once you do that once and people like it, you got to keep doing it. So since I think it's, I've been doing action figure skinny for four years now. And every time I get something in, whether it be star Wars, whether it be Marvel, whether it be whatever I do an unboxing, I don't open the toy, but I do an unboxing of what it's supposed to be. And people fucking love it. And I built that and every toy reviewer that I started coming into the game and watching now fuck with me and it didn't reinvigorate me but it made me believe like oh shit yeah. like you can do it you so, can literally do it you know uh, that nuclear convoy fellow yeah one time i go to his house in hudson <laughs> yeah we go into the basement um, i've been a few times but the first time so you walk into his room dude i swear there are a thousand transformers yeah. And now that we're having this conversation, I'm going to be like, dude, you need to get back to your crib in Hudson post COVID and do like a whole series, just one by one, a post on each of your Transformers now. Yeah. He's got like some cool. old shit too. Like we're talking a thousand Transformers in like 2007. I believe that. Um, the biggest the biggest Transformer collector, one of them in North America, lives in fucking Pierpont. That's Proto Man. Proto Man, he does biographies for hasbro based on just him having a collection hasbro saw that shit says oh wow you're really about it about it how about you write up biographies on transformers for us and now whenever you see an english bio on a transformers toy if you look on the back and you see an english bio or anything describing the toy and its history that's proto man that wrote that shit 
And that's a dude from Montreal off of toy shit. There's people who I do little photos and whatever. People have seen them. I'll post photos of toy photography that I do. And Hasbro and other <laughs> toy companies, Toys R Us, will look at that stuff, see that you're doing it, and hire you to take photos of their products. That's like, cool. You're making bank off of your hobby. And that's faster than the music industry because sadly, but surely, the toy industry isn't right. as corrupt as the music industry. So let me like give rappers a little free one. Y'all know how to rap, right? Go on uh, Fiber and say you can do voiceover work. No, just, you just need this voice. Or you find your own voice. You can do a few. I use this one. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Soda PDFs How to Tuesdays. This week, we're going to be covering how to convert from PDFs to doc using Soda PDF. First, click on the convert tab. Boom, screencast that motherfucker. Whatever, send it off, you're done. 15, 20 bucks right there, just reading a script. Just get a little fucking template on the mixing. Yo, motherfuckers, like, yo, I actually did this at work. That, as you can tell, 200 weeks in a row. 208 weeks in a row. Boom. Nobody gives a fuck. It's tutorial videos on a PDF app. Actually, I'd probably get in trouble for fucking saying them. They're like, don't talk about us on your shit. Probably. We're watching your socials now, <laughs> you fucking guy. We think you're talking about. I'm not talking about y'all. I promise. Mm-hmm. I swear. I promise. I swear. I was talking I'm not about talking rapper about marketing. <laughs> it just happens to look like software marketing. That's not my yep. fault. But uh, yeah, so that's essentially where that, that fake stuff is. Essentially, it, it was a way for me to kind of just find my love for whatever the fuck I do now, because now through that, I kind of, I hooked up with the reviewers and I was like, oh, you guys do YouTube reviews. You need beats. Do you want some beats? I sent them beats. And now within most of the toy reviewers are using skin deep beats, not knowing that they're skin deep beats. I'm not getting paid from it, but I still get to hear my shit in a different kind of landscape. My guy, you just dropped some big man moves with that. Oh, skin deep. I knew I fucked with you for a reason. That was, that was cool. You you displayed yeah. something powerful. You you met people of certain levels of influence, and you were able to provide something of value to them. Yeah, gotta. That's that's how you bring value to your own shit. I mean, I didn't really realize how valuable these beats were until I was like, oh, I could go to this lane where nobody knows anything about local producers, and they'll just take my stuff and post it in your YouTube vids. Fine, but then your their YouTube vids within an hour of posting them, have like 10,000 views. That's 10,000 people in the States hearing your beats, not knowing it's your beats, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just like that unison. And then when I realized, okay, I can build this action figgy skinny character and then kind of side swipe it into, he also does podcasts, but he's also this guy named Skin My D. guy, you're spitting a- it proper. Big Bamos, yeah. influencer, big boy. Yo, what? Yo, the way I look at it is, let's go a little different. If you're above the, name me a single like successful artist above the age of twenty five that's just an MC. I mean, they're either the CEO of a record label, or they're their investor in a, t- a tech company, or they're the, yep. they're, they're just they're all things. They all do things. Yeah. You got to do multiple things. Now. You have to have like. I'm but this isn't new. Yeah. This is like it's not new. No. It's always kind of been that. Like, yo, everybody was like doing a hundred things back in the day. And we're talking like about the age of twenty five, you either are rich or you have to be like mad interesting. Mm-hmm. And like how are you in like I don't know. Like I feel like again, I'm in that like it's not petty, it's just like I don't know how to fully just communicate. Like, yo, when I hear somebody is thirty and the only thing they can bring to the table is rap. Now take a CL. CL is a valuable skill I don't have. That guy can sell. 
Yes. I'm not a salesperson. So all of a sudden, CL has a value beyond rapping. And we need yeah. people that know how to sell. Without that, yeah. it's like, I'm, like yo, when CL tells me I can bring people to a show, I'm like, yo, I actually believe you. You've, I want to go buy a <laughs> ticket myself, my guy. So it's like, that's a powerful thing. Or like, yo, I'm doing this shit. It's a service of, of a kind. And I try to make it an experience that's unreplicatable. Who else is going to ask you about dancing at five? Nobody. It's the only person ever. And you know how I know? I watched a lot of boring-ass music interviews in my life, and they're all trash. I right. fucking hate them. You know what nobody really needs? Like, the list of your fucking everythings. So, tell me your favorite influencers. Or, my guy, just go watch every <laughs> other interview. You didn't even... That's great, because you didn't even ask me that. And that's super dumb. I don't give a shit. No offense. I'm, I'm glad. No, hey, cool. I You don't... You hear my... If you're really listening to my shit, you know my influencers. I don't no, really I don't know. necessarily know them all, but, like... Yo, I heard a Led Zeppelin sack that made me want to rap. Uh, you heard, uh, yeah. Mr. Yeah, Zeppelin. That yeah, that shit was fun. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, you added the favorite. drums in, like, real nice, and then you just had the, ah, and then just cut, and then. Because you can't, right? Because you can't use that. You can't use but that then, song But part, then you just but... want it, but the whole time I'm like, I come from the land of the ice and snow, but then, then it came, so now I'm like, what am I going to do? It's like, yo, case is going to be rough. It's like you're getting a handy or something, and you never get to finish. You're edging the whole yeah. way through the song. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's yeah, yeah. an There's appealing lot, yeah. situation. That's a lot. No, of, shout uh, out Lindell. Lindell <laughs> wants to know artists that inspire people, but we kept asking the question wrong. So we found out he wants to know the top three inspirations of a person, and that is interesting. So he asked okay. me to ask this when he shows up. So Lindell's a patron. So shout out Lindell. Um, what up, Lindell? He's not even here now, so he's just at. He's gonna watch it though. He watches okay. every video. So we should. Uh, my top three influences. Yeah, just as a artist, beat maker, person. I don't know. Fucking pick something. See, it's, just, uh, it's an awful okay. question. It's a weird one. That happens not, every it's time. Not, it's not. It's not. Um, Dilla, Timbo, Kanye. Awesome. You have that answer. But yo, half the time I ask it, we're in mid-conversation flowing, and people go, hmm, let me think about that. But we're live. We don't have time to think about shit. We're just flowing. That's why I'm like, let's go down memory lane. Plus, I can't research none of y'all. What the yeah, fuck info true. you think is out there? it's true you yeah. can't really yeah that's we yeah thank you for opting to do that because we do need a roll no, i'm gonna like, make I, it bigger my yeah. guy manchel wiki's coming it's just a i don't want to do this with people i don't like so i have to make friends first i know i know people suck sometimes it's not that they suck it's it's some energy shit i'm on this let's say a color spectrum that i don't know how to put it colors makes it make sense to me so let's say i'm like the, the today you're blue today i'm with I'm the purple people Cause fuck it, mm. we all purple for April. We I dropped a, a slowed and chopped remix for purple. Anyway, that's my boy's uh, campaign. Yo, we all changed okay. our fucking Facebook colors purple for him. That was some love okay. we did. It was kind of cool. Uh, Merka was involved in that. You may have saw his, his thing went purple too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so we're all let's say on this purple wave, and we all have this lifestyle wave of things that we think is cool. Like, yo, I, I talked to you earlier, bro, and I'm like, yo, see sky and fucking cool shit, this, that. But that's what we think is cool. And so we yeah. can fuck around and go, I fucks with Cool Man Logan. I fucks with these people. I fucks with all And let's say we're all like on a certain area. Then there's other areas and different energies. It's not like one's better than another, but we're not really going to be compatible with everyone. So what I'm all focused on is creating vibes that attract people that are like minded. And being open to people who are not. I'm really down to tussle with anybody intellectually on any topic. <laughs> well, I can see that. That's definitely for sure. 
Um, I can see that. This this is this has been a great experience. I definitely enjoyed this, and I'm I need to come back for a part two. Yeah, I know. I just wanted it to go longer than Rico blocks is. How is Rico? How long is Rico? Uh, hold on. It was because you no, and I don't think we're gonna do it. We can't. It's not gonna happen. I don't Rico was touching like seven, right? It was no. It was four hours and twenty minutes after editing. Um, I don't know oh. if Rico Blocks is still with it, but I thought it was four hours, 23 post editing. So we had a three minute pee break or whatever. We started yeah. at like 720, Six. no, 620. So 620. We're, and we're so that, to, uh, yeah. So it's like, mm, what is that? Four hours and what? Is it, is it 740, 840, 940, Yeah, It's kind of like pushing it. Maybe we can run it an extra 15 minutes and we will see what happens. But, no, I'm uh, running. I can run for another extra 15 minutes for sure, for sure. I just, you know, I got food and no, I'm wifey's you, probably like, where are you at, motherfucker? I know, but I just <laughs> thought like, yo, skin deep's mad cool. Let's see if we can push it four hours and change and see if we can like. Let's go. What you, I haven't we thought, haven't yo, touched on so much. Let's go. Well, I knew because that's what happens. After about two to three hours, you derail the story a little bit and you make sure there is a part two because if you can go past three hours, there should be a part two. I haven't touched on tour stories. I haven't touched on touring with Perry. I haven't touched on mad shit. There's a lot of shit that I haven't even touched on at all. Nah, but, and that's cool. But we got to talk a bit about the future then. So let's talk about the VR wave then, if we have a little bit more time. And let's go. So how? So you're able to do coding stuff at all? Or what do you, what do, you do? What do I do? Uh, I work in Linux um, coding. I was privy to because I didn't study it, but I can learn it because I kind of taught myself. So can you fuck everything with the Unity about my engine? Job e slightly, slightly. Yeah. But I will have to learn. Like I'll have to go back to like gate and really study it. But yeah, I so I don't know if Unity is necessary. I'm not really privy to customization. But let's say uh, all space we are right now is a Microsoft owned app so that means it's a player that's not going to disappear as quick so you have to mention it for that reason okay. um, basically it's a spaces thing so imagine if we were doing this except you and me were an avatar on a stage and instead of just the chat we saw all these people and little chat bubbles appearing above their heads and then oh, you could see like a cool man logan if he had a vr and he'd be like oh come on whatever i was there and he would see his like fucking avatars hand motions and shit and his mouth moving and stuff. That'd be nuts. So that's exists. It's free, and you don't even need a VR for it. Okay. And it's just like, yo, I even made it. I clipped in this app into my music video that I dropped in like last fucking May, just to show people little visuals. So my next project, we're gonna do the whole fucking thing in this app and storyboard it and, and try to make like a twenty because it's twenty four minutes. It's gonna be twelve tracks. Shut up, Peter West. Um, mm. And so we're gonna do this thing, but I realize nobody's gonna be able to party. Because, yo, as much as people think it's opening that soon, I'm like, eh, I mean, I mean eh, it's how am I feeling about it? So, like, we'll see how it goes. I don't know. It's like 50-50, you know? Or, like, it's hard to say. I mean, I mean, in six months, everybody's vaccinated proper, but we're half vaccinated now, so it's weird for me. So It opens up, but you don't see, like, I'm not going to be the first wave of people going out. That's what I'm saying. Sure. So, like, either way, I want to make this party album. Because I agree with you, nobody's going to want to see rappers. And I want to see girls, all girls, whatever I do. So we made this album, and then I found out I didn't record it good enough, so I have to spend next week re-recording it because people were mm. like, bro, this doesn't suck. And I'm like, oh, 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 fuck. Okay. <laughs> That's not what I had in mind for this, but okay. Now I need a new bullshit project, but like, fine. So nobody's going to party. And I'm like, yo, but I got the Oculus. So, like, in theory, a couple people could come through, run the Oculus, 
mm-hmm. and like we film their avatar moving appropriately to whatever whatever that plays roles inside of the characters so we can just get like you know it could even be like one two people really that just does it just to have hand motions and shit be more natural looking for the avatar otherwise it's just a bunch of fucking avatars in a vr platform half of us could show up for the party from our own fucking house for free on our computers with existing gear and i know because i've done about 90 of these interviews already maybe about 70 80 since like fucking november because of zoom and shit so half of y'all have the gear okay so, so we can all go rapping this shit and if y'all think twitch is whatever twitch is saturated on the way to a weird place but us space vr is like fucking ratio of it's in a weird place because it doesn't exist yet but then i gotta ask you where do you think it's gonna go next because i want to be there with you i can't yeah, i'm tired VR. of jumping in late no it's gonna be vr, VR? Okay. everybody's okay. just so focused on crypto now because they're too focused on commodity markets and i'm really focused on the experience market so if you go to the experience market it's gated subscription model so basically what you need to do is make your shit super cool and super exclusive like i don't really want to have shows that are easy to get into in fact if i don't invite you to my show whether you're a consumer or an artist you probably can't come to my show because that's the vibe man nobody's fucking into this open like fucking anybody can jump in and tear down your shit type yeah, vibe. Like, yeah, i don't want that that like it's not cool i mean like think yeah, about cool no. again but then we think about spaces of vr it's like these twitch channels where you can so could you do space. like a could you do like a 10 minute episodic show on these vr channels because i'm leaning towards oh, oh my fucking god dude you just gave me an idea we should talk about off camera Lord, we will um that was lit nah for real but it's more like the idea is going to be live and interactive more video on demand like why are we going to go towards it and you just have to look to the asian markets you shout out capitan trombon for the father um but like basically if you look at the asian markets they already do a lot more live and then we're kind of late to the thing so a lot of people are not following a lot of people are on mobile devices just watching shit so yo but frankly frankly everybody that's on youtube is kind of not hip no more like it's kind of my guy i see them moving to which i see them but it's not that actually so what happened was a bunch of motherfuckers got this great idea to go jump off of youtube and go make their own fucking sites and you you must know these motherfuckers go to our website meticulous i'm sorry i fucking love you my guy but (laughs) what they did is they gated all this content so now all of my favorite creators don't give a fuck about youtube all my science guys they're like nebula and curiosity stream i'm like Get the fuck out of here. I'm not coming to your shit. I actually went nope. to Curiosity Stream for one month and they got my $15 <laughs> and it lasted one month because it's not fucking YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. And it's, it's like not... the problem is, is now what's left is like, yo, the only thing I like left is video game essays. So me and my homies, we're going to make cyberpunk lore videos next year when it's cool again. Ooh. If, do you cool. have cyberpunk? I do not have Cyberpunk. I um, I'm a PS4 gamer. I was okay, gonna get I it. I didn't get it. No, I but like, explained it. I understand. Yeah, right. I saw that. I'm just like, nope, not gonna do that with Cyberpunk. But Ghost of Tsushima, if you, I, you need to play that game. Um, that's a fire. Dude, it's game. just Cyberpunk has like nine distinct graphs, graph styles covering the walls, and they really put like hours and out. Like, dude, you don't understand. I'm gonna make videos on the graph. They did. They did put hours, but why didn't they test the PS4 version? What yeah, the fuck? I can answer do? that. It's Money Man. Yeah, porting. Right. You work in a software place. It's Money Man means programmers. Everybody knew it was gonna work, right? 
but the yeah. stockholders in the current market and I have to be very careful and dance, but you make promises to your, your shareholders in the public mm -hmm. market. Mm -hmm. You say, my company will make this much money. That's yep. a promise you make. Now, if you're coming to the end of it and that promise isn't kept, you watch how a lot of buy all, a lot of bad decisions end up getting met because unfortunately the job of the board of directors of a publicly traded company's responsibility is to the shareholder and not to the fucking consumer and 100%. this misconception of anything but the second they do an ipo it's basically like saying hey i don't give a fuck about you consumer yeah pretty much i mean yeah yeah essentially look at what happened with watch dogs one how that looked when it first came out at E3 versus how the actual game came. And what kills me is when I was at Ubisoft peak when that was coming out, ninjas were like, hey, yo, so like, what are we putting this game out? Because we don't know what to do. And then, <laughs> and then, and then what killed me, I remember being at work that we were working on the game. So I worked on Rainbow Six Siege and then I was simultaneously also working on, they were working on Watch Dogs. So, the day Grand Theft Auto Five, the trailer for PS3, not even PS4, but the day the trailer for GTA Five dropped, I remember being in the office and like 30 minutes later, you just seeing mass emails go out being like, "Yo, we can't drop this shit. We cannot put this game out. We can't drop this shit." And if you remember, Grand Theft Auto came out first, even though Watch Dogs was announced before it, and like it, Watch Dogs, I think if Grand Theft Auto came out September 2013. Watch Dogs might have only came out like May that year. Mm. Yeah, honestly because. though, it's like it's crazy though, because man, I know a lot about this industry, and I'm kind of limited in how deep I can go on some contract of course. shit. Because yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, video games and software are like mad similar. So we're talking about like SaaS model marketing for mm -hmm. software now, and like y'all don't get it. It's really about keeping you in the ecosystem for as long as possible and that's all that fucking matters that's what we people, care about and people act like quality of game matters but y'all also hyped up and bought the pre-sales so it's like y'all spent like, yo who bought who in their right mind after and this is where I'm, I'm shitting on every gamer out there who did not made a bad decision with their ps4s skyrim oblivion skyrim. came up oblivion, oblivion came out, I remember and you one. know what happened dude my computer couldn't run it so you know yep. what I didn't do? I didn't I buy it. And you know what? We we knew it was gonna be shitty on console at launch, so nobody bought it. It used to be you knew it. Wait till Game of the Year edition. Yep. Oh remember that? Remember yes. we waited till that? So why 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 would any human being buy the pre sale oh, to yep. a fucking game on yep. a last gen console on the yep. next gen consoles there? After it's been pushed back three times. I got shivers. I got shivers thinking about the amount of times we'd put shit out. Legit. Be like, oh, the game went gold. And we're still testing. And we're like, this ain't gold. What are you talking about? This is nowhere near gold. And they're like, no, no, no. We'll just put in the day one patch. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about day one patch? And like for months, we'd be testing builds of games that they're just looking to <laughs> patch day one and that's when you come and you get your game and you have like a 10 gig day one patch that's because we're still working on that shit mm. and the game's out 
No, dude, we're still like, like look, no, but here's the other side of it. Like it's mad complicated too, right? So here's the problem is expectations from gamers are heavily influenced by gaming media. So I got yeah. really into gaming media because I needed a break from music and shit. And I watched okay. these gaming motherfuckers talk about cyberpunk while I'm playing this game. I watched the reviews and I'm like, y'all really give a fuck about whether or not the ambiance character eats a fucking piece of toast, right? Bro, if that's what's no, needed for No, but it's the nitpick to nitpick. I'm like, if that's what you need for your immersion, we are not living the fucking same. Yo, I'm walking around Cyberpunk, dude, staring at artwork on the wall. Yeah. Driving my car around and it's goofy things. People are like, bro, it's blah, blah, blah. Nah. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I get to walk with my bat and smash people. It's fucking cool. Right? And then you like look at the ads and they're really well done. And then you read the text in the game and they're like everything you want from a CD Projekt Red experience. And like, honestly, you could just explore the cityscape like you travel into a new place and it's just mm. not actually do anything. But nobody really, they were like, yeah, okay, the groom design is pretty. And I'm like, bro, but like, but like that was the point. Yeah, but we're, we're spoiled now. <coughs> Or so it's the like, gamers that are complaining are spoiled now. So it's like, yeah, they're not going to appreciate it like we would. I don't care about graphics like that. I, nah, if the game like, looks pretty, I also pretty like good. come from you know Seven Saga on the fucking SNES is a masterpiece. Yes, yes, it yo, is. There's so many fucking games like that that I grew up on. Secret that, of Mana. Oh, of Secret them. of Evermore, my my friend. Is Evermore is yeah, Evermore. Yo, with the Evermore. dog, that yeah. game is litty. I don't Evermore care what anybody right. fucking. There's with all the dog, these games, yeah, but like they're not. At all graphics it was just concepts and gameplays and dynamics and engagement and yo we are nerds shut up see how okay yeah hell yeah this nerd life baby yo, my all girlfriend day. is a bird nerd and she's trying to come at me like being a video game nerd is dorky and i'm like yo it's just the same as being a bird nerd it's in the same she's realm. a bird nerd or she's into like birds yo i can identify birds by their calls now my guy Oh, that's nice. <coughs> so she had, I feed blue jays in my backyard. No, so we feed the blue jays, which attract to the squirrels, which attracts the starlings, which attracts the chickadees. So we have bird feeders for the chickadees and the sparrows. And the that now she's really excited because a, a fucking new woodpecker showed up that she never heard before. So she spent oh, time woodpeckers, man. She spent fucking time, and she said, "I'm literally reading a book about birds while I'm watching this." I we get okay the northern so flicker. Blue jays, Yo. The, we have like nine our family of blue jays Yo, Bonnie, can you give me water please so we got uh a blue comes through and then yeah it does attract the squirrels because blackie and his family are always running up my stem stairs and trying to like type rope the friggin clothesline to get to the bird feeder uh the red wing blackbirds they love my shit the sparrows chickadees are my favorites i love those if i could command those i will one day um <laughs> and uh cute yeah, chickadees are awesome. Cardinals. Cardinals is like Danielle's family bird. So we stay having cardinals all over and they follow us every day. I like they're the red ones. Around. Yeah, the red ones are those are my babies. I love those. They're like they they're super nice. So I'm I'm a big nature bird pet person. So like yeah, I, I don't hate that's a cool hobby. I'm I'm a nerd on many different things that I probably No, all I was saying is that if you're a bird nerd to that extent is no different than being any other kind of nerd. No, no, it's not. No. I not just wanted that on the table, so she had to accept that when she's calling me a nerd, she's she also a nerd. A nerd. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. No, my uh, my, <laughs> I I got lucky that my wife is into most of the stuff I'm into. So, well, not most of it, but like she she worked for Disney on their cruises. So, going from there, she got into Marvel. 
<laughs> now she collects figs as much as I collect figs because I buy them for her. And yeah, we're just a big Disney, big nerdy family. So like, yeah, I'm big on that nerdish. Love it. No, fair enough. You know those people who try to sell you things on Facebook Marketplace, but then they give you like the wild outlandish like, <sighs> price that you don't want? Um, and they come back to you like four like, years Yo, later. Facebook Marketplace is just wild. Every time I do any kind of competitive analysis, yo, can you hear us? <clears throat> is that just CL that can't hear us? Oh, we stopped yeah. talking for a quick minute because I was waiting on that water thing. And then I'm fucking yeah. dying still. Sorry, CL. Sorry. Didn't mean to scare you. That's amazing. But yo, um, basically, yeah, I, I got like sketched out a bit by Marketplace because it's not that it's bad, but legitimately every item... I have ever searched on marketplace i have found on kgg cheaper so i just have no incentive to like think about it though i find it on amazon cheaper or i find it on the next site cheaper and i'm right. not saying that marketplace has no value i'm saying there's not really. one item i have personally looked up that i have found the best value on marketplace and i mean maybe i just don't look for the weirdness weird shit or whatever like what are you supposed to find like that's better value on marketplace than like amazon or whatever no you're right you're right um some things i look for on marketplace i'm just kind of like nah i'll just search for it because it's be like in a group that i'm a part of and then mm -hmm. you message some dude and they'll be like oh it's this and then you're like nah but the thing is with marketplace i love it that i just I j if your shit's too ridiculous on marketplace i just stop talking to you. and then mm -hmm. at that point then you usually get the person messaging you back three days later trying to be like hey well how about this price and i'm almost like no or like i don't know but marketplace is kind of weird very weird i mean i think it's kind of fun a little bit but then it has like a gps location attached to it so you get to find that, out how many yeah. kilometers away from it is people that are like so yo yeah. just imagine yeah i definitely think we beat the record i'm very happy with that so like oh shit we did <laughs> yeah I just let it run a little bit you gotta like set it a bit it's like yo i watch speed running sometimes speed running is like yo you can beat it by the second or you can beat it by Three and a half I came seconds. Out, I came out here saying I'm just like I want to beat Rico's, but I was like, yeah, I would, you know, like ain't, ain't like a goal. But if it happens, okay, that's dope. Um, mm -hmm. I'm glad it was fun for the most part. I do have to pee and or eat soon. Nah, but, uh, so it's yeah. real cool. We should probably wrap up though, for real. Um, nah, I mean at this point, it's like I got another interview at two tomorrow, and I'm like, eh, I kind of want to like stop. <laughs> so, Push it, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, we should. Yeah, I mean, you like to get your sleep probably, on it, but we'll yeah. do part two. We gotta have nah, me back. Come on, for sure. Yeah, for sure. We're gonna set that up. We always, I say that. You leave it. You're gonna find out. I'm gonna be like at least three months, my guy. And then it's like, yeah, because yeah, we gotta give it some space to breathe and stuff. Of course. Anyway. Of course. But At shout out all of you that, shit. like, stuck it through. No, honestly, Rico, trust. My tummy's grumbling. I know there's food. Um, it's yeah. been, like, fuck, it's 11, 12. I'm very acutely aware of the time. I'm, like, fucking choking at this point. <coughs> it's, yeah, like, he's choking. my body. He's been, he's been shotgunning joints this whole time. I'm looking at no, him that like, part's like a joint. <laughs> uh, that part's fair. So, yeah, and then at the end of the day, it's, like, you know, every good thing has to come to an end. And there's still just a whole bunch of potential for part two. And everything that will come with that and uh yeah. anyway um i'm really excited about how this went this was fucking great i appreciate all y'all that watched it across the i appreciate the you guys that all watched it too i appreciate my fam for being in here shout out to all y'all rico co Vinny, you yeah. know meticulous thank you again tick for bringing me back and putting that battery in my back because yeah, again i really thank you thank so, you yeah. bonnie for bringing water and everything else that she does but now but for real thank you <clears throat> thank you for coming through mr skin deep mr skinny mr action yeah. skinny figgy 
figgy action figgies action fig skin serious black fucking i don't know uh <laughs> that dude no i'm kidding i'm not that dude but uh yeah just thanks for having me man i yeah, i this enjoyed this thoroughly and and this is i always like platforms where i could just speak my mind and whatnot and and this morning in my head i'm like i'm gonna get on some ranty shit talk about all the shit that's wrong but at the same time i'm like nah because like we get to that later and like there's this mad things that we could we go and build and building is going to be good that's building it. is the, we're so, bringing back building in 2022 so and it's going to be a good build so the thing is is i'm down to talk about this wrong but you'll notice for me it's like nah i'm bringing this up so we can go somewhere with a solution i got a lot of solutions in my mind I'm not really into it. Now, people don't have to like my solutions, but they are kind of based on watching how really rich people make money. So right. we can roll with how y'all want to roll and people can squad up how they want to squad. If y'all like the internet, I'm going to go run this way and we can run on that internet game together because I just believe there's a lot of internet money out there and a lot of great opportunity. Yo, I'm like, I'm like legitimately getting to talk to people that like are just so interesting. Like, poison pen like what right how oh zoom it was zoom because yo you think i'm going to fucking like new york city to like link up on interviews and shit anytime no zoom and that's yeah, like that, the crazy part it's just if we think that, about yeah. it it all different <laughs> we have more opportunities right if we're smart about it anyway thank y'all <coughs> for real i'm fucking dying here I'm going to go ahead and see who's live. One more little sip of water. Word. This was fucking great. Thank you all for real. Special thanks to the patrons and all of them. I'm not going to do the name thing. If you want to support special, patreon.com slash behind that suit. I'm going to go find a channel to write. I'm fucking dying. I think my throat is like, shut the fuck up for a second here. You're I don't not know how you do this camera. every day. That's wild. Um, Practice. I think yeah. I talk a lot softer than I used to. I put a lot right. less energy into it. We're going to raid this yeah. thug shells lady who's from Canada and raps better. Oh, fuck. Oh, Ismail guided thug shells as I was fucking going to pick thug shells. Are you fucking kidding me? I had already what? copied that shit. <laughs> so thug shells just ill freestyler. Bonnie's big fan of hers, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um she hit me up earlier plus i also like dougie and i want her to be on the radar so y'all hit that follow when i get there i want to interview her because she's way more popping than any of us also women are taking over guys don't even play like we have a chance all at me for beats any women rappers i want to work with a female rapper haven't done that yet so it's your boy